computer then gets compromised and like your keys are compromised and that's what matters more than the wallet you're using on a day-to-day basis so yeah it's, it's all like in the nuance and i just feel like it's especially confusing for people that are like new to the space well, um, I don't want to ruin your talk for tomorrow because if you tell us all today, then you're just going to have to say it all again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have to rant about this. I want to hear what Kat has to say about her job. But anyway, I'm checking out her frames. Got I my pinned tweet and add questions. To the top, if anyone wants to check out Kat's floating frames, they look fucking sick. I didn't know about them until Justin just said until I got them. Um, but they're pinned in here, and I'm gonna let Kat have before. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks, Justin, for for having me on stage I was just having lunch and then I dropped all my food on the ground <laughs> uh, um, yeah so these basically these floating frames they're um, they're part of uh, my Lumière du Noir drop and th- that's kind of like a drop uh, in different parts um, and uh, basically it's a series of caves uh, that were taken from all over the world and then the series uh, finishes with a trip to the Canadian Rockies with me. Um, so I'm including a bunch of stuff in that drop, uh, in that NFT. So basically, that includes a five-day trip with me to the Rockies um, and also a two-day canoe trip to Spirit Island, um, which is actually the, the image. That's the NFT. Um, I don't know if you guys can, it's probably lower on my profile, but uh, it's kind of like a reflection shot of a lake with a small canoe in the middle, if you guys want to put it up. Um, yeah. And then during that trip, um, I'll teach the collector some photography or not, you know, that can also be super, super chill. Um, I'll also take some behind the scenes and I will create a piece for the collector as we are adventuring. So on top of like the image, there will be a uh, commission piece that will be created and I'm giving full rights on that piece as well. Um, yeah, and that comes with two prints, one with the NFT, one with the commission piece. And yeah, I just really wanted to include a bunch of stuff in that. So I think it's going to be a cool a cool adventure and I'm really, really excited to uh, to do that with, uh, with, with someone who loves the mountains. So yeah, thank you so much. Did you launch this the 25th or before that? I feel like I saw something like this and I wasn't sure if it was you or not because it's like totally up my alley. Yeah, I launched that about two and a half weeks ago. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I saw this and I flipped. This is like the coolest thing someone could offer for someone like me who's into outdoors and is into photography. Like, yeah, and this is so cool. I wish it's like kind of pricey for me, but (laughs) I would love to do this so much. (laughs) Uh, thank you so much. I, I just really enjoy bringing people on adventures. That's actually uh, my job. I, I lead photography workshops uh, around the world. So I just, yeah, I just really enjoy to, to teach my craft and bring people to epic places. Um, yeah, sometimes easy to reach places, sometimes not so easy to reach places. Uh, I've done a photography workshops in Peru and we were hiking in uh, high altitude for uh, about eight days so that was perhaps the, the the craziest workshop I've done but I think you know I think with this drop uh, I want to be super flexible so you don't have to be you don't have to be crazy like me you know it's I just really want to inspire someone to step out of their comfort zone perhaps if they haven't done something like that before 
And uh, the canoe trip is basically four-hour paddle to Spirit Island, which is uh, right in the middle of the Canadian Rockies. Um, and four hours sounds a lot, but it's not. It's actually pretty accessible. Um, um, yeah, and then we will camp next to Spirit Island, and then we'll photograph the sunset and sunrise and the night sky. And yeah, it's going to be a really cool adventure. So I'm really excited about it. What got you? Uh, what got you like into adventures? Why do you think adventures are meaningful for yourself and for people you hope come on this? Yeah, I think for me, uh, I, I basically I started um, I started traveling and really kind of like I changed my entire life back in 2014. So I was uh, working as a fashion stylist and a fashion model. Uh, and there's kind of like a point where I felt stuck a little bit and I was not super happy with the work that I was doing. So I decided to just sell everything that I owned, um, break the lease of my apartment and then buy one way ticket to, uh, Australia where I did a bit of, uh, uh, farming. So I was, uh, doing some cherry picking, banana picking, uh, just really kind of dirty jobs. Uh, and I did that for about two years. So it was really physical, but there was kind of like the creative side of it that was really missing uh but i think just like going on adventures is just so good to learn about yourself you know if i feel if you just always stay in your comfort zone that you don't really grow and don't you, you don't really kind of like um expand your mind to perhaps new possibilities that you have for yourself and uh yeah it's it has really changed me to to travel uh to pick up a camera and then to start hiking uh in the mountains uh, most of my work is created uh, while on solo adventures in the mountains at night. So I just really like the adrenaline that is related to just going uh, solo scrambles uh, in bear country. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then just create there. So um, I think for me, it just makes me feel alive. And um, there's just something uh, that happens to me. It's just kind of like, kind of like a, maybe it's probably freedom. And um, when I pe when I bring people on adventures with me, I just want them to experience that feeling as well. Um, yeah, of just like being super relaxed and you know enjoying enjoying the outdoors and kind of like putting aside all the all the um, negativity or whatever things that you have in your mind. So yeah, I I, I love to inspire people to do that. Is the auction thing still happening? Yeah, so right now I'm doing uh, open offers. Um, I, I thought about putting a um, reserve price because I do have a number in mind because it's it's including so many things. Uh, but at the same time, I, I do want to kind of like let the the market, um, you know, do do its work and see see um, if people are interested. And that's also a great opportunity to kind of like open a dialogue with people that might be interested to. Uh, to come on that trip with me. Um, yeah, so just kind of like open offers. I'll probably leave it for another few weeks and then and then see what happens. Trill, this is your chance. Go on a hike with Kath. He can't, he can't <laughs> speak, but he can hear me. Um, uh, you good? I think Justin just dropped his phone. Oh, <laughs> it sounded like a oops. I dropped my phone like you dropped your food. Um, <laughs> is your is the trip you did in Peru? Was that on the Inca Trail? 
No, it was on the Waiwash Trail, and it's like um, in the middle of the Peruvian Andes, and it's not well known. Uh, so when I went to Peru, I, I don't know, I think in general, I don't really like to go to places that are super touristy. I think that the Inca Trail is, is super pretty, but there's just so many people doing it. Uh, and my thing is really like mountains, glacier, glacier, uh, glacier lakes, waterfalls, um, and really kind of like unique vegetation. So that's why I decided to do something a bit more remote. Um, yeah, we had like mountain passes at uh, 6,000 meters. Um, so it was pretty, pretty insane. Um, and I was with one client and then one um, guy that was the, the owner of the travel agency. And I forced them to wake up at uh, <laughs> between one and two uh, in the morning every day because I wanted to shoot uh, specific spots on the trail just to catch the best light. And they wanted to kill me the entire time. So we decided to stop the stop the, the trek at eight days instead of 14 because I, I killed them. Um, but yeah, it was, it was amazing. Um, I think it's always worth kind of like, you know, yes, I think the touristy spots are cool, but it's always worth doing that extra research and just go to places where there's no tourist. So that's kind of my philosophy. Have you been, Justin, to the Inca Trail? I've been to Peru a lot. Um, nice. I love Cusco and, and the Sacred Valley. Man, you yeah. sound like a lot of fun to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I... Uh, one of your things in the future so we could hang out. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be amazing. Cusco is uh, awesome. If I may ask, um, for your Genesis drop on Superworld, that video of First of all, that's amazing, but how long did it take to edit and how many years have you been in videography slash photography? Because that video that you dropped, the one about May 21st, that video, it's, wow, that's, it's just amazing. How many hours did it take you to edit that video, if I may ask? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so I actually hired a videographer uh, to film that, but the entire kind of script and idea was uh, directed by uh, myself and him were kind of like really merging ideas but I had like a really clear vision about that first drop that I wanted to do so like from a place of darkness uh, comfort so like the three cave pieces to a place of light which is the 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 image uh, to Spirit Island with the master experience but uh, yeah so honestly just maybe like a few days to write the script and and plan everything. I also had to do some uh, scouting on my own to find a cave in the Canadian Rockies where we could shoot the the intro of the video. So just that took uh, a long time. And then we went back to the cave to film everything. And then with the editing, so probably probably around 150 hours, I would say, uh, just for the video drop. So that was just a lot of work. But I just, I don't know, I, I really wanted to uh, drop some, something that had a story and that was really well kind of like tied up together as a whole um yeah so it was it was a lot of work but um really happy uh, I did that I think it's just kind of like a a reflection of the, the the all the work and time that I put into my my own art so I just wanted to drop something that reflects that that's amazing because I've been in film for about eight years now and when I saw that video I was like wow did you did you create like a storyboard or something? Because you you know when when I do film, I I do storyboards because sometimes there's so many ideas to put in a video, but so little time. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I think it was just like slight sketches. Uh, and then really for us, the script. I think the mic, yeah, Kat, I think the mic cut out, yeah. She's in, rumor has it, she's still exploring. Can you um, pin that video you're talking about, Scrubs? Yeah, I got you. I'll be right back. Thank you. Can you remove pins? I feel like it gets yeah. hard to scroll through all the pins at, at some point. Yeah, let me see. I think I can just hit, yeah, I'll do it and get rid of all the old votes. Well, while Kat's microphone is uh, getting back, this question is actually for Justin. Um, I really do feel like photography is somewhat underrated in the NFT space right now. And, um, you know, with your work in Twin Flames and now seeing Kat's work, um, I'm just wondering, like, what other photographers are you looking at or who do you see that's uh, emerging in the space that would be uh, that you would recommend checking out? Um, you know, I've recently been starting to buy more NFT photography, and there's this one photographer who has made incredible, beautiful work. She's new. Um, she's only released a few pieces. Her name is... Why can't I fucking find it? Um, hold on one second. There's also, before I find her name, there's also Chi Modi, who actually recently passed away, and I've been collecting his work and it's on rarables and it's all like pictures of biggie and tupac and rappers um and it's really cool to see you know professional photographers from the music world also um take part on the on on the nft so i want to see a lot more portraits because we're seeing also you know a lot of what cap is doing is amazing but there ha there isn't really many more portraits either so i really want to see the um the rise of pe people and pictures and portraits and you know landscapes and abstract photography street photography um i haven't really been seeing that um where is this artist she she doesn't oh fuck i'll have to find it but in the meantime there's actually michael muller he's a literally legendary photographer he's got his own um immersive like movie coming out with oculus soon and it's going to drop during Shark Week. And there's, we've been actually helping him with the entire drop for, I think, two months now. Um, it's a bunch of one-of-one one NFTs um, of, like, insane shots of sharks, like, rarely seen before. It's incredible. Uh, the metrics will be really interesting. Physical, digital, I'll, I'll, I'll share when, when everything's uh, ready to go. But there's really a dope community of photographers. Like, there's John Knopf and there's um, Jacob just Jacob on Instagram. He's a dope creator and there's just incredible talented people. But the NFT like photography community, I find tend to really like foundation. If you go out there, like there's a ton of them. And it's really cool. Awesome. Thanks so much for the info. Also really quick. Uh, do you pronounce your name Farouk or uh, Farouk? Yeah. Farouk is not, it's fine. So I found Thank the girl's I've name seen it on Twitter so much. <laughs> Sorry. Um, her name is Kareen Isabel. And there's also Claudia, who you'll find easily, who makes beautiful work. Those two I've been collecting. 
Um, and there's so much more, but those two are definitely two women, including Kath, whose art I really like, and I'm looking to collect one of Kath's soon. Maybe even I might just buy this all all paid expense trip to the Rockies. Who knows? Yeah, I'm seriously considering that too. <laughs> How many people could win it? Just one. Yeah, Do we just have one. Like, all of us win this thing. <laughs> we all come. A Dow. A Dow buys it. Yeah, a, a Rocky Mountain Dow. She has Twenty to dudes show up. <laughs> Justin and DNFO bidding war coming up. Is Emdow gonna buy this? We gonna go on a retreat together? We were talking 20, about a trip. <laughs> Twenty day. Twenty day trip. One each day. This could be the trip. It's a pretty cool idea, though. I haven't seen this like trip as an nft like full experience as an nft that you end up with like a customized piece of art at the end it's, it's a really cool concept i mean ben askren tried it but i think he rugged nate alex <laughs> if you saw that i missed that <laughs> what happened so like leading up ben askren leading up to his you know like bullshit boxing match versus whatever paul he fought he did an NFT that was like the boxing gloves that he was going to wear for the fight, um, a one-on-one NFT, and then like an all-inclusive trip to the next UFC fight, and he got to like sit with him. And Nate Alex bought it for like eight grand or something, and then he like didn't hear from for the next two weeks, and he's like, "Did I just get rugged?" <laughs> So like I, I I haven't got any updates from it, but yeah, he, he this, is going, this is going full circle, right? We were talking about Gary V making promises and he'll keep them, but like the more people make promises, the better it would be when it's like there's some way to contractually, you know, like through code or something else, make it so that people don't get rugged over time. I agree. It should be in the smart contract. That's an interesting point. Well, also, I mean, even just, if it's in the smart contract, it doesn't. It, yeah, it says the creator needs to do it, but there's no, like, law. I mean, they would ruin their community, of course, but, like, there's no law that would make them accountable and there's no collateral they're putting up. Like, does it? I don't know. Yes. I, I think, it just, I think it just creates more legal problems than anything because, like, then if it's in the smart contract, people are going to say, like, you know, they're going to bring in the U.S. legal system, which is just a pain in the ass. I don't know. I think Smart contract answer, yeah, but something something to help these promises not result in scams is a, maybe more what I mean. And and sometimes I think a smart contract could work, but it's you know a very specific narrow set of cases. I keep tapping my mic like a schizophrenic. I think a um, I think the community does a really good job of just moderating the people who don't live up to their word too. So like if someone didn't live up to what they said they were going to do. I don't think they would even really get a second chance with how loud we are. Yeah, but what does Ben Aspen care, right? Like, I agree with you, and that's what... Oh, we yeah, fuck Ben Aspen. Yeah. But, like, like, yeah, fuck him, for real. But he could just be like, hey, I'm rugging this guy, and I don't give a fuck about the NFT community, right? But imagine now on a bigger level. Imagine someone comes in and sells, like, a million dollars worth and just dips. You know, we can't even hold them... Like it's it's gonna be too hard. 
Yeah. I mean, and it all comes down to the buyers being smart and not FOMO hype beasts that are just paying for shit that's stupid. Like instead buying things from creators who have a good reputation, who've been in the space, who've, you know, engaged and built with everybody here. And rather than just someone who's using their likeness from getting KO'd in like half a second to, you know, rug another group of people and promote his shitty podcast. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think like as people get more bold also with like trying to scam people, there probably will be lawsuits, right? Like if you're someone like Ben that's like doxxed, like I don't know, Nate could sue him. He's not probably not going to do that because like the $6,000 or $8,000 whatever isn't worth it for him. But, you know, if somebody like if Logan Paul comes out and rugs everybody for $2 million, like there's probably going to be a class action lawsuit. Yeah, I don't think that the on-chain nature of things uh, changes, like, laws around defrauding people. <laughs> if you just promise them something and don't do it at all. Yeah, so, um, for for example, for my trip, once the, the buyer buys the NFT, uh, I'm going to send a service contract that we will both sign uh, that will be verified by a lawyer. So I think that's just like a way to, just like normal contract. Uh, it's it's a way to guarantee um, that you know both both parties are uh, protected. And same thing for the full license that comes with the commission piece. There's going to be another um, contract for the license. So I think this is just like you know I think this can be. Uh, protected with just normal kind of paperwork. That totally makes sense. Yeah. And also I love what you're doing, trying to like bring not just someone into an experience, but into like a co-creation experience. That sounds like, um, you know, I'm kind of into the web three being much more about creating than just lurking. And you're just like helping encourage that so much. So uh, everything you're doing sounds awesome. Actually, we we're just talking about Gary and how, you know, he's been creating this playbook and you're helping build the playbook too in, in a new in a new way. So it's really cool. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. If I may ask, uh, Let's say someone does buy the Genesis and you go on a trip. Is there any like safety um, protocols you have? Just like, like you, know, you always got to be safe if you if you bring like a random stranger along. Do you got anything to like protect yourself or whatever? Yeah, hundred percent. So I I really wanted to make this trip flexible. Uh, so I budgeted uh, enough to hire um, a hiking guide that has a certification, permits, etc. Uh, if we want to go on, let's say hikes that or longer than 15 minutes. Um, and then for the canoe trip, uh, ideally, uh, I'm going to hire a canoe guide as well. So I think just having guides with us is just a great way to kind of, uh, you know, make sure that the, if everything that touches on safety and legality is covered. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's really going to be up to the person uh, to decide that. Um, and also, I'm stating that it's a free trip and not like a paid trip. 
So that was another thing that I worked out with the lawyer. Um, so by just saying that it's like a gift instead of like something that you pay for, uh, can also play in the, um, in the contracts just so, you know, I'm protected. Um, and also the, the collector is protected. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that you highlighted that you're incorporating both a, a physical contract as well as, you know, the smart contract for the NFT, right? Like that they're not mutually exclusive. They have benefits in and of themselves and that you plan on, you know, protecting yourself with a traditional contract as well as the smart contract. Yeah, I think it's important. Um, I think perhaps like people that think about providing experiences and, and stuff like that will just kind of be like, hey, you know, go on a hike with me or go on this adventure with me. But there's just so much legality uh, behind that and stuff that is very important. You know, if, if something happens, you have to be protected. You have to be ready. So, uh, yeah, so I think it's just the, the best way to do that. And even for the commission piece, like I would probably inc include a third contract just to guarantee that the commission piece will be created. So I think it's just like, you know, just provide as much kind of uh, insurance or in security as possible. So everybody's happy and then like there's no there's no like weird spot. So, yeah, it's just be prepared, I think. Is the best way. Kath, is, is this the first of many kind of experiential NFT um, trip things that you, you plan to do? Um, hopefully. I, I think, you know, with that, I just wanted to test the market, see if there's anyone interested in doing that with me. Like, you know, like it's, it's still a, it's a metaverse market. So it's, I, I was not sure how much people would like to go on real life experiences. Um, but at the same time, like I personally have a lot of experience in this. Um, so I think this can be a little bit, uh, you know, uh, reassuring for the collector to know that. Um, but yeah, I would actually love to maybe step up uh, and perhaps offer something, uh, for example, in Iceland maybe a, a little bit of a longer trip, a bit more exploration, um, could go in the highlands uh, in Iceland. That's like another really cool spot where you can take a four by four, you're crossing some rivers, you're exploring volcanoes. It's, it's just like such a cool spot. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking of perhaps offering something in Iceland for the second experience and maybe something in Peru for the, for the last one. Perhaps doing that same trek, but not as a, military as I as I did it with the other guys um yeah I I would love to stay in that lane because that's that's I'm really passionate about that and I feel that uh, I've, I've touched on something that is uh, a bit different and more unique so I think yeah I think I, I that's that's in my plans but I just want to take my time and and see how the first experience is doing so yeah that's super cool and and do you do you plan on like considering doing trips that you know, allow multiple people to participate. Like, I can imagine there's people that might want to go on like a, you know, an engagement trip like this, for example. Uh, I'm curious if you're you're thinking about that and, and might do something like that in the future. Yeah, 100%. I think it would actually be super cool to organize something between collectors and artists. 
um and just yeah some like a like, like maybe kind of like a group adventure maybe 20 people i think that would be really fun uh and perhaps even maybe the artist could create commission piece on the trip uh so i think yeah i think there's just so many possibilities and um like you know we're still at the start um and i think that creating like in, in real life and in person human connections is super important so i think that would be really cool to do that for sure yeah i can definitely see like group of friends that i have that would you know be interested in some type of group trip like that like the guys in mdal i could totally see bidding on something like that like bobby purple purple hat and hear me and then other people who aren't in here i'll speak for them and say they're interested <laughs> That's perfect. I love it. Imagine the conversations on a canoe with all you DJs. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm imagining like some of these trips, you know, like a, a DAO commissions a trip basically. And then like, it's the first time all of these people are meeting, not on the internet, <laughs> on this really intense mountain adventure. It, it would be, uh, it'd be quite the experience. Yeah, it would be really fun. I think... But I think it's like on a, on on trips like that and on experience like that that you just uh, connect more with people. You know, you you gotta you gotta push your limits a bit. You you gotta wake up extra early to catch sunrise and maybe you know walk that extra mile. And and for me, that's always I've I've how I've met my my best friends and create like the deepest kind of connection. So I think yeah, definitely like a trip where you know there's a bit of adventure would be would be really fun to do 100%. I have to thank Justin for the shout out too because this is the first time I have seen your work and I'm very uh, enticed. Thank you so much and yes, thank you so much Justin. You're you're amazing. Appreciate Let's it. go. Fellow Canadian. Yes. Quebec. There are so many Canadians in the, the NFT space. It's like blowing my mind. So many, bro. Like they're all out west to in Vancouver. That's literally where like fuck render, Victor, Beige, I think Richard and that gang. Like so many people in Vancouver. I've just been on a mission to find as many Montrealers as possible because obviously I'm not like um, a non or whatever. But it's just like it's it's pretty wild. I mean, it's a lot of Canadian representation. It's dope. Yeah, it's quite the trip. I have I have uh, I have dual citizenship, so I feel like I get to be kind of a part of the gang, even though I'm not really Canadian. Fraud. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's wild. Like a lot of collectors, a lot of artists, a lot of a lot of Canadian representation. So, Kath, do you have anyone you want to bring up and do like a little domino effect of supporting the? our friends and community and whatnot? Sure. I'm looking in the audience right now. Let me see if I recognize any people. Um, Who has a drop coming? Yeah, maybe with someone with an upcoming drop. Jay, do you have something? Jay, Jay two something. <laughs> I can't remember your last name, but Jay, you, you're always like super supportive on my stuff. 
perhaps I'd love to hear from you. Peace? Is that a yes? I invited him up. Wait, what are these emojis? I actually got to run. But... They should give you more range. It's not... They're not enough. expressive. I need to... Uh, Bernando, do you, Bernardo, sorry. Do you mind if I remove you? Yeah, I'm I'll actually, pop off. Don't bother. Good I'm to actually, see you, homie. I'm actually going to go down. Don't, don't bother, bro, because I got to run. But um, I just, I just got to say, tomorrow, and I know it's not on Spaces. I wish it was, but we have more reach there. On Clubhouse at 1 p.m. Eastern time, I'm hosting Fuo, and it's going to be fucking sick. Like, it's going to be so cool. Dope people come in, and we're going to be, like, doing the whole, like, live end of the auction, auctioneer. Like, Christy's going to be in the house. Fuo, like, so if you guys are around, would love to have you all. I can't really wait cool. to see one sick. of those pieces go for a million dollars more. Same. All right, see you later. Have a good one, man. I'm also seeing uh, Omar and uh, Ovec, which are amazing, amazing artists. What's up, guys? I think Omar was up here, but then it, I don't know if I kicked him. If I did, I'm sorry. I invited him back up. Hi, everyone. My name is Jay. Oh. Hi, Jay. <laughs> What's up, Jay? What's up, Jay? Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me up, Kath. That's, uh, that's really sweet of you. Um, yeah, I... Uh, I'm pretty new to Twitter, very new to Twitter, but like uh, I've been into the NFTs for a long time. I've always kind of been really intrigued with crypto in general. And um, when I got into into the space and into Twitter, the first thing that I kind of noticed was like there's very little real marketing that most photographers were putting into their their drops. It's 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 mostly just like slapping up a JPEG and wanting a bunch of money for it. And that for some reason kind of unsettled me in a way because in the world of like, you know, outdoor adventure photography, if we have a a campaign or a collection or whatever that I'm trying to promote or sell, you know, it's a big deal. Like we don't just post an image up and expect people to fall in love with it and expect it to like have an impact on people and have them actually love it enough to 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 buy it or invest in it you know like we do massive tours around the whole country where we go to bookstores and coffee shops and we talk to people and we give presentations and make and make like videos and trailers and you know there's a bunch of hype that goes into these collections along with hitting like non-profits on board and stuff like that and then when I got into the NFT world it was mostly especially because I started on foundation it's just like a jpeg on a white screen asking for a whole bunch of money and you know that's just like that's not how i've ever seen marketing work and so i i saw kath like right when i first got into this i think she was the first person or like the second person i followed on twitter because she was doing something completely different you know instead of just being like hey i I took i took this picture come buy it come look at it 
she was making videos and trailers and hyping it up and telling you stories and adding real tangible emotion behind her 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 pictures you know and that's a big big deal that's a huge part of adventure photography um you know it's a it's a common phrase that every every all, all the best pictures have a story you know and like we hear that all the time but if you don't have access to that story then i, I feel like it sort of takes away from how magical or special or impactful a single picture and definitely a whole campaign or a whole collection can be so i was very inspired by 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 kath and what she was doing and how it kind of made me feel like that amount of work and effort put into a drop into a collection was how it should be and it should be kind of like raising the bar for future photographers to release their uh, their collections and stuff like that and so that's kind of what i did with my genesis collection that came out a few days ago was you know i spent just a long time creating like you know youtube videos where i sit down tell stories and talk about how we got these images you know the months or weeks of planning that went into creating each picture all the hardships that we endured trying to to capture them you know there's a lot that goes into some of these shots and i think that maybe for some people they can just see an image and fall in love with it but i think that more often than not it requires that extra step to to get people really really excited and impacted by an image as much as i would hope that they would be as an artist. Wow, that was that was amazing, Jay. Thank you so much for for all the kind words and that. You know, like I think I, I noticed you first, um, <clears throat> not even because of your work, but just because you were so uh, supportive with everybody. And I think that's just kind of like the proof that if you're, you know, genuine and and uh, you know a nice person and. Uh, kind of like supporting everybody's work. Uh, that's, that's one way to, to get noticed. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at your promo video right now and I can see that there was a lot of work put in there. So uh, yeah, really good job, Jay. And uh, I wish you the best for, uh, for your Genesis drop. That's Thanks. awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. I just, uh, you know, I hope that, I hope that with the amount of love and effort and work and planning that goes into so any of these outdoor shoots especially like stuff like what you take is just like mind-blowing you know but I hope that this the the you know whole journey to create that photo to me is 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 as beautiful as the final image you know so yeah you're definitely uh, having a good point here I think uh you know, the photography, especially outdoor photography, is very uh, oriented on um, the time that we spend outdoors uh, and, and the places that we go that can sometimes be dangerous and or remote. Um, yeah, so there, there is a lot of time and effort, and I really appreciate you kind of like highlighting this in, in, in your speech. But uh, yeah, Jay, I, I think you're a great photographer, and I, I wish you the best with, uh, with NFTs. 
thank you, Kat, and thanks for uh, thanks for having me come talk. I appreciate it. I'm excited to hear what everybody else has to say. Hi, everyone. Hello, Omar. How are you? Salut, Kat. Ça va? <laughs> ça va bien, toi? Oui, oui, ça va bien. Merci. Uh, so, hello, everyone. Yeah, um, thank you so much for, for inviting me up to speak. Uh, thank you, Kat, for, for recommending my work. Um, I am a basically a street and dance photographer. Um, and, and I appreciate what you were talking about, about earlier about the effort that comes into photography in general, uh, especially when it comes to specialized photography. Um, I concentrate in photographing dancers in urban spaces. And um, and yeah, the, the kind of work that I do with dancers, it, it, it really takes a special set of skills to be able to photograph and capture the dancers at the right moment that really uh, does justice not only to the dancer as a person, but also to the dancer as an artist and to the craft. Um, and that's the work that I have been concentrating on creating over the last uh, six or seven years, and I believe I haven't seen anything like it in the NFT space yet. Um, I also am doing street photography that I'm minting on ephemera, um, and really part of the, the, the work that I'm doing is not only um, minting my own work, but also like Justin was saying earlier, you know, trying to bring attention to portrait, street, documentary, photojournalistic photography, that is also very, um, I think, valuable and necessary, and I want to see more of it in the space. So, um, so yeah, I mean, thank you so much for, for um, bringing me up, and I'm happy to answer any questions if there's any about my work. I, I just wanted to shout out to the polygraph people, or polygraph, polymorph people for uh, listening to everybody. Last night, the community, they took the project from, I don't know, it was training as low as like 0.01 ETH. Did it. And it's bounced Which, how about right photography, back. bro? Yeah, I don't, sorry, I don't know. I just <laughs> jumped on. This is fucking photography yeah. time, man. <laughs> fuck, fuck polymorphs I mean, for now. We're going to get an airdrop. We're going to make it. The bag's comfy. I think it's awesome. Thank you. I, I just think it's awesome that community is, you know, <laughs> being appreciative. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm thankful that we're going to get something. But, uh, yeah, we were kind of just riffing on some photography stuff. Um, this... Uh, I just jumped on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be <laughs> silly that guy. But yeah, we've been like four photographers deep now, and um, oh, okay. so that's kind of what we were vibing with. Uh, I don't want to like I... just flame <laughs> okay. you out, but oh. yeah, we, we're pretty much on a photography channel right now. Okay. <laughs> I, w I would love to jump in and introduce myself. Um, <laughs> my name's Will. I am also a photographer. Uh, I focus on uh, fine art photography, speciali specializing in photographing palm trees. I've been like photographing palm trees for over like five to six years and kind of making them like hyper realistic. Um, I recently dropped uh, my Genesis uh, kind of collection on foundation um, that kind of kind of switches what I traditionally do. I'm opening up kind of my archive and using NFTs to not only like you know, archive my moments from the past, present, but also like, you know, the ones that are going to come forward. I'm really like a believer in like the underlining tech. Um, but, you know, I, I do want to like kind of 
go on off of the back of what you know Justin and Omar were kind of saying about like portrait photography and kind of like how Kat and, and Jay were saying like you know there's so much work that goes into you know these moments that we were sharing on these platforms and sometimes like these moments also happen abruptly and randomly like the uh, collection that I have on foundation right now that is called Forever Kobe um, I randomly uh, was introduced to the Clippers uh, like the Clippers organization in Los Angeles probably like two weeks before their second to last uh, game against Kobe Bryant on his farewell 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 tour and uh, they actually offered me to come and document, you know, the behind the scenes of the game and everything leading up to it. And it was like such an unplanned moment for me. But, you know, it was one that shaped my life forever, like growing up in Southern California and, and watching somebody, you know, idolizing Kobe, wanting to be a, 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 in the NBA, but, you know, realizing that I'll never make it because of, you know, obvious limitations physically and ability wise, you know, I still took that mentality that he taught me and like applied it to different things. So that's kind of like, you know, that's kind of what the series is about. But I, I really do think like that portrait photography and all types of photography are really going to be important in the space and, and have a longevity in it. And I think the story behind it is, uh, is really what's going to separate, I think, the different types of images because now everyone has a camera in their pocket, right? But I think it's the moment and what it means to not only the photographer, but the person viewing it. I think those are the two things that, you know, are going to drive it further. The one thing that Justin taught me and I was, you know, very, I was very ignorant of art playing in the NFT space was like how important the collection of work is and not just like the single NFT, because like just seeing one set of the twins, it's, it's kind of cool. Depends on which ones you see, like some look good, some are harder to tell what's going on but then when you look at all the physical work together with him in the picture um, you look at the book and you hear more stories from Justin himself about these people it's like that's what makes the NFT so valuable it's not the picture it's the story it's his it's his story and how he presented it to us and how he shares it with us and it's an ongoing thing it's not just like ended when you buy the NFT which I love for sure. I think what's so cool, too, is like you were saying, like the collection of works, like sometimes NFTs can be just viewed so like singularity, like with such singular minds, but like or singular ways. But seeing like the bodies of work in the collections as a whole, like is really, you know, is really cool because you then get to see like the tones and like the vision and, and you're able to see what the, the creator sees over time, you know. Well, I think if we're talking photography, um, why maybe I could just ask like an economics question. The prices haven't really caught up, right, with photography to other fine art. Any ideas why? Um, I'm not really too, personally, this is just me, I'm not really too focused as much uh, as, like, selling as I am, like, putting and making sure that, you know, I put my favorite images, you know, on the chain. Um, like, sales will come if they catch up. If they don't, you know, that's cool, whatever. I'm not really tripping. For me, it's, like, I'd rather you know, place my best work or my favorite work somewhere where I know that it's going to last forever um, and not just get taken down or, you know, not on Instagram or just Twitter. Like I, I really am using like NFTs to like upload my vault and, you know, my new favorites that I'm still creating because um, I'm, I'm I mean, I just had my first solo show this year uh, with Plan X Art Gallery. Um, so like I'm still in the infancy of my career. So I'm just wanting to like make sure it's in a place where it can be, you know, viewed by others, but also, um, 
in a safe place where you know I, I'm I, it's secure. That's how. No, I, I, yeah, I understand. I, I'm just curious why you know the the prices haven't uh, you know why photography yeah. hasn't been a big deal like price wise on super rare and sites like that. It, it's definitely lagging. Uh, yeah. I, it might be because there's not a lot of, I mean, for me, I, I don't, maybe there's not a lot of photographers who have put like a big body of work. So it, maybe like the collectors are kind of timid to see where it goes. Maybe it's just like there really hasn't just been quite that splash or that transition yet. Um, I know everyone's like amused and, you know, the work's been amazing that, you know, with all the 3D, uh, you know, rendered work and stuff like that, which is amazing. But I mean, that's almost how it is in the traditional art world world as well. You know, um, paintings traditionally go more than obviously, you know, photos. So maybe it's just like the, the nature of the beast for, for this, but that doesn't mean things can't change, you know? Have there been any, well, sorry, have there been any, uh, you know, big photographers that have gone into NFTs? Like the way we're seeing some of like, uh, you know, some of the big, big artists are now starting to do NFTs. Has that happened yet or? Um, Justin had earlier mentioned a photographer who had recently passed away. He, uh, he was, um, his name's like, it's Chamoy or I forget how to properly pronounce his name, but he's like a traditional hip hop photographer. He's basically shot like, you know, everyone from like Biggie all the way up to, you know, relevant artists, um, RIP him. And he's probably, he, he, put a, a good amount of his collection on there but like even right now like what what is really considered like a big 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 photographer like right now like a lot of them are really in the fashion space or or kind of like i don't know there's not really like a very number one prominent like photographer i feel like in in the fine art space except for a couple people but they haven't really moved into nfts that i've seen so far but i think um, it's more of like that, like that, that the entry level to to medium tier kind of uh, photographer who's, who's really getting into the space, and I think that's who's going to blow it up, honestly, because I think as NFTs get, you know, more um, like the value of a photograph is there, but the, the like the money aspect hasn't caught on, and I think that's going to come when more people start to uh, be onboarded to blockchain and nfts as a whole and the utility behind it and people like kath using it further than just you know uh owning an asset or and using it for more of an experience and, and doing more things versus just you know the the 2d or the, the jpeg essentially yeah be, i mean you i have missed wholeheartedly. right I, oh sorry go ahead um right before i'll, I'll go afterwards right before you had came in beanie um, Kath, who's also a speaker right now, had given the rundown on her newest NFT, and it's a whole experience. Basically, like you're going on a trip with her to the Rocky Mountains. You're going to get your own NFT created of the experience for you. It was like a really interesting way to put a experience into the NFT, like to kind of bring the photography to another level. I think um, that's cool. Utility. Yeah, right, I'll, I'll link that. you to it. But it was honestly like one of the coolest things I've seen for a utility feature in an NFT. I yet. like that experiences. Yeah. Cool. Well, and being to your question, I think uh, the market's just not evolved to that stage yet. Like we've we've seen some somewhat of the NFT marketplace in its infancy, and people are degening all over these you know collectibles and just going from one project to the next. But I think it's really just misplaced attention, and that uh, you know with it being a relatively small marketplace, people are gravitating towards the flipping where there's. Uh, you know, a high paced market volatility and that obviously there's opportunity there. But for a lot of these traditional fine artists and uh, photographers, I think it's definitely more of 
that collection uh, respect, right? Like anybody that purchases these artworks is likely hodling them for quite a bit longer than your average collectible. Uh, and so I, I, I think it's just more of an observation of the market that uh, the NFT, you know, collectible uh, collecting space hasn't maybe matured to the point where uh, people are looking towards collecting these fine artists and these photographers uh, for their personal collections in longevity. Uh, but I think we're getting there. I, I think I would agree with that assessment. Um, uh, and I think it's also the fact that um, we need more photographers in the space, definitely. There has been a, a push from a few and then one very specific collector, uh, maybe two that have been collecting um, specifically um, landscape photography, which is great. But in a way, it's, it's kind of uh, a soft transition between you know, the theme space uh, kind of thing that we've seen um, in 3D art. My apologies for the background noise. Um, you know, from the from the the landscape photography, right? So so now what we're trying to do is a push to bring more portrait and street photographers. But I definitely think that there is a need for more photographers in the space in order to to capture the attention of of uh, more of the video. Um, sorry, more of the uh, collectors. Another thing, I, I think this might have been before you hopped on, Beanie, uh, but Jay, who is another speaker uh, on stage, was, was talking about how, uh, you know, typically with photography, there's this, like, uh, especially the type of photography he does, which is this kind of outdoor experiential photography, um, adventure photography. There's, like, an opportunity to really tell all of the story that goes, you know, behind that photograph in, in um, you know, like, shows and tours and, uh, you know, events and book clubs and things like that. Um, and I think as we see more of more artists, uh, like photographers, focusing on doing that storytelling online and not just like putting their stuff up on super rare or wherever it might be, um, that there's more opportunity for people to kind of get it and, and be interested in investing in, in pieces by those artists. Because um, just graphs on their own, sometimes like they don't give you the full picture. So I, th I think seeing more of that is also like a way for, I don't know, collectors who might not otherwise be interested to, to get interested. I mean, I, th I think that's, that might be okay, but I think also it's kind of difficult to assess things that way because when you see, for example, I mean, I don't know the case for maybe 3D artists or, or illustrators in this space. I don't know that there's, there's a push so much from them to ask them, oh, tell me the story behind the, you know, what you created there, you know. Um, I think people rely on the on the aesthetic value there, and for some reason, the, we're asking photographers uh, to tell the story, to, to share more about how it was created and whatnot. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, in reality, is does an image, when you see an image, does it move you? Does it, does it create something in you? Um, I think that is the first measure uh, of seeing if something it's it's there's something there there, um, um, and then we can see the rest. But I think we, we we definitely have to pay a little bit more attention to what the story creates in me as an spectator, other than you know how was it created? Because when you come to see you know I I, I don't remember who was talking about this earlier, um, but you also have to see the, the the longevity of this creator right of the photographer. Has this person been creating for for a long time? Has there have they been 
established? Uh, can you Google them? Can you find information about them? Have they had a style that has evolved and is now a signature? And those are things that have a value on, on their own um, rather than, than you know, uh, how far did they have to travel to get to this or uh, and that? Because photography is just by, by nature a very different kind of art form, I think. I couldn't agree more. And, and to feed off of what Omar was saying, like it takes time to really build that aesthetic. You know, three photos isn't going to really show my whole collection. You know, I have thousands of photos and, you know, it takes money to then mint. So like some people get discouraged when they have spent, you know, $800 on minting 10 photos and don't have one sale, you know. So uh, I think it's just going to take time more than anything. I think in general, though, that the NFT space is a huge opportunity for photography as an art form, because like before NFTs, I think there's also been I think this was talked about a little bit before by someone else, like fine art photography is kind of underloved compared to paintings or other mediums in, in the fine art world. Uh, and I think that part of that comes from the idea of like being able to own an original uh, is, is like a little bit of a, a weird concept when you think about like oh this was taken on you know some digital camera or this even if it was taken on like 35 millimeter like you're not buying usually you know the film you're buying like a print that was made with the film uh and i think people get weird like trying to rationalize about the kind of originality there um but with nfts we have this kind of new paradigm where we all as, as a society come to agreements around provenance and originality of digital things and i think that opportunity is interesting and, and unique one for photography as an art form. Um, so I would think that we'll see kind of like outpaced growth. Uh, I'd be willing to bet we'll see outpaced growth of photography as an art form in the NFT world compared to how it's been treated in maybe the traditional world of, of buying art. Dude, it's been really, it's been really hard for me to kind of juggle that because for my physicals, it's a different price than what I've been offering my NFTs. Like I like to offer my NFTs around 1 to 0.5 ETH, but my physicals go for around 4,500. So I've been kind of having trouble kind of pricing that out and connecting the two because they're just not correlated. Like if I put, you know, if I give a free physical away with an NFT, then, you know, my physical collectors who have already been collecting are going to be feeling some type of way because now I've almost undercut them. So I've been kind of like trying to figure out a way to, to appease both, but there's definitely something there. I think once the, the utility and the, the basically the underlying technology gets connected with the photography, I think, you know, it'll just naturally grow as well. Well, maybe, but I think there's the uh, we have to value the the, the digital and I, and I and I'm one that I'm a strong I'm bullish as they say on on just the digital and not the physical because at the end of the day they're two different things um, and, and that's just you know a, a way to market two different things. Uh, but one thing that I was gonna say at the end of the day also it just takes you know collectors right it, it takes collectors to be a little bit more bold and take a little more risk in, in, in photographers and then just start collecting um, and put the value also in the work that way and once you know more and more photographers are getting collected then we're going to see a growth uh, I believe.
What do you think, Beanie? You're the master art critic of NFT. Where, where do you think photography's heading? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know much about photography. Sorry, photography's tough. Uh, Justin, yeah, Justin I, really opened up my mind to like buying photography NFTs. Honestly, uh, just talking is, to him. Is it stored on the chain, like the actual picture? Yeah, it'd be. Uh, depends on what you use. Interesting on the contract. You know, if it's open seats, a shared contract. If it's. But I mean, if you do your own token and everything, is the actual like image ever stored on chain, like an you know, like an autoglyph or anything like I don't that, think or you no? Can store it. It's no, too big. you can't. Right, it's too big. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. It would be interesting to see. I think it's IPS. It would be interesting to store some if somebody did a project and stored some on-chain, like an autoglyph. Yeah, of course, it would be like super grainy and super, you know, low res, <laughs> but it would be like a first. I think it would be really cool. That would be really interesting to see yeah. how that would look. I, I good opportunity having a hard time somebody. imagining it. I think it's too big to mint and full image. I've, I've had this conversation with like people from yeah. Artblocks and Snowfro and all of them and because it's not, We're not there you can't yet. like generate an image out of an algorithm. The algorithm's kind Ooh, of like... Imagine like generative photography would be pretty interesting too. I'm working with um, Baltran. Do you know him? He's a yeah. artist that does. I, I, I've seen his name on Twitter. Art. Yeah, him and I are working on something special. So maybe that'll be. Um, I'll sh I'll share that when it's when we're we're done with it. But it's gonna be a seasonal thing. That that's That'd all be I cool. say. I, I honestly, I don't know nothing about photography. I don't think I bought any. You don't really see too much of it. Like I don't. Um, I know Barat uh, buys a lot of it. He's been spending quite a bit on photography. I think somebody was talking. He just bid on cats. Yeah, okay. I, I saw Sorry. he was bidding on hers. I um, I nice. I think with the photography, for me to display it, like it has to be the story. So like, the only photography I have right now is. Um, Justin's book on my coffee table but it's the only coffee table book I have so if anyone comes over and looks at the coffee table like they would pick up twin flames and flip through it and then I can expand on like a few of the stories of the twins that Justin shared and I think they're just kind of cool I was the first photographer that Barad collected so I, get, I have that badge of honor he has an insane collection He's yeah. definitely the biggest whale right now. I think 888 slowed down buying a lot. And uh, Barats, he was holding the one-on-one -on -one market for a while himself for the last you know couple months. But now it's starting to pick up again. The hero we needed. Speaking of... <laughs> Is it all right if I talk? Go for it. Speaking about photography, can we bring Jake up? Because he was, I think, one of the I think the only person who traded a photography on foundation for a crypto punk. I think I, I, um, if Jake is um, wants to jump up on stage right now. And I'll hop off because I got to go surfing. But uh, it was really great hanging with you guys. I would choose surfing too, would... man. <laughs> Enjoy your surf. What up? Hello, what's up? What's going on, Jake? What's good? Just learning more about photography uh, in the last two hours than I've learned in the previous twenty-seven years. Yeah, I'm. I'm like, it's an interesting concept because 
Yeah. I've always, I've been a photographer for a long time and like, I never really sold too many of my prints or anything. Um, cause most of mine are of people. So I think that that's like an iffy thing, but I think that the thing with photographs, like a while ago, I was talking about this in clubhouse was like, like, I feel like a lot of people would come to the space and photographers, even a couple months ago, like when that boom happened and everyone was like, give me a foundation invite, give me a foundation invite. It was like, there's so many photographers and there, I remember a lot being like, Oh, why is this not selling? And it's like, I am lucky that I got to trade that photo that I took for the punk, but also like that photo is worth it and is extraordinary in my opinion. And that's my thought on that is like, Photos that sell are great are ones that have stories behind them, obviously. Like, in my opinion, that's just obvious. But they have to be phenomenal photos. Like, people would mint, like, 35 millimeter. Fo- it's like, no, I'm not, I, would ne- I wouldn't buy that, you know. So I think that's part of it is that we're in this age now where, like, if you go to a concert or a show or something, there are so many, like, 17, 18-year-old kids with cameras. It's like everyone there. And it wasn't like that before. So, I mean, that's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I think it, like, I always encourage, like, especially photography or any type of art, like, the more the better, you know? There's room for every type of photographer. So if there's, if you go to a show or, you know, a festival and you see 50 kids taking a photo, like, that's good. One of them is going to be the photo out of the, those that's my opinion on it is like there's so it's digital it's not film and it's like everyone's snapping shit you know so the whole landscape of it in my opinion has like changed and continues to throughout over time and throughout the medium like i feel weird still sometimes when i like shoot digital stuff now because i'd rather shoot it in film i'm like this is this feels like i don't know it's more fun to shoot it shoot on film you know you have a limited amount of time but Photography is in the NFT space is interesting. I think the idea of minting a photo directly on chain is so dope. If anyone knows how to do that, message me because I've wanted to for a minute. And I would love to compress a photo like super low and mint that shit on chain. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think even if even if it's really grainy and compressed, it still wouldn't matter. You're the first one to do it. And no, I think that's exactly. a huge opportunity for whoever does I, it first. I wanted to have a collection through my own smart contract where a photo would get minted. Like, I would mint a photo. And then, um, I don't know how you do it, though, necessarily. But some, once someone buys that photo, in like, in the contract, there would be an ASCII art of the image itself like on chain in the code of the contract for every single image like the ascii punks or whatever some like off-brand punk thing that i saw a couple months ago it's like the ascii art is directly on chain which is something i wanted to do and i've been like trying to figure out how i could do but i think photography is about the story and like yeah i mean adding utility to things is dope i think a way that i want to do that is like through a book i want i want to you know, put out my photos as an archive somehow, and then have that fund like a, a hardcover Rizzoli book. That's really what I want. I really don't want to do a book until I can do it with Rizzoli, but that's just like being like, I don't know. That's just like if I could choose anything. So, yeah. 
I posted a photo that um Jake um traded for the, his CryptoPunk up on the stage. I remember that in four one five six's exhibit. We had that in the gallery in CV. That's awesome. That's how you got your first clunks too. Yeah, that's one that really might not need a whole backstory on. Most people are like, damn, like right when you see it. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah. I mean, I, I went to two of those shows, and those photos, though, are just shot on, like, a point-and-shoot, like, digital camera. Because I was touring at the time. I had a bunch of cameras with me, but when we would go do stuff like this, I had already been working, like, the whole day. Like, we'd been in the studio shooting, whatever. So we'd go do, you know, we'd go to shows or a club or whatever, and I would just bring, like, Polaroid or disposable. So I started getting these little digital point-and-shoot cameras and just, like, the battery would die pretty quick and but i could pull them out of my pocket and i i had been shooting long enough where like i knew what i was doing i could shoot it really almost without looking most times and like know what the length like know what the focal length is so yeah i have a ton that was one of the coolest things like i ever shot honestly at the same time but jake i just wanted to say i'm a data scientist uh i actually have one nft of a compressed photo obviously probably not what you're looking for but if you ever want to chat like that is i think there's a lot of interesting algorithms to try and do some of that i don't know like what would work or not but i'll, be message, very excited. Your, I'll message you right now because i'm down to compress a photo like to complete shit i've been like doing a lot of analog video stuff i do a lot of video work so like I love shooting on like all types of stuff and, and throwing them into videos. So I'm super down to like take an image and like run it through a potato. Yeah, like image compression is a core part of a lot of data science and I don't know what it would take to get it on chain. I don't really know as much about that part, but it'd be fun to explore a little bit. Okay, cool, yeah. I, I messaged my programmer friend too just now, so I'll message you right now too. So Jake, do you have any upcoming NFT projects or are you doing any, I, I know, are you working on DGENs with um, OSF? No, or, that that's a different thing. I'm, I'm like, I was, I, I have this idea for this degenerative fucks thing, but that's different than DGENs. I got you. I remember there was a DGEN thing and I was vaguely remembering the connection, my bad. Well, I was, I was thinking about it and then I was like, I'm not going to do an avatar project. I'm still probably going to do something with that, but I think more of, like, a couple characters, and then I want to get them made into, like, vinyl toys, like, Metacom toys, and create, like, a little universe of, like, this other, like, of cartoon characters or something, but not, like, 10,000 generative pieces. You know? Yeah, that's going to be played um, out by the time you get that in. Yeah, and if, if I did it, I'd want to do some cool, like, tokenomics or something, but even then, it's just, like, I don't know, I could come up with something, I could spend my time coming up with something better. Um, but right now I'm working on, like a couple weeks ago, uh, I put out my base creator contract with Manifold 
So uh, there's two pieces out on that right now. So I'm about to put a third out on that probably next week. But right now I'm working on this uh, piece I did for Beats DAO that was like commissioned that we uh, Manifold wrote like another smart contract for. So we're about to deploy that like tonight or tomorrow. And it's basically this piece like melts over like half a year and then will unmelt after the rest of the year. So it's just like constantly changing. So I've basically been rendering like 300, three, well, 365 videos for the past like couple of days now. Damn. So I'm almost done with that. That sounds awesome, huh? Yeah, man, it's fun. It's dope. I'm glad to like, it's been cool to have a project where I could, like I got commissioned to do something where they wanted me to like push myself a little bit, you know, and like, and, and it's really been fun messing around with just like, you know, what I could do with the smart contract because this is just the beginning. So it's exciting though. We got a lot of interesting stuff coming up tomorrow. I'm excited. I haven't seen many. Well, Artblocks is dropping. Um, so the creator of Inspirals is working on a set or he's dropping a second project tomorrow. And they gave, um, or I mean, the Mint bot already minted the zero, so you can see what it looks like. Oh, I saw that. I saw it. I saw it earlier, and I was so confused. Yes, I was like, that's, crazy. that's the one coming out tomorrow. I got a uh, century today for like 0.6 ETH. Oh, nice. They're dipping. I, I really wanted one, so I was like, man, fuck They're it. one of those pieces that you look at them in the thumbnail, and it's pretty underwhelming. And then when you actually open it up and play with it, like oh my goodness yeah you can interact with it i want to get like a a big screen and just like put it up in my apartment or something i mean it looks so cool just like rotating all day yeah but i really love the animated pieces so i sold the dreams probably like a little bit before below floor but i wanted a century so it paid for most of it i someone picked up one of my dreams too i had one of the three i had bought that i decided didn't want and um they moved up a little bit i was surprised i um i thought i was gonna have more time to cherry pick the pallets i wanted but everything's moving so fast that it's it's not that way i i slept on a couple of subscape pallets that were affordable at a time that i wanted them and i didn't buy them and now they're like double or triple what i want, could have paid like three days ago well i wanted to get a like a chrome squiggle yesterday and then I woke up today and the floor was like, I was like, oh, I can't get one now, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough. Like, I, as much as I love the squiggles I was saying earlier, I don't know if you're in here, but like, it's hard for me to say, like, hey, I meant this for 0 0.035 Ethereum and now it's 1.3. I think it's a well, great same, buy. Like, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, that's crazy. I, I still love them. I'm not selling them here. Like, I'm, I sold enough squiggles. Oh, they'll be worth more. I mean, they'll definitely be, be worth more. I think. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, at some point uh, in their life, they're definitely gonna be worth more, in my opinion. Yeah. But you know, I I can't tell people like, yo, just just buy. Like, no, it's not. It's not the home run it was, you know, last month or two weeks ago. Yeah, definitely. And I was trying to get everyone and their mother to look into Artbox because it's one of those things for me where until you mint it yourself, you don't really appreciate it. It's so fun. I one of my favorites is probably my. I have a fermenti that's so cool. I just look at it all the time. I wish I minted more of them too. 
But once I minted my first one, I love I love minting them. Even if even if I might not necessarily like love the art on some of them too, I might just mint if it's a low price, like just for fun, you know. The whole like it's yeah, the whole experience is fun. It's like ripping open a pack of cards, but you don't have any idea what like the inside is going to be. Like you just have a yeah. rough idea of what the algorithm can produce and the range of it, and then you're going to get something in there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think tomorrow's will be hyped. I mean, these recent drops have just been crazy. I don't know. What do you think, Rockland? I saw you unmuted your mic. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I was just going to ask if you... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about tomorrow's drop. I have to make sure I don't have a meeting or some bullshit so I can mint. Uh, I really like it. I, I, you know, I've been uh, expressed that I kind of like the static pieces more than the dynamic ones. So I'm excited to, to get a piece by... Because I don't have an Inspiral. Uh, excited to get a piece by uh, Radix that's kind of static and more my my aesthetic. Pretty excited about the the playground drop. Um, I was I was wondering, Dee's, did you mint the uh, Eltonio piece? The uh, uh, what are they called? Androdites. I, I I hadn't realized that those sold out over the weekend. I'm kind of bummed. Uh, I, I wish I had minted more of them. I, I only have one. Mm. those are like a piece that i really like i didn't appreciate at first and like for some reason over time they've like really grown on me the more i look at them i don't know what it is i didn't like them at first because the shapes all felt too similar to me but when i looked more Mm. at the palettes and what was going around in the background with like the grid stuff um Mm. i appreciate them a little more but i only minted one because when i glanced at it it's like man the the black the I don't know, are they black or dark blue or whatever the main shape is, like, just takes up too much of the art. I wouldn't want to have, like, a mm-hmm. whole collection of them, like. Yeah. It's not like sense. a Fidenza where you look yeah. at it and you want, like, 75 of them because there's so many different variations that all look really good and, like, you need yeah. you need each one, yeah. I feel that. I, I minted three of them just kind of in a row as, like, a set, and I really like how they, like, they're all, they're three all black-bodied ones but like the the colors in the background are kind of like like one goes pink to, to green and then the next one goes like green to yellow and the next one goes like yellow to orange and so like as a set they look really good but i i know what you mean like if you don't have I, I don't know they're not you don't see as much variation i guess as you notice immediately with something like fidenza's um but he Eltonio's a really cool artist just generally like i was that was kind of what caused me to the, pull the trigger and then mint a handful of them was just like I don't know, the work he does with, uh, like, street murals and stuff, like, generative uh, street art is, like, really fucking cool. I was just like, I have to own an on-chain NFT by this dude. Like, the work he does outside of just this piece is too cool not to. See this? Which dude was that? Uh, his name is Eltonio. Uh, okay. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's, like, E-L-T-O-N-O. Um, but, yeah, he does, like, a lot of cool... Yeah, he'll do like these generative murals where I think his process is like he basically like has an algorithm written out, then he'll like sit there and like roll dice or whatever to like generate the different kind of input numbers uh, for the different parameters, and then like you know that'll give him the what the, what the mural is supposed to look like or what the kind of piece of street art is supposed to look like, and then he'll you know paint it on a on a wall or on an electrical box or like whatever it might be is kind of different different work. Um, yeah, if you look him up, you can go see like. 
his non NFT work. Uh, I think he has it on his site, like his his mural and street artwork, and it's pretty cool. Check it out. Hey, geez, can I add something to uh, the photography topic from earlier? Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. So my father's I, I, actually. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I see we lost Kath and uh, Justin's phone died not too long ago, but we still have Omar and Jay up on stage and maybe other photographers. I'm not, well, Jake, obviously, after I just said Jay, but um, <laughs> yeah, we still have a lot of photographers, so keep it keep it going. Yeah, for sure. So my father's actually a professional photographer. He's been doing it for close to 20 years. I was his photography assistant uh, when I was growing up, you know, weddings and family portraits, modeling sessions, business headshots, you know, you name it. So one reason why he ended up closing his photography studio and doing it a little bit more freelance was because with the introduction of smartphones and the development of the technology with the cameras within those, the point of entry or the barrier for entry for photography and like, you know, what could be considered quote unquote professional photography and all of these, uh, you know, Photoshop and other editing uh, platforms, it became much more attainable. Whereas I think when it comes to digital and physical art uh, that isn't photography, it, it takes some sort of like inherent talent or ability. Not to say that, you know, photographers should be discredited because they shouldn't. It takes, they, they understand light, right? There's a very unique perspective to being an amazing photographer. However, I think from a market perspective, what we're seeing is that potentially it's just not valued as much as those that are physical and digital artists. And so one concept that I actually had, and right now that's really all it is, is an idea, is this idea of drone photography, professional drone photography being uh, featured on its own platform with NFTs. And the reason why I think that this could be so successful is because a lot of people don't realize this, but in order to be a professional drone photographer, you have to pass a test. And I've talked with a professional drone artist that I was mulling around this idea with. We went to high school together and he enlightened me to how challenging it is to become a professional drone artist. So I think that when we look at how technology naturally evolves and we have to adapt. I'm not saying that photography serves no value or that you can't have professional photography still as an industry, but that maybe we should start looking to innovate and highlighting some of the newer technologies like a professional drone artistry. So something uh, real quick, and then I'll uh, let someone else hop in, or please, hopefully someone has some feedback, is uh, just something that I shared with Sound Ventures. They were doing NFTs, The Pitch, Mark Cuban, Ashton Kutcher, uh, Blau, uh, and a few others were involved with that. And unfortunately, I never heard back, but I'm willing to share openly because I think that, you know, similar to what Kath is working on, uh, and I, I'm going to continue to check that out. I think that if we just share our ideas and we look to others for their experience and knowledge, that we will be better off and, you know, we can potentially get further ahead. So 
It just says our project is to create a decentralized platform for drone artists to attract an organic following and build a community by allowing them an opportunity to mint their content into NFTs and profit off their artistry. Uh, we are confident this will become a full-fledged social media network where consumers will have the opportunity to connect with the artists as well as the entertainment value of sharing and utilizing the NFT content they invest in or collect. This platform will attract new artists into the space and highlight those who already have earned a reputation. We are connecting our audience with the natural world and the metaverse. People are less inclined to travel to faraway places, and we want to be able to bring those experiences to them virtually. We ultimately see this leading up to licensing opportunities with prominent places of interest, such as professional stadiums and the National Park Service. Um, and then just continuing uh, down a little bit more. Uh, as a result of the pandemic, many are less inclined to travel to places they love or have always wanted to visit. We believe that it's important to offer virtual opportunities or uh, experiences, as I heard someone mention earlier, for those who are restricted for whatever reason to connect with their most desired locations. I said, furthermore, a platform such as NBA Top Shot was evidence that people are willing to invest in memories and they want to be able to immortalize those moments. Similarly, our goal is to immortalize dynamic drone artistry of the places people once visited more freely. But that's my idea. Uh, again, I believe that uh, Kath and I should definitely connect. I, I don't see uh, him or her up here at the moment, but I'm going to reach out to them because I think that while photography should still serve value, that due to the natural evolution of technology, we are going to have to start to find platforms to develop for the new sources of technology. Thank you for your time. Um, if I may, I just want to push back a little bit against the idea and that narrative about, you know, the smartphones in everybody's hands and all that stuff and that that devalues photography and all and so on and so forth. Um, at the end of the day, the reality is that the value of things is what people are willing to pay for, period. There's an immense amount of artists out there that I've seen in the physical world and also in the digital world and NFTs that will have the balls, to say the right word, to paint or to draw a red dot or a black dot on a blank canvas and sell it for a lot of money because they had the balls to do it and because someone had the balls to pay for it. Um, and that's the bulk of it. So the, the narrative that anyone can do it, it's why photography is devalued. It's, 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 it's one that we have, we have keep pushing and because we believe it, then we devalue it. And the truth is that it, at the end of the day, it's about what we get people to pay for our words, period. Um, and in that matter, going back to, to, for example, what I was saying before, in the case of someone like me, that I have a very specialized kind of photography, a very specialized set because I have a background in what I photograph. I have a background as a performer myself, so I see performance uh, photography in a very different light than that other people. So there's a value in that already, for example. But I really want us as photographers and as artists in general to stop fostering and continuing that narrative because it's, it's at the end of the day, it's hurting us. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. So um, Anonymous, it's funny that you mentioned drone photography as being like this technological you know advance of photography because so i've i've been into that for a long time I've, I've been a photographer for a long time but i was also a pretty 
early adopter of drone photography. I'm a licensed uh, drone photographer, drone pilot in both the U.S. and Canada. So I can fly in either place. I kind of go back and forth between the two. Um, and all of my flights are very, you know, documented and legal. And, you know, you have to call all the surrounding, you know, heliports and airports. And there's just a lot that goes into real drone work that you can actually then go and sell. And one of the things that I've thought a lot about, about having a platform for specifically drone photography, especially trying to sell drone photography, is actually just the legality of getting that shot because I, I don't know if it would be a turnoff to like collectors if they were purchasing something that was taken illegally. So I've, I've thought that it would be kind of cool to be able to also offer like your flight we're, 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 we're flight records. Excuse me. I have a, I have a speech uh, in, in, impediment, but I was also thinking it would, it would be cool to offer flight, records and things like that to kind of verify the legality of the flight um but that's just one of the kind of like interesting pieces of drone photography is that a lot of places are are cracking down super hard on it and it's becoming harder and harder to fly at all especially um i mean even being a licensed op Operator. If I want to get a permit to fly in like a national park in the U.S., for example, it can take months. I mean, months and months and months of calls and emails and paperwork and everything else before I get a permit to fly for, you know, 20 minutes, you know, half an hour. So there's a lot that goes into that. And I think it would be a really exciting platform. But, um, I think it would also very quickly become kind of overloaded and saturated with shots that weren't taken with nature and wildlife and legality's best interest in mind. And I've always kind of been curious about what negative effects that might have, you know. So just to respond to that, and I definitely appreciate your level of experience in the industry. And if anything, you could speak more here than you know, probably most of us as far as what those regulations look like. You know, my friend was telling me about the black box that is going to be required for all drone artists that will be on their drone as well as on their person. So at any time, uh, the FAA will be able to track not only where the drone is, but also in relation to where the, you know, the artist or the the pilot is also uh, present at that time. But, um, you know, to kind of play off of what you said, a couple of things that I think would be important, of course, are content moderation. You would have verified artists that would uh, really, their value would kind of be uh, promoted in a sense by the fact that they were verified and they had to go through content moderation, but also that like, yeah, it would be kind of educational in a sense, the platform by encouraging and having the right, you know, the, uh, the disclaimer uh, regarding any sort of illegal activity or flying illegitimately um, and, you know, staying within those uh, laws and regulations, you know, to your point, I, I won't, you know, mention any names, but I do know someone that has really 
exclusive uh, drone photography down by the George Washington Bridge. And as I'm sure many of you could guess, that's highly illegal because you're in New York City, which already has had its problems in the past, but also because all of that data is being collected. And so if you're zooming in on the George Washington Bridge, you can find, you know, its fault points or, you know, the whatever it would be, the architecture of the bridge, and it could be a national security risk. So to exactly what Jay was saying, there definitely is uh, a lot of hurdles and obstacles that need to be addressed and that have to be, um, yeah, that you, that you have to go through in order for this to even be possible. And that's why I think, it, it, as he said, it is being becoming so difficult for someone to become a drone artist in the first place yeah and i think that a platform based around that especially if a huge point of the platform was to have all the creators on it be you know legal legitimate creators with all the receipts from all of their flights like i i think also just from an artistic standpoint the quality of drone work that that you see or that you have in your head would drastically, drastically drop. Cause like, if you go on, you know, Instagram or the internet or whatever, and find these incredible drone photographers with these amazing, colorful, like crazy images, right? I've seen them as well. And just coming from my experience, I promise about 90% of those images are not taken just because they can't be there are no real you know path in place for any uh any even commercial drone photographer to get a license to film in most of the spots i see people take all these incredible photos so um i'm not sure what the the visual quality of a of a legal drone platform would even look like with how few places they would actually be able to fly at least without putting in either an insane amount of money on permits or an insane amount of work you know because unless you're like a hollywood film crew and you have 20 to fifty thousand dollars to spend on a location permit you know you can't film in essentially all the most beautiful places in the country you know unfortunately would anyone else up here be able to speak to if they know any of the laws and regulations internationally when it comes to something like this because that's part of i think the opportunity is very you know uh, places of value is relative to you know where you are in the world so, for example, I've grown up near New York City almost my entire life. So to have, you know, a flyover of the Empire State Building, which we know, again, is highly improbable to actually be able to legally capture that footage. But let's just say hypothetically you were. That's not going to have as much value to me as it is to someone that might live in Paris, whereas vice versa, of course, even though I've been to Paris and I've visited the Eiffel Tower and, you know, even had dinner in it, um, that would still be of more value to me to have an NFT, uh, you know, drone photography, crystal clear, you know, uh, panorama view of that 
location. So um, I like the idea that potentially it could connect people to places that are not necessarily um, easy for them to experience in the real world. Definitely. And I'm, I'm, I'm just to be clear, I'm just talking about North America, just like U S and Canada. Um, outside of that, there's all kind of different international drone laws that the, you know, people in those areas have to deal with. But, um, yeah, it's a super interesting space. One of the things that I had worked on for a while in, in Alaska was I had a permit with, a an Ollie National Park to give essentially virtual flyover tours of the park. And so I would, you know, I would get paid to give a customer a set of VR goggles and then I would take an Inspire or an Octocopter and I would go fly over these glaciers of of like Polychrome Pass and all this stuff in Denali and let them view the flight in real time um, through their goggles and then give them the finished footage I took after. And we did that because you can't fly a helicopter or a plane over those parts of Denali because it'll disturb all the uh, all the wildlife. So the alternative to that was something I started, which was giving virtual flyover tours. Um, and I've been kind of curious if that would be something that people could see in the future as an NFT or in the NFT world was creating virtual flyovers of places that you can't usually fly. Hey, hey guys, this is Ovec. Um, I wanted to speak to something that you mentioned, uh, you know, for instance, like you mentioned the Eiffel Tower. Uh, these are in some of these places you you have to you can't really use the images commercially uh, and even as an NFT. Um, um, for instance, the Guggenheim uh, Museum here is an architecture uh, that is considered that you wouldn't be able to use it commercially if you shot something there, um, even outside the architecture and also the, the Eiffel Tower, um, the lights. Uh, these are all uh things that you couldn't be uh, and uh you know you couldn't mint it as an nft because you can't use it commercially uh but you know other than that i wanted to just introduce myself uh my name is ovec um i'm a multidisciplinary artist uh i am also a fellow um sony alpha ambassador with with kath um so i'm a photographer as well um, I learned about the NFTs uh, about about late last year, and uh, I took my time to to mint my first piece uh, all the way till March of this year, and um, I entered the space as a digital artist more more than anything, uh, not as a photographer. Even though I'm a photographer and I've been a photographer for about twelve years now. Um, I did mint it, uh, a, a photograph that sold for two ETH back in March, uh, which t- it was more more uh, of a surprise to me because I knew that back then, like uh, the photographers had no 
um, you know, no place almost in, in the space. But I minted it and, uh, and I was lucky enough to sell it. And, uh, you know, and I'm very grateful for that. And, um, you know, like I saw a, a, a bunch of my friends like Omar and, and Kath and like JN Silva and Dave Krugman uh, in the space. And uh, I also started collecting a few different pieces here and uh, like you know, here and there, like Nifty and also Foundation. But more than any, anything, as a photographer and as an artist, like I started minting uh, some of my stuff um, like more as a, as a digital artist. So, um, yeah, I mean, these days, uh, I've been lucky enough to, to sold uh, some of my pieces on foundation. Uh, I've been trying to support this, uh, community as much as possible. And, and, uh, yeah, I speak to, to my collectors regularly and, uh, and uh, I support this community and, and that's all I, ha I have to say. I uh, just wanted to, uh, introduce myself. Oh, nice to meet you. Welcome to the stage. I um, am following all these people who I've never heard before. It's been a great day. I am going to have to look at all these foundations <laughs> as I try to talk and do all this stuff, too. If you uh, want, feel free to tag your project or foundation page or like any tweet that has something that you really want to share. And it'll go to the top of the fleet, too. So people who come in can scroll and see some of the things we've talked about already. Yeah, actually, my, my, you know, if you go to my profile, like uh, the, uh, my latest piece is, is actually a photograph, um, which is like my second photograph that I minted, uh, as opposed to more of an animation, uh, 2D animation and, and, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, painting and all that kind of stuff. So, so that's, that's mostly what has been selling on my end. But uh, yeah, I, I, I minted a photograph uh, recently and that's the one that it's on the top of my, yeah, the one that you just uh, did. Thank you for, for doing that. All right, well, I just leave the, the, the mic to somebody else, but uh, if, if you have any questions for me, um, go ahead, please do. Oh, here, I'll ask a question. What's the um, story behind this piece? I mean, I, I really like, I'm assuming that is the sun in the background and the way it contrasts with the purple hues is really nice. But what's the story behind it? Oh, the story behind it is uh, this, this is actually a piece that I took, uh, a photograph I took in um, Iceland. Um, as we all know, Iceland is one of those uh, beautiful countries that everywhere you look is almost a it's, it's a photograph you know uh it's it's one of those places that leave you in awe every time you go to uh, i've been very lucky to 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 been there for uh, about three times and uh this is um i this is a little bit of, of a composite i made uh the, the cat uh, approach to this um you know the the there's actually two photographs in in this photo um uh, and uh i've actually shot a uh, i can't remember what part of the 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 whole uh, picture i mean what part of iceland i shot it 
But um, I can tell you that this was just a moment that, uh, to me, when I came to these images, I was looking at uh, some, something to mint on as a photograph. And then I saw this and I was like, oh, you know, I feel like I want to um, create a, a photo that reminded me of Iceland the way I saw it. You know, like it was just like uh, this almost like painterly like um, image that came into my mind. So I, I like to play around with my hues and uh, I, I love the harmony of, and colors. So if you go to through my Instagram, which is like where I have my, my uh, stronger following, uh, I just, you know, I, I started Twitter like uh, when I, in, tw in 2010, but I've never used it until like recently. So um, yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, the, the story behind it is just like, uh, trying to capture Iceland in my own way, like the the, the with the hues and the and, and the hues and the colors, uh, the ho color harmony in a way that I saw it, you know, the way I felt like I saw it. Uh, but more than that, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, it's definitely a beautiful piece. Um, I, I found it interesting, and I find it interesting all the time in the NFT space. It makes perfect sense. A lot of artists that are just coming in in the last six, seven months. Uh, they have these big Instagram followings or, you know, significantly bigger Instagram followings. And then they come to Twitter, and it's like a completely different game. But the thing I've noticed the most on Twitter, um, I have an art burner Instagram, which I look at just to follow NFT stuff, but like I don't talk or engage at all on it. But the engagement on Twitter is, from what I've seen, just so much more impactful. And I feel like there's more um, opportunities to connect through Twitter than there is Instagram. Like when I look at the comment sections of the big Instagram accounts, and then I look at the engagements they get on a tweet that may have, um, you know, 1% of the followers in some cases, maybe even less. Like, there's literally artists who have over 100,000 Instagram followers, and then they come to NFT Twitter, they have 300 uh, followers. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I go look at their Instagram, and it's incredible, and then I find them on Foundation, and then sometimes I bid if their pieces really speak to me, and I see it all the time. Um, so it's I love to see more people come to Twitter, because I feel like you can get a much more engaged audience and uh, make just better connections. To, to, to your point, actually, I am very, very pleased to be in the uh, Twitter space because um, Instagram, you know, I'm very thankful for Instagram. This is giving me so many good friends and so many great opportunities as an artist, um, you know, to work with brands and, and to work with different jobs. Like, you know, I, I'm very grateful. But, you know, to, to me right now, Twitter is the best space for, for us for artists and collectors and, and artists in general, like, you know, so, so, um, now that, uh, I, I look at the, I, I mean, I look at this as a new beginning, you know, like I'm not saying that I'm leaving, uh, all the work that I put in and, and on Instagram and to build my, my audience, but, uh, Twitter now it's a way for me to re not reinvent myself, but to, just to refresh. Uh, you know, and restart in a new way, uh, reaching out new audiences and, and like new people and, and interact. And, and I love, I love the aesthetic, you know, I love it. Um, so yeah, I dove down, I, I double down on that. 
and to go back to the whole Twitter thing, like Twitter, th- the Twitter got like spaces. We could, con- we could like most of the people I met here that I talk to on a on a on a, on a frequency like a lot uh, is through Twitter and stuff. I mean, like look at Instagram. They don't have spaces. You post something five minutes later, you get like bot DMs and bot messages on your Instagram posts asking for promotions. But on Twitter, it's like it's an easier way to connect. At least you know, also spaces. So. Yeah, just to speak further to that for a moment, um, I've been partnering and connecting with different artists and consulting them with their projects and helping them with promotion and marketing. And Twitter definitely has been effective to getting the word out there and uh, exploiting in a positive way new artists or not even new sometimes. Like, you know, you had said they could have a following of well over 100,000 followers on another social media uh, or be a really um, well-recognized collection on another, uh, you know, uh, platform besides OpenSea. But it definitely helps to focus on the Twitter engagement as well as uh, Discord communities. I think that having a dedicated Discord community, while yes, it's starting to get saturated as far as how many we all participate in, or at least for me it has, but I've noticed like with Dario De Siena, for example, I and my partner, you know, we helped him establish a Discord community and it started out, of course, with zero. And now it's over uh, close to a thousand uh, collectors and we're able to offer Dario a place to interact with them on a more personal level. They feel like they're connected with the artist. He can do giveaways and raffles and AMAs and whatever, you know, live streams of him working on, you know, an NFT uh, in real time. And I just, I love that there are these platforms available, such as a Twitter space, a clubhouse, a Discord that are allowing us to connect more and uh, just really come together in uh, support of an artist or, you know, their project. Also, I wanted to mention something else. Uh, you know, for, for, photography is not necessarily where it needs to be right now. We obviously know this right now. But I know of a lot of photographers who are selling uh, pieces, um, uh, you know, for a significant amount of money. Um, and, um, and they're making a, a very strong statement in the NFT space. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Amos, uh, sold one of his pieces for one hundred and twenty-five thousand um, dollars, and this was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, he, he, I mean, he photographed. I don't know if you know the artist uh, XXX Temptation. Uh, Amos is the homie, bro. He's the homie. Yeah, 100%. exactly. Amos is the homie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah. For so sure. he definitely. Um, did that and there's an, another another photographer uh jacob um i forgot his his last name but he sold a couple of pieces on super rare um obviously kath um sold a couple of pieces already on super rare um who else uh there's there's plenty of uh, my my good friend Dan silva who is uh, one of the pioneers, to be honest, in this whole NFT space, like he's done a few drops, a few different drops on on to Nifty Gateways. Uh, he did a solo drop uh, recently, and he 
a fantastic um, photographer. He's also Sony Alpha ambassador and uh, New York based too. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I can go on on this, but you know, photography is doing what it's doing right now, and I'm very grateful for that. Even though I'm, I'm, you know, I'm both an artist uh, uh, as a, a digital artist, but I'm also a photographer. Uh, so yeah, just wanted to say that. Does anyone have any questions for all the artists on stage? Um, or if anyone's in the crowd that wants to ask questions, wave your hand or something. I can light you up. I, I got a question, uh, I guess, for any of the photographers, uh, you know, on stage, maybe more particularly for, you know, I don't know if Omar's still here or not. Um, I guess this applies to Omar. And, like, also to Jay, like, when you're going to shoot something that, uh, like, you know, you're going to a location or something like that. And you want to, uh, you might not know exactly what you're going to be shooting until you get there. And that like, you don't know what the weather is going to be like that day. Or like, I don't know, you don't know what animals you're going to see. Like, how much do you, how much are you able to kind of like plan in terms of like setting a stage for what the art is going to be before you get there and, and you're on site, if you will. And how much of it is like kind of just an emergent experience depending on, depending on the day and like depending on what there is like what what is your mindset i guess taking that into account when you're when you're going on to a shoot so i know for for every photographer i've met it's it's pretty different um for me personally i'm a, i'm a pretty scrappy photographer i'm a pretty like run and gun type of photographer i like um i do mountaineering and alp pine work so we do these big big climbs and glacier travel and all that kind of stuff with these uh with these mountaineering teams and there's a lot of planning that goes into the actual mountaineering ascent so i don't have to do as much planning personally because i'm just on the mountaineering trip with them and i'm shooting them for my own work i generally put a ton of planning into backcountry outdoor hikes and um the amount of work that i put into like individual pictures i i generally leave for a trip with an idea of i'd say like two or three photos i want and then i end up coming back you know with like hundreds that i didn't plan on taking but i'll use a lot of google earth i use a lot of um like i plan depending on the time of year as well because you like to know where the sun is coming up and where it's going down if you want a picture on a specific ridge um i will sometimes do a hike or a trip like m multiple times um in the wrong season just to know what shot i want in the season that i want that picture in um and all that being said some of my favorite pictures I've taken were shot out of the window of a moving car. You know what I mean? So I think it's just kind of all over the board for me personally. But m most of my favorite 
images I've shot, and I think the best images I've shot required weeks to months of planning for a like time of year, weather, storms, uh, mountain conditions, glacier conditions. Um, and I think that has less to do with my photography style and m more to do with the places that I photograph. So just kind of inherent to mountaineering is a lot of planning. So I, I, I guess all, that's a, a, a lot of words, but I guess I say I, I plan the climbs a lot and I don't really plan my photos a lot, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. I mean, just, just hearing about like, uh, it's cool to hear about your process, like thinking about you know, being somewhere on a hike or like, kind of like the off season and then thinking about how that's going to structure a, a shot three months out when you want to be there in the winter or in the summer or whatever it is like that. That's cool. Um, I wouldn't have thought about that, you know, without you sharing it. So appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also a, a, another kind of big piece of it is that if we're expecting wildlife, that's kind of its, its whole, its whole other challenge. Cause that involves a lot of tracking and hides and remote camera setups and stuff like that. Um, I don't do too much of that, but, but, um, it's, uh, I, I, I think every photographer kind of has their own challenges, you know, when it comes to planning a, a, a shot. I think for me, the shots are less challenging than it is to, to get to the place that I want to take the shots. And that's kind of the important part for me going back to the, how much value I put on, on the journey to create a picture um, I think a lot of that mindset I have comes from the mountaineering world more than the photography so yeah that makes sense I mean I'm, I'm just getting to know your work over the last like hour or whatever you know poking yeah, around online sure. since we've been on this call but it seems for like sure. a lot of the, the places that you're capturing are like places that most people would probably never see in their life because it's like too adventurous or too difficult for most people to be willing to want to jump into and, and or even able to do. Um, so like, I, I think that it makes a lot of, makes a lot of sense from the perspective of the work you do is, is like the, the journey is a huge part of it because it's, you're capturing these moments that like most people will never get to experience or uh, places that most people will never get to go. Yeah, right. Take, take 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 for example, Kath has to fight um, bears and, uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. I know so. I heard about it. Uh, I love it. Who said that? I. It's me, Ovek. What's okay. Up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't do. I don't think I do stuff that is as crazy as Jane in, in terms of climbing and mountaineering. Uh, but I, I do take uh, a bit of risk for my work. Uh, there's a spot that uh, I really wanted to photograph and, and create something there. And uh, I've hiked over there over four times and the conditions were absolutely shit. So I just uh, decided to try one last time. Um, so I drove to the trailhead, slept in my car, woke up at two in the morning and then I started the hike um in the dark with my bear spray and uh, i knew it was kind of like a bear prone area because i had a friend who said he saw a grizzly uh, the day before there but 
I really wanted to reach that viewpoint and um, and get get my shot. So I just decided to to uh, to go anyway. Um, and then about two hours in, I saw like a huge kind of like mass uh, just a few meters from me that I could see with my headlamp. And then I just flashed it and it was a huge grizzly. So then I had my uh, I had my bear spray. I kind of like turned back, um, pointing the best the bear spray towards the bear, and then just kind of like going back for uh, maybe five hundred meters. And then uh, and then I was really pissed because I really wanted to photograph that spot that I've tried so many times. So I decided to wait a bit, um, maybe like I don't know fifteen minutes, and then go back, uh, see if the bear was still there, and then the bear was gone. And then I just kept. <laughs> Then I just kept going uh, to the ridge, and yeah, I uh, I guess I I survived. But um, yeah, you know, like wildlife encounters uh, happen, especially in the Canadian Rockies, and it's definitely a danger that uh, you need to consider it. But um, yeah, you know, stuff stuff happened, and then I got my shot, and um, now I'm happy. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I have kind of like the same philosophy as G as about um, going back to the same spots so over and over. Um, I think I think Jay, you're sending it a bit more than me in terms of like it's may, perhaps it's a bit more spontaneous. Uh, but for me, it's really about going to the spot a first time, even just during the day without my camera, and then start looking at all the compositions that are available, and then maybe taking some test shots of that that spot. Um, and then coming back uh, at night uh, to shoot the night and then the sunrise. Um, but during that time, there's like kind of like a simmering that is happening. So I like to uh, take the time to pre-visualize pre and then imagine the shot uh, before I even take uh, the different parts um, of my image. Because uh, most of my work is composite work, so I don't take single shots. I, I really photograph the elements separately. So... Um, so yeah, so basically the most of my final images are composites, uh, and it's it's pretty much like a blend, a blend that's that's kind of like halfway between what what is the landscape and then what I have in my own imagination and then memories. So um, yeah, so you know same uh, same kind of like adventures but different um, uh, artistic approach, I guess. I think you should definitely add grizzly bear wrestler into your bio i think that would attract <laughs> a lot of people uh i think i should i i think i will right now How about that, that is one of the best ideas i've heard all day that's right okay i also think it's kind of i mean i think it just speaks to how cool um even and how diverse the world of you know outdoor photography is as well like kath and i are both you know outdoor kind of adventure photographers but i think she plans her work a lot more and then has to go out over and over and over again, especially if she's creating these incredible composites. Um, like I don't create composites at all. All of my pictures are, are single shots. And um, I generally refuse to Photoshop things in or out of them. Um, even if, even if I took them and, you know, like either one is better than, the other is just different styles of art, but the kind that Kath does really requires like like incredible conditions and uh, lots and lots and lots of trips to to create that kind of art, which I just think is fascinating. 
Um, and other thing, I think it was Purple, Purple Hat was talking about the places that um, that I go to take my pictures. That was actually a big piece of what caught me into photography like years and years ago was trying to make the most rugged, wild places I could find accessible. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was making the world accessible to more people because the reality is like not everybody can travel and even if they can travel they can't hike and you know what I mean if they can't hike they can't climb like you know it it, it it requires a lot of I guess like physical you know skills and prowess and time and and all these things that not everybody's as as privileged to have and I think that it's a it's a very humbling thing to be be able to go out there and get to these places that most people won't go and then create art that I can then share with masses of people who otherwise might never see something like that or might never see a, you know, a world in that way. And I've, I've kind of always viewed my photography through that lens of bringing the most far out wild places like to your phone screen or to your, you know, wall in a print or, you know, just making the outdoors accessible to people um, more than just like, you know, a national park, you know, I want to be on a mountain with no pain, you know what I mean? So if, if I can share a bit of a different point uh, from a, and sorry you guys speaking to me, and I was you know, Purple had you a little bit prompted the question at me and in Puerto Rico fighting with with uh, um, reception so it's been kind of hard to be in another space trying to get like a good reception but anyway um, I just wanted to give a little bit of a different uh, perspective when it comes to street photography for example uh, street photography is something that it might look easy that you just go for example I live in New York City I just go out and you know take a bunch of photos um, in the streets but it actually takes a lot of time to go out many times to take the right picture. Um, and not only that, but also to understand what is the right moment to photograph. Uh, sometimes I will have to stand, for example, for long periods of time because I see something and I want a specific lighting and I see a person could pass to that place and I really want to get that. So I have to be there for, for that moment. But also there's moments that you really have to take the time to study human behavior and then know when the right emotion is going to be expressed, when the right action is going to happen. So you have to learn how to anticipate those things. And you can only do that by just going out every single day that you can, if possibly every single day, to go out and create, um, you know, and study, study just by looking, but also study with your camera. And then maybe out of a hundred times that I went out uh, in a month, for example, to take photographs, um, uh, the amount of pictures that, you actually, that, that are actually valuable when it comes to street photography, it's, it, it narrows down to really capturing those moments that, that are fleeting and that mean a lot and that carry a story. And um, one of the ways I see it and I like to express about street photography is that the way I see street photography is nothing but wildlife, wildlife photography. It's just, it takes the same kind of knowledge to, to understand, you know, how wildlife photographers understand animals and their behaviors. For us street photographers, it takes the same kind of knowledge and understanding of our surroundings, not only 
of the actions that are happening, but also of the streets, of the lighting, of the laws, and also the psychology, because one of the things that we have to face sometimes as street photographers is just people, right? People that get angry, people that don't understand what we're doing, people that want to confr uh, confront us and all that. So those, those are just some of the things that we face as street photographers. So um, I just wanted to give that as a different perspective, because again, I appreciate and I, and I value um, um, landscape photography, but oftentimes we only see one kind of photography and we don't see that there's but not all photography is it's equal um and each one requires a very different set of skills uh in order to be able to create that so when it comes to street photography that's the the, the specific set of skills that we talk about um i don't want to abound in like portrait and stuff like that because i already talked a lot uh, but i just wanted to share that omar that's a great description of street photography and i'm i'm an obsessive street photographer myself and the way i think about it too is like a good street photograph is when you can like pull a slice of time at the confluence of different circumstances. So it's like all these variables like colliding in space and time, almost like physics, like a study of physics itself. And then I, your duty as the photographer is to like find the moments that have beautiful intersections and then publish them, uh, you know, or like, you know, curate those types of moments. And I think that's what you know, going back to Henri Cartier-Bresson, who is like one of the most revered street photographers of all time, he would call that like the decisive moment. And that happens in the streets, that happens in nature, that happens, you know, when this, in a landscape shot when the sun is hitting perfectly or there's some, some element that is making that moment uh, stand above the rest. So I loved your description of, of uh, you know, how you uh, approach street photography. Great. Yeah, I just want to say I've always... Uh... I've always admired street photography. Like, I mean, just almost more than anything. I think it's incredible. And I, 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 I've always thought that there's like three major pieces to creating, you know, a, a, a perfect photograph, you know, perfect, but I mean, a, a, a good photograph. And that's, you know, it's, it's the environment that's conducive to shooting. It's having the mechanical skill to, take the picture how you want to take the picture and then it's luck you know and luck is like that third element that I always rely on so heavily and and you know I think that I have to deal with a lot of luck as far as like storms and you know mountain conditions and stuff and that has no 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 comparison to like you know street photography where everything is moving at you know a million miles an hour and you have to think constantly you know to to create these images in your head before they even happen and that's just that's a skill all by itself you know yeah and you could say you know there's that quote that uh luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity but there's a tremendous amount of uh luck in street photography as well but it's like you have to be in a constant state of preparedness. Um, but same with, you know, same with nature and same with Kath's work of finding different scenes to composite later. Like you have to be constantly vigilant and prepared. And then when that opportunity arises, that, that confluence is called luck. I love that idea. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, I need luck to create my images, but I also need to be a good enough photographer to capitalize on that luck. And I think that, you know, I'm not sure there's any form of 
photography that that exhibits that as much as a uh, street photography, at least for me. Hey, they, uh, actually, d d a very good example, Dave, will be your fo the photo that you sold on Super Rare recently. I, I think it was you, you sold it for about seven seventies. Uh, if I'm, it was collected about, uh, but that's such a beautiful moment that even if you post it, like if, 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 if it was posed, like it would not have been as special. Like that moment was such a special moment, uh, of that couple walking the Brooklyn bridge with the, with at night, with the fog, with the light. It's just, it was just such a perfect moment. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, thank you, uh, Ovek. That's that's very kind of you to, to call out that image. That to me, I, I led with that image. It was my super rare Genesis because um, it to me like that's the most representative of that idea that I shared before about like the confluence of different circumstances. Like that image depended on you know the right like a rare foggy night on the Brooklyn Bridge, um, the timing of of where when I was there, the timing of the subjects walking by the police car that was parked nearby that was throwing lights all over the place and, and so many other things that I'm not going to bore you guys with the description. But to me, that was like the quintessential, like decisive moment that I've taken. And I wanted to kind of like put that down as like my marker of, of what I try to strive to achieve when I'm, uh, when I'm creating work. And I, you know, that's why I love street photography is because like you really can't, you go out and you have no idea uh, what you're going to encounter. Like today I'm, I'm in the city right now and <laughs> it's a rare day where I didn't bring my camera. Like I always have it with me and the light was so beautiful. And I'm like running around with my iPhone, just like going crazy. Cause I can't capture those moments. But, um, yeah, I, I just, like Omar said earlier, you take thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures a year. And then maybe there's like three or four or five pictures that year that I'm really would call like in my, uh, you know, top images or whatever you'd want to call it. Um, But yeah, I, I am actually like waiting outside to get into a comedy show. So I have to run. But I just wanted to thank uh, everyone for opening this space. Like this is so interesting to hear, especially with the emphasis on photography. And I hope to, to rejoin later if it's still going on. And, and thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for sharing your perspective. Have man. Fun. It's, it's really cool to hear from everyone. Have fun. D, I, I, I don't know if you can bring in uh, Jay and Silva, but Jay and Silva is also, like I said, he's one of the pioneers uh, of the NFT space, to, to, to at least to me and to a lot of people. Um, and he's also a like a like very strong force in the nft i mean in the whole community itself so uh, photographers and nfts and all that kind of stuff very knowledgeable so he'll be a good one to bring up to speak yeah and i'll stick around long enough to co-sign that i wouldn't know anything about crypto or nfts if it weren't for jay and silva and i think i can speak for hundreds of other artists that he onboarded so yeah shout out jay and silva I recognize JN from Rarestone. And I just realized I don't follow him. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> nice. What's up? What's up, everybody? I don't know if you can, uh, can, I, can everybody hear me? I'm like, yeah, we can hear you, man. How are you doing? Yeah, How are you doing? How's it going? I just got back to Miami and it's been like raining 
the whole time and I waited like two hours to get my luggage. So I've just like been sitting in the airport with like crappy service listening in. So it's been awesome to hear uh, everyone's perspective on photography and NFTs. And thank you for hosting this tease. And uh, so cool that you you know all about uh, Rarestone and, and know me from there. I love those guys. I know Charles. I've known him since I, uh, 2018. And uh, he's one of the best guys in the space. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a little aware of what he's up to and what's going on. Very cool. Yeah, I met Charles in uh, 2018 as well, and he's definitely been like my sensei slash uh, guardian angel with everything <laughs> going on. Uh, but yeah, just like everyone, it's been you know it's been so interesting to watch the evolution and emergence of photography in this space, and you know it's it's incredible to see so many wildly talented photographers here, and also like the variety of photographers. You know, not just street photographers, but like you know landscape and portrait and, and you know and to see what um everyone's kind of uh strategy or outlook is on what's going to happen uh has been really cool to hear oh man sorry i i, I uh, cut off there i have a question what what's everyone's thoughts on like a lot of these newer uh emerging platforms uh that are like kind of catering more to photography i know ephemera is is one that's making a push for it foundation has always kind of uh been super supportive as well and it looks like super rare is now uh also being a lot more supportive to photographers which i love to see but uh are there any others that i'm missing i i've been hearing a lot of things about mintable as well uh what's everyone's thoughts on that I'll yeah, let the so photographers have the floor because I haven't minted anything. Um, I'm aware of a couple of those. What was the first one you said? Ephemera? Ephemera? Oh, Ephemera. Yeah, I think okay. uh, Omar just minted one of them. Yeah, uh, Omar, I think, just minted something on there. I need to check. That was the only one I hadn't heard of. I'm going to check that one out. I think it's... Um, I, I think that the photography presence in the NFT space is going to grow and i think that it's it's going to keep you know a- adapting and becoming more desirable to nft collectors kind of over time and i think that creating platforms now or at least you know starting to create platforms now that cater to photographers is a is a really really good move even if they don't you know shoot off right away i think that having those in in place for future photographers to get in when fts and not feel like they're also trying to compete with all these incredible you know digital artists and 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 animators and stuff like that i think that that's probably going to be really encouraging to photographers to get into a space that's filled with art more familiar to them um and i think it, it might also give them a better idea of what their art is worth on that platform and not try to compare it to all these uh all these other um, all these other amazing digital creations you know going going to the whole photography and look at this space i mean we got dave jay and silver you omar jay kath you know many more photographers in this space you know like 
I lost track of time, but listening to all of y'all, you put the dedication and the craft to, into what you do. And I'm like, damn, you know, all, all props and respects to all y'all. I learned a lot in this space and I'm still glued to this. I love hearing everyone from here. Yeah, honestly, what's been on my mind since Kath brought up the experience is just like, getting a DAO to buy an experience like that. I just haven't been able to stop thinking about it. That's just, I don't know. I could see people I know just going crazy or something like that. Maybe I'm out of place. No, I still I wish think this half... was recorded. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah, I wish this thing was recorded, bro. Like, just to listen to all your insights. So... If there, was, you know. there is technically a way like I have to request my data from Twitter and then it takes like 24 hours and then they send me a zip file and then that zip file theoretically should be an mp4 of the space so I mean I can I'll look for it I'll send the request after we end this whenever we end it tonight and um, see if I can get it you should definitely do that man yeah for this sure has been really, really cool I was gonna say I think Kath's approach to to selling this this experience along with her art, I think she is early, early, early to 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 do that as a photographer. And I think that in the NFT world, we've already seen digital artists have to adapt to kind of a changing landscape um, and new incoming collectors. And I think that in the future we'll see more and more photographers kind of follow the same pattern of doing something more external, kind of like Kath is. And I think that just in the desire to create more things like that, it's going to weed out a lot of other photographers because I'm not sure that, I'm not sure how any of them could actually come up with an execute a project that big. And I think that, being able to do that is only going to make the value of the photographers in the space go up and up and up, you know, as long as they can kind of keep up with the changing landscape. I think, uh, GN, you are doing something similar, right? I think you're giving some classes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, first of all, shout out to you and, uh, you yeah, know, because I, I love what you're doing in the space. And uh, I think, uh, for was Jay was right in saying that, you know, you, it's a really great idea to, to add an experience uh, to the whole NFT. And I know Ill Concept as well the audience he's an amazing street photographer in New York and he did something similar where he offered a photo walk uh, to the street photography on his NFT but yeah I wanted to do something like that uh, and actually for my one of one uh, on the nifty gateway drop uh, I kind of went you know all out and whoever won I'm giving them uh, the Sony A1 which is Sony's flagship camera uh, and that was you know honored enough to be in the global campaign for the A1, and it's you know my favorite camera that I've ever used. So whoever won the, the one of one gets the Sony A1, uh, a 24 to 70 2.8 lens, which is kind of you know the workhorse lens that I carry around all the time. 
and uh, personal photography lessons for me. So wherever you know it was in the world, uh, I'm gonna go and, and teach them, you know, as much as I can about photography. However, the funny thing about that speaking, my biggest collector, so he ended up scooping uh, my one of one, and now I think I'm gonna go to Portugal during his birthday and uh, do a, a photo shoot with his family and teach him photography and give him this camera so he can go and capture uh, his daughter's life, which is, I think, it's really cool. That's awesome. I didn't realize he has every one of one you've released. <laughs> yeah, man. He's. I'm like, dude, we got to give people a chance, and he's just going for it pretty much. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. That's such a Charles thing to do, too, though. Yeah, absolutely. He's just, you know, he, he's very, uh, it says he's like, I'm bullish on you long term. So he's like, I'm just investing now while everything is cheap. I was like, all right, <laughs> you got it. So now like, I, I feel this pressure that I can't let Charles down. Just like uh, Jay Cole made that song, can't let Nas down. I can't let Charles down. I wonder, people were like, who the hell is Charles? I wonder how many people in here know who we're talking about. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll go and uh, retweet one of the things. We actually just put out uh, the video. I don't know if you saw it. The, we, we threw a really dope event here in BTC Miami. Um, you know, Rare Stone and Admus, which is my uh, artist collective. We threw, like, a really, really awesome party. Uh, we had DJ Premier performing uh, because Admus did. We did a collab drop with DJ Premier. And... Uh, we had uh, a local band where friends of mine perform. Uh, we had NFTs that we made specifically for the event. We had like live projections that uh, my buddy Robbie Bora made. Uh, and we actually just put together like uh, kind of like a little recap video. Uh, let me see, I'll pin it on my profile. Still like pretty new to species. I, uh, I pinned it up there. Do most of... Oh, nice. Thank I, you. Uh, I saw when Charles retweeted, I think yesterday. And uh, yeah, yeah, we just was in Miami. I'll be in New York for NFT NYC, but I wasn't in Miami, sadly. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're trying to do something uh, during that week as well. I think I'm, I'm one of the speakers at uh, uh, NFT NYC, so I'm, I'm trying to see what events we can put together. I know Dave has all ships, and you know, we have a lot of friends over there, so it, it's going to be a really interesting week. Well, I'm very yeah, if there's a rare stone party, I'll definitely be there. It sounds like an insane time. Oh, oh yeah. it, it there's got to be a party, man. Jan, please, because I missed out on the one in Miami, so make it happen, please. Yeah, I got you. We're, we're already we're planning it. We're doing something for our Basel, too, so we're going to stick around and come down to Miami the, the month after in December. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff here, too. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, question, I guess, this is more for the photographers from the minting question. How do you feel about companies like Canon or Sony introducing their own kind of like verifiable ways to mint kind of not maybe directly from camera, but like providing their own like verified, like curated minting platforms for like their shooters? Um, I'll speak on my experience working with Sony. I've been working with them for eight years, and, and they've truly been like a major catalyst for a lot of things that, that have happened in my career. And they always listen, and they always kind of have a, an open ear 
to a lot of the artists. Uh, and I think, especially with NFTs, it's early enough that I think the more people we can onboard, the better. Uh, and I know they're trying to find ways uh, on how to educate, you know, Sony photographers on, you know, what NFTs are and, and how they can get involved. So I don't know if they, you know, necessarily create a platform, but I know they are trying to kind of educate themselves first uh, and then educate the photographers. And I, I think that's good. I think the more you know, people we can onboard, the better. Um, but yeah, I can't speak too much on Canon and Nikon and, and the other ones, but I know Sony is already kind of, uh, you know, trying to, to learn about it and, and learn as much as, as they can because I've, I've had a few calls with them. Yeah, um, Jan, uh, we're all actually, Kath, you and I and Dave, we're, we're all three, uh, all four of us are part of the uh, Sony Alpha also for, for a few years. And I know that they're doing uh, a lot of write-ups and uh, they have a podcast where they featured uh, a couple of a couple of our uh, you know members uh, talking about the NFTs, so they they are definitely so, uh, you know behind uh, learning about what we can do and what we can bring uh, to the space. Um, yeah, I, I was just echoing that what you said. I, I mean, Hunter, your question. My opinion on this is that. It, that kind of defeats the purpose of blockchain and decentralizing your work then. So, like, I would not I would never, just in my personal opinion, like, be like, oh, here, Canon, like, it'll be under your smart contract, you know, personally. Like, I get the appeal of it and the provenance of it, but if you can just, instead of someone else taking out a percentage of your sale, if you can just use that money to deploy your own contract, then wouldn't the provenance of your own name be better than anything? Like that's the whole point of blockchain and decentralized decentralization. So that's my opinion. That's a good point. Yeah. The, I guess the side I was coming yeah. from was, <laughs> you know, Yeah, I almost feel like it's, uh, I feel, I mean, I, I don't know if this is the best, like, com comparison, but it's almost like an author paying a vanity press to publish their work. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, yes, it's published, it's out there, but um, you also kind of lost some of what m makes your art yours in the process, in a way. Um, I think that if you have the means to just to just mint it on on, on your own and keep it like you know on a centralized platform, I, th I think that's that's better at least from what I see now. But I would love to see more about it because honestly, I don't know too much about it. So I'm I'm and eager to learn more. There's about it. resources like like on YouTube, like if you look up how to deploy or like the zombie tutorial there's like tutorials out there i mean like open zeppelin you can go on open literally go to open zeppelin and read about contracts there's most contract there's like you know i'm not too into code and know much about coding but there's boilerplates for most contracts where it's like it's you can make your own and deploy it relatively like with a relatively like you know, like a couple of weeks, I mean, you know, and I think that's worth it. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's resources out there and I'll probably end up putting a list together. I'm working on like a website from my own, like 
archival work and, and just like a general place for information. So once I have it together, I'll post it. But I've, I've seen some great videos that are just like really helpful and help you get into it and learn more about it and like, you know, really what they do and what they are and everything. But yeah. Okay, this is this is interesting. Definitely uh, good to hear your takes on these things. Hunter, I just wanted to kind of quickly hop in and piggyback off what Jake and Jay said. I feel like what you are kind of asking about would, I don't know, I think it would, the collectors wouldn't be a big fan of it. Kind of what Jake was saying with uh, the whole decentralization uh, aspect of it. If you're having corporations behind these NFT platforms, it's going against the concept of NFTs in the first place, which is why I think Instagram uh, and their whole NFT platform got so much backlash. Uh, it's it's just not looked fondly upon by the by the community. Yeah. So the only thing I find interesting in there is like, you know, OpenSea. Obviously, you can mint there, which is, you know, not the same as your own contract as well. Um, but it does kind of, in my mind, kind of fit that same kind of vibe where, you know, you don't own that contract. And it's just another company that you're going through. That's not, um, that's kind of the same thing. I understand it's a marketplace across the board. Uh, and you can buy things that are on their own smart contracts. Um but it was just an interesting question. I'm poking, just trying to get sentiment from people. Uh, I guess I should disclose that I work in like the kind of like Skunk Works division at Canon. You're infiltrating this space, trying to extract information. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do AI shit. Like, I, I, I do nothing that has to do with like blockchain. I just get curious about that. Um, with Canon. So it's, uh, it's always interesting to hear people's takes on that stuff. And I don't think at least my understanding from where I kind of see discussions throughout corporations, because obviously, I get to talk to to other large photography companies as well, is exactly your sentiment of, you know, why would they try to enter the, the space as a mentor? Why would they try to compete? just stay in their lane of producing the best photography equipment. Um, but it is, it is one of those like interesting questions when you start to think, okay, how does, how does a camera company um, help improve the process for, you know, creating NFTs or empowering their uh, users to make money through photography? You know what I would love to see is maybe these camera companies um, collecting work from well-known users of their products so like kath for example um she is obviously a sony ambassador like uh, a few others in this room uh and if they were to kind of create their own digital wallet and maybe showcase nfts shot with their camera systems i think that would be a really cool way to support artists i think that's a really really fascinating idea or even like um you know, potentially having these massive camera com companies offer their own platform for people to mint on and, and sell 
their art through, you know what I mean? Like almost like a, uh, like can open sea or a foundation, but you know, ended on a, on a, on a platform that's owned by a camera company. I feel like that would feel less like a, a big company, you know, kind of overstepping the, their bounds with their own, their own artists and more like an attempt to actually help them sell their work. I think that in general, like brands or companies or like celebrities or like influencers or whatever you want to call it is it's like, I don't have any problem with any of them getting into blockchain or NFTs, but as long as it's not like a cash grab, like if Canon were to do like something like OpenSea, they'd have to really like, they have to really do that shit. <laughs> like, you know, not like, oh, like flop it out there and just like, you know, it, it'd really have to be like a high effort, like real thing, like where, where they like start to, I mean, then incorporate like youth really into like, right, Canon products, like paying for Canon products, whatever, into like creating a metaverse basically out of Canon. So like, it's a possibility, but like, yeah, it's just like, generally anyone who's into nfts is probably against a big brand or something and and so but i do see the i do see the appeal where it's like oh like if it's if it's a real thing you know and if it's a real like canon like is you know really sees a future in the blockchain technology then i then i see it being something that's like beneficial yeah, and I, positive i agree i think that it would have to be a really, really valiant effort from a company before I ever actually trusted it, you know what I mean? And didn't view it as like a cash grab. But at the same time, can you imagine how like positive of exposure that would be as a, as a camera manufacturing company? Like if Sony, you know, sold. Oh, you could revive Kodak entirely. Yeah. Can you imagine (laughs) if a camera company sold, these amazing cameras and then kind of sold them with this you know pseudo you know this potential to also sell the work that you create with their product through their own means i mean that would have to attract a ton of attention from people getting into the space or even just people being willing to switch off of their current platform I definitely agree. I think it all comes down to a matter of intention and it kind of traces back to the concept of like the uh, larger celebrities like back in March when they were all coming back into the space and some of them had the right approach um, at, like coming in and supporting other artists whereas it was pretty obvious when some were coming in as a cash grab and I think that same those same ideals would be relayed onto companies that would be interested in joining the space like Canon and uh, Sony. I'm going to be honest. I'm a, I've, I've been a Canon shooter for like 10 years, but I, uh, I, I can see Sony doing something like that and, and crushing it. They've always been so, you know, intentional about their, about their interactions with their uh, their fan base and their users, I can definitely see them putting a ton of 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 love into a project like that. Yeah, I can see that too. 
I think there's a possibility. Uh, I can't confirm or deny that I shoot on an A1. So um, I'll just also say that. <laughs> I know so- somehow that's going to get back to somebody and I'm going to get shit for it, but fuck it. It's the truth. Real recognizes real. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, and I, I'm, I'm getting more and more bullish on photography in this space. I think it's been a certain laggard behind like generate, you know, generational art and um, obviously digital art as a whole. I think it's, it's fallen into a category where it just hasn't been appreciated. And I think we'll start to see that shift over the next, I guess, year as uh, photography starts to get a better sentiment within you know within the community and i don't i don't know why i i haven't been able to put my finger exactly why that's happening um but i'm really really excited to see what happens once you know a lot of these really talented photographers start to get the the spotlight they deserve and it's not just you know oh that looks cool and um there's you know there's cool colors and there's audio I think when we find a way to utilize a smart contract to improve a photography photography photo, that's when things get really batshit nuts for me. Um, I don't know if that's access to seeing what um, you know the the original files, maybe after like Lightroom has been touched on it or what. Um, but I definitely think that there's there's going to be something somebody's going to figure out an idea and that'll, that'll really push the photography space forward. Uh, just thought the, the beauty of, of it all is the fact that we're all into the whole, I mean, this, this whole space, this whole NFT is, is only the beginning. So yeah, I mean, we, it, as photographers, like we don't have necessarily the, uh, the same approach as the digital artists. Like I'm, I'm, I'm both, but when I, I speak on, on behalf of photographers as well, but uh, yes, I feel like, you know, the fact that we're so, or so early, we, we have plenty of room to develop, uh, you know, a lot of different things as far as photographers. Yeah, I, I've kind of thought in the past how cool it might be to also offer like the raw files from your shoot to whoever collects your your pictures. I think that has a lot to do with the artist though as well, because I'm not sure if like if it if the demystification of an image would sort of ruin it for some people or if it would improve it. Um, I'm not sure. It probably depends as much on the collector um as it does on the artist like for me personally i i take everything in one shot and i i don't really um add or take away anything in photoshop and that's just kind of my my scrappy style you know i like it how it is but um i've 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 also thought about how fascinating it would be for somebody like kath i don't think she's in the space anymore but if she like created a time like a hyperlapse of her you know taking an image from start to finish and whoever collected that photo got the opportunity to watch her create this digital 
masterpiece in real time. I thought that would be fascinating as well. I don't think it would be as interesting for my images personally, but for somebody who does composites, I think that um, showing a collector how much just digital prowess and work and time went into just compositing the picture, I think that could be really cool. I've seen some NFT drawings where the artist has included the kind of time lapse of the, uh, at least the digital process of making the, uh, the art. So yeah, and I think it's really cool. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I'm, and I think I, not to take away from that, but I think, it's really hard for photography for when we start looking at like these art projects that are like avatars and then you can bring in like functionality like breeding or burn one like burn to get a, another unique one or like scrambling those are really cool like functionality to that nft i want to i want to find out like if there's a like what does that look like for photography like what is interacting with an image once you own it look like um these are like really like you know kind of questions that most people and even myself kind of think about and they're like jesus like that's kind of like smoke some weed and sit back questions um there's not really a, a way to answer that right now uh but somebody's gonna do something that i think that none of us thought about like even like two years ago before we even knew what nfts were most of us um a lot of the concepts we we see and think are pretty trivial we it would have been like cool and crazy to us but i think that's going to happen with photography at some point and that's what changes the industry uh moving forward um the one thing that i've also seen is like comments around how you can profit off of like virality like if you own an asset then if it goes viral, then there's some kind of like revenue share based off of like engagement or like uh, ad revenue from that on a platform. Does that happen with photography? I, I think that's possibly something we see happen. Um, I think the ad industry is going to get walloped by NFTs and the way that that gets monetized. Um, but I'm just, like I said, excited for photography. It's been a passion of mine. Uh, I started shooting on like a D70 Nikon when uh, I was really young and I'm excited to see, see what happens. Yeah. One of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is just like how much kind of unlockable content can you offer um, to a collector as a photographer? And for me with most of my work coming from <laughs> mountaineering and these big like mountain you know mountain and alpine ascents um i have so much footage like gopro footage and 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 stuff of these climbs and these crazy you know glacier ascents and stuff like that but i was curious if maybe creating a more cohesive like fun to watch version of some of these crazier climbs that we've done and then solely 
releasing that footage to whoever collects the picture from that that climb i think that could be pretty fascinating kind of in place of a here's how i composited the photo because i don't composite it's like here's how i got the photo here's all the work that went into you know the all the months of planning that went into the climb that actually that this photo came from you know what i mean I love that, Jay. I did the same thing for my second NFT. Uh, I sh recorded the whole process of like the traveling, the climb, and what was required in the post-processing for the final product. Um, and I think it's a really great way for the collector to connect with the image itself. Definitely. I mean... Um... Justin has just really opened my eyes with how important the story is behind the photo because it really, like the stories when, for example, if I'm just like scrolling foundation, looking at pieces that really like grab my attention, it's almost always um, some like very vivid or very monotone thing that I'm just like enamored with. And it's normally not a photo. But if I knew the stories behind the photos, like, I don't know, it gets me way more into buying the photography. Like, I was looking at Jay's pieces and that goat, like, that's something that, like, really stuck out to me. I was trying to go through everybody who's been up and see, like, my favorite pieces. And, I mean, that goat was, after I looked at everything, I kept going back to the goat and I kept going back to some of Cass' um, super rare pieces because they're just breathtaking, but... I mean, everybody who's been up here has really opened my eyes to how much more I need to listen to um, the photographers and listen to the story and try to seek it out before, um, like, just looking at the picture and saying, oh, this might not be my thing. Same as well. Like, I've seen photography, and then, you know, when Kath did that video, I'm like, wow, okay, let's look at photography a little bit more closely. Like, this is... It's it's something. It, it just sucks that sometimes this all of this photography gets overshadowed with all the other digital art and all that stuff. It like it needs to have its recognition somehow, some way. My dream NFT <clears throat> project or collectible uh, happens to be a set of photography called the I don't know if it's already been mentioned here, but the photo arc. Uh, there's a photographer who's basically trying to take a picture of every animal on earth uh kind of i think kind of an order of uh closest to becoming extinct uh to i guess most abundant to just try to make sure that we can capture all of these creatures before uh any of them become extinct and i think that that would make an awesome nft and could also do a lot for kind of the conservation efforts for some of those animals um and i think it also kind of goes into some some of the things some people have been talking about of okay, maybe what could be some utility behind this and uh, what's something that could be big for the photo NFT space. So um, I've actually sent an email to whatever the contact us is on the PhotoArc website. If anyone else thinks it's interesting, uh, might be a good idea to try and do the same. Yeah, that's Joel Sartori. He's a, uh, he's a pretty legendary at Geo photographer and he's actually spoken about 
um, his kind of trepidation from creating this massive, this massive, massive piece of content that that um, is is completely irreplaceable. You know, after these animals go extinct, and he's he's talked about his issues with creating something like this, and then not really having a good avenue to bring rev and you back to sanctuaries and stuff like that because how many people you know are going to go attend a calorie and stuff like that and just logistically you can't present that many pictures in a gallery and so they pretty much all have to be shown on line and just the the opportunity to make money off of a project as massive as the photo arc um even Joel Sartori himself has talked about how he's he's not really sure where the money is going to come from. Um, and I think that if he sold that as a, like a m- massive collection of an NFT, you know, like we've seen, you know, people's work go for like, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Like, I can't imagine what something like the photo arc would actually be bring in but it would be in you know in in in, 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 so glad photography is being discussed in here What's up, Ben and Jay? Nice to see you guys. Thought I'd jump in as well to speak on it, but uh, this is like a transition period in the art world. It's, uh, you know, photography is a lot of uh, putting in like a, a forefront of effort to go chase like a specific topic or condition. So it's really cool to see more or less what people choose in that like world versus like you know, we all have to go sit home and edit as well. But like that, that forefront of like, I need to go do something physically to capture this is it's an interesting transition in this kind of world. So like, when people do come out with those like one of a lifetime shots, like it just, it's jaw dropping. You're like, wow, this person just like bled satin, like for a week in the same spot, and then collected something that they're going to go make into a beautiful piece of work. Like, holy smokes, I'm just glad that's happening in general we kind of seen that happen even in like you know 50s 60s Ansel Adams had like galleries where his photos worth like 40 bucks and like you know it was at a time where 40 bucks is pretty expensive but it's it's not unreasonable for an art show in New York it was just something that photography takes a bit of time to catch up with the art world because we're so used to seeing images kind of our whole life Any of the photogs in here kind of recently I've been looking at more digital art and I'm like thinking to myself, how can I go create something or just participate in making something? I feel like the transition of like photographers to go trying like animation and digital art is going to be pretty big as well. Because before this, I was a stickler. I was like, I'm never replacing a sky ever. I want this chase. If I ruin the chase of chasing weather for myself, I'm not going to be motivated to like go out and, you know, spend a week in an area backpacking and camping just because, like, I refuse to replace anything. But now seeing that, like, digital work, it's its own world and seeing that aspect, uh, I don't know, at least for from a photography background, it's pretty cool to see that. And, like, I definitely wasn't 
aware of that world and so entering a space where like the world's kind of were cohesive do you guys feel as like people looking at art now do you feel that photography is kind of making its way into that world comparably to like you know the online world being more animation based because if i see something moving on a thumbnail like i'm just going to look at it immediately just because it's eye-catching and i kind of want to see it yeah i think that it's um like i don't think that it would ever replace you know still photography for me but i think that it has definitely made me aware of what's possible with digital art, even just simple things like applying digital art concepts to an already finished still picture. Like I've seen, um, I've seen people create things with these braided rivers and, and, you know, uh, from a drone up in Iceland and then they pay a digital, little artist or an i guess an animator to to make all the rivers flow and move and turn it into a and a more dynamic piece and so it's it's still mostly just a still image exactly how you took it but it's a little bit more dynamic and i think it it might appeal more to the the collectors and people who are interested in digital art to begin with and maybe haven't ever thought about photography as being a, uh, a viable asset to the NFT world. So I think that even like simple, um, like s simple marriages between digital art and still photography can can happen and add a lot to um to the nft photography world oh definitely like do you know jeff i have to like search for the handle now but he's like a younger kid in college and he just animated like one of cody Cox's pieces i know he's done other animation animations for artists and like the guy's like yeah i just spent 70 hours working on this i'm like holy shit like yeah he's like oh, i had school so i had to just keep my computer running after i did a bunch of time processing and it's like dude rendering is like hard like the barrier of entry is already high you you know you kind of have to build that gaming computer i don't know kind of the online world with having a fast computer kind of lets you do that at a younger age which is like super awesome and I kind of felt like I came from that world, you know, personally just playing a lot of video games and just building PCs as a kid. But like the barrier of entry as that skill set is just like very difficult. Like a lot of people grow up taking photos, but like animation and like physical movement, like hats off to everyone who creates stuff like that. That is just, I don't know, it's, it's interesting enough for me to go on a YouTube rabbit hole every night <laughs> in the middle of the night when I should be sleeping. But like it is... It is very impressive. So I hope more people collaborate just in general. It would be nice to see just different artists. Like imagine the dream team of artists coming together to make stuff. I know I've seen like a couple animated pieces with multiple artists, but like I would love to see just like that dream team of artists. Like if you love two artists and they work together to make something like, oh my gosh, that's everyone just wins here. Cause I feel like we're all just kind of consumers at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the future kind of landscape of photography in the NFT world, it might be l less of 
photographers transitioning into being digital artists and more collaborations between existing digital artists and existing photographers. I mean, even stuff like, uh, this isn't the best example, but I just saw uh, Ken Shiro, you know, he, he took his punk, his, his punk avatar and had it completely rendered into an, an, a like moving animation. I thought that was fascinating and I'd, I'd love to see something like that kind of um, blended with still photos. Oh, definitely. And Ken Shiro's, what a cool dude anyways, like off top. So to have him like put in more just to make his like collectible thing, like more visual, it's like, I don't know, collectors have the opportunity very like to kind of sit in the artist seat a lot of times. And like, it's interesting to see that like hybrid transition, but uh, I don't know if if photography is just kind of my world. So that's the only thing I know just to be introduced to this is is cool. Cause like, you know, looking at on the internet, we all spend time online, like searching through stuff, but like hearing someone passionately speak about what their craft is, is like completely different. Like you can definitely tell how much time and effort when someone like just really talks about their adventure or their passion and like that at least for me has made like twitter spaces so valuable like i will like stalk your profile so hard if you say some kind of short passionate speed of speech about art like oh my gosh so like hopefully these keep on going so yeah definitely thanks for anybody who hosts them too because like you know getting an open opportunity for everyone to speak is like such an equal playing field from compared to just different social medias where like it's more of like who you know and hopefully your work gets seen like here it's just like hey put out great stuff just focus on making stuff twitter you can share as much as you want you can share as least amount as you want to but like your stuff will get seen by people so at least for the creators it's it's just so gratifying I really admire the like grit and determination of a lot of creators too, because that's something that um, not a lot of people have. And like, you have to get out there and you have to really promote your work. And it's hard for, like, it's hard for me. Like I'm really introverted. It would be hard for me to promote my work if I was a creator, especially a small creator. Like I would um, probably not have the grit to go through it. And I always think about, you know, for all these amazing people we talk to, how many amazing people do I have no fucking idea exist? Um, like, you know, I've met over 10 people just in this space in the last three or four hours who I've followed and gained tremendous respect for. And how many more are there out there that, you know, I don't know of? And, you know, I know there's millions. Um, <laughs> there's tons. Um, so it, I love doing these spaces and just giving people a platform. Really all I look for is like few mutual followers. If you have just like, two mutual followers or an avatar or like your profile doesn't look crazy. I just let anyone up and see what happens. Yeah. I'm going to hop down, let some other people get up here for that exact reason. Yeah. I'm actually going to do the same thing. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed the space. Thank you for having me as well. Um, this was super informative and fun and thanks everyone excited to see you this summer dude yeah thank you for being here jay
it's been a great time and i'm still going to be here for another probably half hour 45 minutes so anyone who wants to come up and talk feel free to raise your hand thank you jay have a good night man have a nice night so i had an idea pop into my head that the photographers in this room might hate but um i'm a web developer and oftentimes i find myself needing access to a stock photo and i end up coming to some website that i need to enter my credit card information for to buy it which i just mostly don't want to do so i wonder if there's any opportunity to use nfts uh, maybe on matic would make more sense because of the gas to make it more friction more frictionless in terms of purchasing stock photos. I don't know. It's just an idea that popped in my head. This is where I kind of see NFTs being able to change photographers to from commercial work to even more as like fine artists and being recognized for their pers- like perspective and vision where they could have like a catalog of works. Maybe it's, uh, you know, open edition or whatever. You just get access to it, or maybe they have some token that lets you get access to all their pictures. But just jumping back a little bit in the conversation, I remember Jacob mentioned um, seeing like photographers and also seeing like 3D render coming in to, to play. I feel like we see a lot of like photography and magazines and spreads, and you know, that's kind of the standard nowadays. So it'd be interesting to see too, like 3d renders starting to be more used in, in magazine displays and, and commercial work, but um, <laughs> I'm rambling. So I feel like it'd be interesting to see photographers being recognized more as like individual artists and fine artists for their own vision and maybe have some platform where you could scout out specific photographers for, you know, web developers or whatever it may be. You know, selfishly as a photographer, it would be awesome to have a display of work and like have someone contact you personally to be like, hey, I need this. I don't know what you have exactly of this, but I've seen this image as example. Like, do you have anything I could like work with? But obviously, you know, we need a median to transfer and crypto is pretty great currency on the Internet. But uh, it's, it's I guess the question is like it's kind of hard to display a lot of work at one time, like having that like catalog to search through might be, you know, some other website in the future. So you could like backlog an artist across all their socials or even on like one site where you can find their images. But like, usually we have like hundreds of images and select one, like, you know, you can go on a trip and get like, like a terabyte of stuff throughout a summer and then like have just a handful of like selected good work. So there's definitely a lot of like, background images that could definitely just used as web design or use as web work. But I mean, as a photographer, it, it feels hard not to just share what you think is your absolute best, at least in terms of like showing less and kind of just trying to put a handful of good stuff out. I don't know how others feel about that. Though. Mm. Uh, I'm not much of a photographer, so I can't speak on that per se, but I would imagine the, the, just the difference between edited pictures to raw pictures would just be, you know, a hundred raws to like one edited, but I'm an artist in terms of like just 2D drawings. So I know that for like every hundred sketches, I only get like one or two good drawings. Um, but it'd be interesting if there's some platform where 
you're able to just upload these and it's able to, you know, organize it on its own. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the Google Arts and Culture app, but one of my favorite features from that app is that you can go through museums and organize the work by color palette. So if you really like yellow art, you can see all the yellow art in the world. There's like 10,000 museums or so in the app. So um, be interesting to maybe do that or something along those lines of like aspect ratio or color or whatever. or I'm, I'm looking that up right now to organize through color palette. I don't know, at least for me and my photo journey, I was just like, I'm just going to make good stuff. I don't care about a feed looking nice. I just want to make art. But then I've like robbed myself this experience of like looking at images as just base shapes and colors. And like when you design that feed or like, uh, like what Tumblr, like lookup pages, like just seeing a collection of images as base tone colors is such like a useful thing. I assume you guys as like digital artists in terms of drawing think in that space like a lot more just because we're kind of capturing something that's already there and we have the option to manipulate after. But like that baseline of just seeing shape and color and to be able to organize that in like the thousands. Oh my God. I am panic Googling this again. What, what was it called the <laughs> time? Yeah, search up at um, Google Arts and Culture. Just anyone in this spaces that likes looking at art and not necessarily owning it, but just you can catalog like your favorites and all that. Um, it's crazy. The amount of art is on there and it's really high quality images that you can just scale. And there's like an AR feature. You can just place it in your room. It's, it's a lot of fun to mess around in. Um, but I was just thinking of the, the way they catalog the work as maybe an example for how a platform could tackle cataloging photo photographers work because, you know, like photography, is kind of hard to, 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 for me at least, I don't necessarily have like the firsthand experience and the eye for like determining what photographer took what picture. To me, it's just like, oh, that's scenery, oh, that's subject, portrait, whatever it may be. Um, but I'm sure some AI could figure it out <laughs> if you throw in enough of like, this is my work, this is labeled like, you know, as Jacob and, um, you know, give it enough reference images that could probably sort it out somehow i'm not a tech guy either computer but um yeah check out google arts and culture though already saved as a bookmark um when you guys just for the non-photographers when you guys are looking at an image um like what i don't know i'm so ingrained in my like viewpoint that like when i see an image personally as a landscape person i'm thinking like location and like condition and then like lighting dynamics and composition. So first things first, I'm like, oh my gosh, where is this? Oh, whoa, they climbed up the side of like Yosemite Valley. And like, that's a super unique angle. It's like mentally adding more points to me and my head. And like, maybe it doesn't have to be the more rare, the more beautiful it is, because you know, that's more of a, how you're going to choose to interpret it. But like, at least for a landscape person, like if you caught really good conditions, I, I remember like missing conditions in like 2019 when buddies went to shoot and I can recognize the cloud pattern in their photos. And I'm like, shit, I'm like kicking myself. Cause I'm like, I know those clouds from like June, 2019. And like, you know, my favorite images is the same way. Like I, Oh, I know this weather pattern from this date because like, that's what made it for me. Like that's what was so important was like, it is a one-off thing and it's at a location. And when those both line up, 
that's when I see like the the extra value other than it just being like a very pretty image because a little bit of me thinks like documentation of the world is kind of equal value with the art side where it's like whoa this place was beautifully documented by humans like you know glacier national park has a lot of beautiful images because it's a beautiful place but like having those high quality images of that is like i don't know it's like a stamp by like humans to say like hey we've captured like this area so when we see something new and we can't figure it out it's like oh that is the best thing ever like if i don't know where it is or like when it is or how they got it i'm like that is like the most addicting to keep on staring at it than like, you know, sharing it with friends and being like, wow, look, look how cool this is. So when you, when you guys see photos, like what is kind of, you know, for at least non-photographers, what's kind of like, what are you thinking? Are you visually just like, wow, that's, you know, beautiful landscape or a human or what have you? I mean, when I see photography, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, wow, but also it's like, I want to know what what was the photographer thinking? How they got that shot? Did they hike a lot? Did they do this and that? I want I want to see a story. Like I know I know like from other spaces I hopped in on photography. Some people like you know there's no need for a story for photography. And that's true, right? But like at the same time, like I well and what I mean for stories, like how did you get that shot? I want to be more enticed into this. Let me let me see what it took for you to um pull it off. Like. I always go back to Kath because the whole video, whole video for that SR drop, I'm like, I know that's the story and it's, like, it's amazing. That's like what I, that's like what I want to see when it comes to photography. Uh, for myself, um, I'm in my art, I'm very just focused on shapes. And so like when I'm looking at uh, photography, I'm, that's kind of what my eye goes to. And I think also catching the like serendipitous moments that sometimes pop up, like definitely adds a lot of value to me. Um, like my sister took this picture once of this little girl walking a dog at a street corner. And it's just like pretty bare wall. She's the only one in the street against this like blank surface, but just the moment in itself, the way you can kind of see around the street corner and it adds some perspective, like is really crazy to me. Um, and going through your, um, uh, like your photography, it just sh um, shows me how you play with perspective when you have certain camera angles. And that's something I look for and something that I'm kind of lean towards just because it, it feels more playful and it feels like more of an interaction between the person and the environment rather than just an objective capturing of the environment, if that makes any sense. Jacob, your uh, pinned photo at the Golden Gate Bridge, the surfer. That's that's a really striking image. That's really cool. Oh, thank you so much. That was a, a very awesome day for me. Uh, personally, like I've lived in the Bay Area my whole life, but for one super big swell of a storm that came in, brought like Mavericks to the Bay. And like, that's for people who don't know, is like a, a pop-up contest for surfing. That's like 40 to 50 foot waves with like helicopter crews for safety. And, you know, after hanging out and doing that, I went over to the Golden Gate and caught like the one surfer who decided to like go into that dangerous break under the Golden Gate. So, yeah, that was that was one of the moments where <laughs> I had like three cameras in my hand because I'm weird and I shoot a lot of old film cameras and I like to spend all my money on 1980s equipment. But uh, I had to like drop all my cameras and be like, OK, 
you know, I, I messed up. I didn't have my camera in burst. There's like light, like leaving the scene. I'm like, oh shit. Like this is the one, everyone that's gone up there. Cause you're going to land into some rocks if you ride the whole wave in. And I was like, this is that one moment, like hold your breath. Like you need to just hit this. And if it's gone, it's gone. You miss it. And then you just, you're just going to deal with it. So I, I personally love when photos have that dynamic moment. Sometimes you notice that a lot more in street photography when you guys were talking about like playing with ang angles, like sometimes a photo has this weird lineup that's almost like humorous. Like you can, you know, if you're analyzing a street and someone fell and then there's like someone in the background with a balloon, like there's an angle that you can kind of make a story out of two independent moments. And like, that's where I see perspective being so big in photo where like situations are constantly happening. So you as like the creator that's like pausing time can line up things to like make it interpret a whole different situation. Sorry, that was a little bit of a ramble, you know. You get me talking about arts, I get too excited. <laughs> I'm just looking at your golden, your, your, um, golden State Bridge. Like, I'm like two hours away from SF, and, you know, I, and one thing I would like to add for photographers, like, yo, I could feel the vibe from this. Like, I want to go here. Like, that's a vibe. That's a vibe 100%. I like this. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that. it's summertime. It's like, yo, let me go there right now, but it's two hours away. It's a vibe, man. Nice. It's uh, called Fort Point for if anybody wants to know. You get a little location drop right there. And uh, yeah, definitely. And like, that's cool. I don't know. For me, starting with photos, I just saw buddies shoot cool things. And I was like, okay, I have Google Maps. I'm just going to look until I find this. Like half of photography for me is like chasing locations. Like I wouldn't have left my area as much if I didn't have this like need to travel. Because like once you start that, you're like, oh, a couple hours away, you know, I can go shoot this and it looks like a good sunset. And well, shit, now I have no choice. And then you're in the car. <laughs> Are you going to mint that photo as an NFT, do you think? I uh, Specifically, that one I actually already have minted. It, uh, it's on my foundation, but I don't really, I don't know. I don't want to show myself. I, I feel bad. Like, I know we're all trying to work in this field, but like pushing that, I, at least for me, I, if I don't mentally hold just creating stuff every day is the most important thing, it messes with what I'm going to create and put out. So yes, it definitely is. And I appreciate you, you know, bringing that up, but like, you know, at least for my focus is like, you just have to make stuff. Like I, I think social media's benefit with the stress of like putting out content for creators to say, okay, it's time to do this as much as you can in a good frequency at like, hopefully a good quality. So like also long winded, but <laughs> answer is yes, I guess. Ooh, Omar, we just talked about street photography and I know you're a big street guy. Um, how do you, do you feel like that, that street photography chase? Cause I'm selfishly want to know, like for landscape, we kind of have to wait for situations. You have this opportunity that every time you step out of your house, something interesting can happen to you. So do you feel like you just need to have a camera every second? Like how is that world of street photography where it's like always available outside as long as there's humans doing stuff? How does that like drive you to keep on getting out there? Hey, Jacob. Um, I was actually in the room earlier talking about street photography as well, but uh, I mentioned I was in, I'm in Puerto Rico and I've been like wrestling with getting a uh, good reception. So I've been in and out of the room several times, but, but yeah, I mean, I have a camera with me all the time. Um, and as I mentioned before, you know, it, it's really about 
chasing those moments and knowing when are those right moments. So I think we had that conversation before about how it really changes your your perception of of reality and everything becomes a study. You know, you're really out there all the time waiting for that moment to happen. And it's changed my perspective in life to a point that I'm so much of servant than I was before, that I've been able to put myself in situations that are not at all photography related, but you know, because I'm because I'm looking, then I can suddenly be like, all right, there's someone needs help. And I wouldn't have noticed that someone needed help at that particular moment because uh, otherwise, because photography, street photography has trained me to do that. And one of the other things that I think street photography is great for and has been like great for me is really to understand lighting and understand how to use locations uh, to my advantage when I'm photographing, for example, my dancers in, in the streets. Um, because I've really learned through street photography to think on my, you know, think um, on the spot and be able to adapt to the situation, whatever it is. So I can, you know, use whatever lighting conditions I have to my advantage and also whatever environment I'm in because it's really about taking advantage of whatever is in front of you and turning it into something that is extraordinary. Oh, dude, well said. I think street photography for me holds like I, I love landscapes and I want to be outside for the rest of my life, but I think it's so high value to like the world at large. Like all of my favorite photographers, you know, were just like viewed as historians now. Like, you know, the uh, the street photographers of the 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, 80s is like how we get to view this period of time. So like, at least from the outside looking in, it's like, it's more than like taking pictures of people. Like if you take a bunch of photos now in the era of phones, like that's not a period of time that's going to last forever. And then, you know, knowing some street friends, like that's a big, you know, debate is like, do you want to show them on their phone or do you want this to be like a timeless piece on a human being? But I think like just a huge aspect of this is like, what period of time were you born in that you can create work and you found photography? So like those sections that we can have artists document humans in this like you know, visually interesting way is like, oh my gosh, that is like what we're going to look back at going forward just because like it's a pure documentation of the era. Like I, I selfishly wish it was the 80s and everyone had to have a film camera and we all like rocked around with physical portfolios because like that is like, it just feels very like true documentation of a timepiece. I, I feel like that kind of gets bridged a little bit with NFTs. No, if you mint a, a work or two, um, at least I would assume, but uh, something, shoot, kind of lost my train of thought, but um, I was just thinking, oh yeah, I was just thinking how, like you mentioned, like, do you want to record people on their phones if, you know, that's not going to be what's happening years from now? Um, and I feel like it, it, if it shows what's happening currently, then like it's worthwhile recording. Given I'm not a photographer, so you know I don't take my advice here. Um, but more like in touch in times of like current times, what I've been noticing and wanting to like take pictures of. I mean, I took a picture of it just because I thought it was funny, but it's nothing artsy. Um, I went to a movie theater and the paper towel dispenser has like an image of people like taking the paper dispenser with their elbows instead of like the usual like hand paper dispenser thing. And I just thought that was like really unique to like 
our current pandemic lifestyle where we're avoiding touching things with our hands and um, seeing photography or like seeing those images of like mats that say like six feet away or something like that, like stand six feet away, just seeing if you were able to find some random trash that had a pile of those, like that would be to me very in in like intense and I would probably love that a lot. Dude, I fully agree with that. There was like, I heard a lot of people saying like, if it was okay, especially in the initial where the cities were clear and empty, especially in like heavy downtown traffic, to have that opportunity to shoot landscape or like those of an empty thing is like, that's a dream right there. Especially like solo figures, you know, walking in like New York fog. Saw a lot of that and I was like, oh my gosh. But then, the, you know, there's the backlash. And I think that's a thing with street photography specifically, you know, landscape has these issues of just oversharing locations as well. But how, what is like the borderline that you're willing to invade someone's personal space to create something? And, you know, personally, I think like you should be able to push that as much as you want. Like, I, I know people will get angry. I've had, you know, people chase me down the street because for me, I really like eyeline in terms of like a street photo. And I, I want to stay there until I get that. But um, it's the game of like, when you're taking a truly candid photo of someone, the second, just the second you enter their space, it kind of changes them and their tone, their position. Like when you become unaware and you're sitting in an environment and you can see people kind of drifting off in their own world, that's when I think you have like a very special street photo. And to, to be able to get close to someone and kind in, honestly invade their space and like take something from them, even if it's a photo, I think that needs to be pushed because like there's so much value in that and like be, like beauty in that, that like it's okay to make some people pissed off, I think at least. Hmm. But, you know, it's, it's a thing with street photos. It's like, you know, you have to get up close to people almost uncomfortably. Like it's just, you don't, I guess you don't have to. Every style is different, but that's uh, traditionally speaking. Like, you know, the Joel Merowitz is like the, real life human interactions like that's what it takes sometimes hmm. i hear uh, you uh, sorry uh go ahead and then i can no it. please i'd love to hear your perspective on it since you you're firsthand street photographer and i'm not so <laughs> go ahead please no i was gonna say i actually pinned something to the to the top and it doesn't show the preview but if you go if you go on the on the link you'll see one of the you know one of my photographs my street photographs that are minted right now um and I wanted to share that because precisely what Jacob was talking about, about being able to get as close enough to the, to the action, to the moment, without trying to disturb it and, and really capture the essence of what's happening there. In that photograph that I shared, you know, there, there was this old woman um, looking through a window and I'm actually holding a 35 uh, millimeter lens in that. Um, I mean, a camera with a five, 35 millimeter lens in that photo, so I have to be close enough to get her to feel the frame. Um, and you can see the, you know, you can see part of her face, but then you can see her face completely in the reflection and really capture the emotion that she's feeling towards what she's looking through the window. Um, and I only say that because I think being close to your subjects, it's key to be able to participate in those moments. So street photography is partly. I don't want to say voyeuristic because it isn't, but it's really to be able to witness moments and be close to them, kind of kind of be part of them, but not disturb them so that you can also 
tell that story through your through your photography, and that's really what it's key. And and I agree with you, Jacob, as well. I I sometimes will wait for the moment for the person to actually look at me to then have that reaction, uh, whatever that is, you know. Um, and and those moments are 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 precious when because people will let you know how they feel exactly about about that moment and oftentimes it's very candid um and very and very pure sorry i have this bad habit of just finishing sentences and not letting anyone know that i finished talking <laughs> my bad you're all good it's hard to know when to talk honestly in twitter spaces it's when two people jump at something and, you know, it's a tiptoe on eggshells, but uh, you said it perfect. There's just like, there's just like a millimeter of just like a little bit of time. Uh, that was the wrong verbiage, but like there's this second between someone realizing what you're doing and them being in their own space. And if you get that in between moment, oof, it's kind of like you were talking about with her sitting at a, like she's staring at a reflection or something in that. And like, you can enter that space, but you have to like act quickly and you have to get that. And then, you know, then you can deal with the situation. So I assume you're, you know, you're great with words and you've talked yourself out of plenty of confrontational things because that just comes with the territory. Well, I'll tell you the secret. I was a mime, so I'm not so good with words. <laughs> what I do is that I act stupid, very, you know, I, I act like I'm, like I'm doing something else, you know. But I've, there, there's been different, different situations where people have confronted me um, and, uh, you know, it's just a matter of letting them know, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. And there's there's been different ways I've, I've, I've dealt with confrontation. Um, and sometimes it's just flat out lying because, you know, you don't have to tell the truth. You know, you're not legally obliged. When someone tells you, are you taking my picture? You know, sometimes I go, no. <laughs> you know, because why why do I have to tell you? Um, but, but yeah, every situation is different. I mean, if you want to get philosophical, can you can just, oh, go ahead. Um, just one quick comment. But I guess if you want to get philosophical, you can tell them you're not taking a picture of them, but the moment, okay, I'll leave. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. I just want to jump in and ask a question to some of the photographers. Um, I'm curious, we ran a photography show actually a couple of weeks ago with Accelerate Art, um, this sort of little project I have going for a gallery in CryptoVoxels. And the five photographers we had had little series of photos, kind of four photos each. Um, and we were just chatting with them, kind of discussing the idea that the NFT cultural moment seems to be really drawn to series. Um, and so I'm just curious, like, to what extent you guys would let the kind of photos that you take drift in that direction? Like, are you inclined to do series uh, to try and kind of fit the moment? Or is it something that you would kind of avoid and just stick to the street photography or the landscape photography that you do? When it comes to street photography, you can definitely yeah, have series. And, and I'm sorry, can you hear Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, no, I was just saying that, you know, when it comes to street photography, there's definitely ways to create series. Um, because there's, there, there are things that are repetitive through, through life, right? Omar, you're cutting off. 
Oh no, he warned us about this. <laughs> I'm sorry, Omar, you've cut out completely now. Oh, well, as Omar gets, a... oh, we almost heard you there. But uh, the series question is great. You know, series is, I think, the way, you know, maybe not the way photos should be, but I love photo books and I want to look at a collection or body of work. And I think the prompting making more of that into like a thoughtful piece is like, that is awesome. Like it only benefits the viewer and the creator. But um, sometimes, you know, landscape moments for me is like you get that perfect image. You spend a long time getting a single image. So it's almost like the sets could be theme based more than specific shoots because you might just have a bunch of options of one and it's better just to choose your best. But um, I, you know, as a creator was just making stuff I, you know, back in the day, I was just living at my mom's making stuff on a computer. And like, I didn't have that, you know, idea of just having to make multiple collections. But when I wanted to, you know, work in the field and work for companies, you can't just give them one photo unless it's a photo license. So I had to really, you know, flip my gears and be like, how, you know, just like a film, how can you get connecting shots to tell the story? Like, uh, how can I, you know, if it's just a campfire night, like maybe you have like a, a close up of someone cutting wood and like leading into the fire being created. Like it, with series, you have so much more time to show an idea that I think that's where it really benefits because, you know, one photo is a single moment you know, obviously it can be long exposed or anything like that, but you get one visual image and you have to make a whole story. You're going to visualize it and you're like, oh, this is how I feel about this. But if you get a collection of things, you, you can have this whole congruency of just going through a scene or an experience that like almost like video just gives you just more more to show and more to like tell to create something. So at least that's how I feel about it. I think it's just going to benefit everyone that's, you know, the viewer and the creator. Part of why I ask is I love the sort of sense of communal ownership that happens when an artist puts out a series and a lot of people kind of are drawn to the work, right? So in kind of this original collectible sense, like I know D's and Purple Hat through punks. I've seen this with Justin Aversano's Twin Flames, like there's a hundred of those people buy it, this kind of collaboration and community that comes around this like common thread of their work. Um, and so I just, I kind of love that idea that there can be a series, like you're saying, it's intentional. Photographers can kind of take the time to tell a story that's a longer form kind of format. Uh, but it also lets collectors come in and say, like, we can communally praise you by owning your work. Do you know what I mean? Ooh, I think I actually misunderstood the whole first part. You're talking about owning a multi-set series of like a image, like a one of 100, so to speak, right? I think it could apply to both. Um, so if you have a single image, I mean, technically speaking, the CryptoPunks image is just one uh, image that we all would own kind of a small fraction of. And in that way, it's a collective ownership. Um, but something like uh, Justin Aversano's kind of 100 Twin Flames, those are all independent photos, but part of the same series. So you end up having kind of a convergence of people who like his work, own his work, um, and can come around that series together and kind of build community around it. So it's just interesting to me to think like, okay, if, if you're a photographer, do you do a series um, that, that tells you this story, multiple works, um, but other kind of collectors can come along and own a piece of the story each. 
um, and like therefore be connected to each other as well as your work. Um, does that kind of tell it better? Dude, that's, you know, it's funny you say that because the photo community is like doing that right now, at least. I've noticed, you know, three or four people this week start to list like a group setting of like 50 or 30 or 100. And, you know, I have, you know, buddies I'm talking with and like we want to own each other's work, like especially for the artists, like, you know, it's pretty expensive what we do. But more than that, like I want to own my buddy's work. So now that I saw other artists doing series, I like bought like four or five pieces in one day. And I was like, oh, shit, I need to watch my ETH account. But like it's so cool to like be part of the collecting community from the photo side that like series at least give me the opportunity to own my friend's work. And like, yeah, I could go buy a print, but like I want to like, you know, I want to collect it, too. So like I think that's super beneficial. And to have work that hopefully sells out of that series. So it is kind of like, a oh, you had to be ready for them to drop it. I think that's super cool. And I would love to see that more in the photo side. And I know people who are going to drop a series soon. And I, the first thing I'm going to do is like try to buy it first. Cause I, you know, I selfishly just want to collect something at least. So yeah, I think the series is a super cool concept and I hope they do a range of like, not just one of 100s, but like, I want like a one of three, a one of five, one of 10, just so it feels like, Hey, I got this and it's, you know, it's like a, not like a trading card, but like I have this creation and I can participate too. So I think it's essential for anybody not spending one of ones. I love that. Hey everyone. Uh, so I don't know where you lost oh. me uh, previously. Oh. Were you going to go, Sorry, Omar? I, I just want to try something uh, about the series. Yeah, if I, if I can just add something quickly about the series. I don't know where, where you lost me uh, previously. I, I, I know my connection, my connection uh, dropped. Uh, but I just wanted to, to add, because I don't know if you guys were able to hear me, um, about the series thing that in street photography, that is something that is very possible because uh, themes repeat throughout you know throughout life and um for example i posted uh here on twitter a series that i a short series of a part of a larger series that i created about fatherhood so i was photographing uh father figures uh on the streets of new york city for example so that's for example a, a theme or a subject that can be exploited throughout um, a larger series as you were as someone was mentioning i forgot uh, i think it was ben uh, that was talking about series. So that's definitely a, a way that you can also explore a theme uh, through a larger body of work and make it, you know, a series. Hey, I wanted to, uh, I was a listener for a little bit of time and I heard Ben's question about series and themes through photography. I'm a photographer, but I'm also a digital artist. I'm also a 3D artist i'm also a helicopter mechanic i do a lot of everything um i don't approach photography in the sense that you need to have a series for everything you know i'll, I'll have an idea for a series i just did a percussion series recently um just because it was an idea i had i was talking to my daughter about something was like you know what i'm going to photograph that so i did but then previous to that the previous series i did or previous groupings of photos was coca-cola bottles with a nostalgic feel to the images it wasn't something to add on to you know taking pictures of of drums doing what i wanted them to do which was exploding paint off the drum and capturing what the exploding paint was um 
is not the same thing as Coca-Cola bottles with a nostalgic ad feel. And yet they both add to my body of work and my skill as a photographer and creator, because why limit yourself to, I only shoot, you know, alleyways because that's all I shoot and that's only what I shoot. And I'm the best alleyway photographer. But if you had to move someplace to the forest and there was no more alleyways, what are you going to do then? You're going to have to reinvent how your camera works and how you approach creativity. You know, I, I fell into a photographer, not a role, but a photography idea. Um, after I got injured uh, a couple years ago, uh, playing drums for 20 plus years. And I stepped off of a curb and fractured my ankle and couldn't play drums. And photography was my way to extend that creativity of percussion to, uh, and also to curb the depression that was setting in because I couldn't play my drums. Um, so from, from that aspect or from that point of view uh, of being a percussionist, where there is no one genre of music, you know, I play jazz, funk, metal, speed metal, you know, rock and roll, everything. I play it all in between. So I take that same idea and put that towards photography in the sense that, you know, that I'm, you know, I'm in control behind the camera. So all of the themes is just me going, I'm going to create that. I'm going to make that. And that's what it is. You know, it's just Dave doing Dave things. It's not necessarily a, well, my theme here is, you know, the juxtaposition of whatever, you know, starscapes and city lights, which, man, that's a great idea for uh, a theme shoots and how you can kind of merge those together, how a city could look like a universe or a circuit board. But, you know, I don't, I don't feel that, I personally, I have to stick with something the entire time. I'll, the next time I grab my camera and shoot something, it might be something completely different from what I've shot before. And I'm done with that answer. Dude, I fully agree. Not everything has to be a series. When I see the most important series for me, like, uh, you know, Cape of Light by Joel Merowitz. He's a historic, like, photographer. Like, I see series as an opportunity to show, like, a body of work. Like, if you've been shooting, you know, 40 to 60 years, and obviously this is not necessary to make a series, but if you can, like, show, uh, like, every blue hour, like, your favorite blue hour collection you caught over that time, like, as, like, a person just interested in looking at it as a collection, especially if it was, like, a physical book, oh, my God, I'm, like, losing my mind. Like, if you've caught you know, a series of like, you know, father figures, you said, like on the street, Omar, like, I'm looking at that book. And I'm thinking, wow, this is beautiful. But I'm also thinking about my own dad, because you know, we're all human, and we're going to relay it to our lives. So like, the more you flip through that, like, you're gonna obviously see a collection of work, but you're gonna like have this idea embedded so deep, that you're just gonna like start having memories pop up, because, you know, you're human, you're gonna emotionally respond to it. So like, I would love just to see, I think that you know, epitome of like a body of work for a photographer is either a gallery showing or like a book. And this is like, this is my final edit of this idea or this theme or this topic. And this took this long to make and now it's done and it is cohesive. And 
I think that's where sets and series shine. Um, sets more or less, I say that because of like, you know, a collection of one to 10, but like a full portfolio of the similar topic that takes a, a really long time to build. And like, if it's done well, it's like, it's beautiful. Like there's just, it's no way around seeing how much effort it takes to put these collections together, especially when you know it's not from the same day. Like that is someone really meticulously going through their work and their life and like trying to create a cohesive set. So yeah, you know, photo books top of the list for me. And I kind of just got into that more or less recently in the last like two, three years. But now that I see that, you know, these historic greats were like, hey, Joel Merowitz made a book about, you know, photos of flowers in New York over 40 years. And now they're not all just close-ups on flowers. They're anything to do with a flower that fits that color theme and that same film stock. So like, you know, series 10 out of 10, fully on board for that. Oh yeah, definitely. That's like, that's like capitalizing off of the work you've worked, especially if you have a body of work extending 30 to 40 years, you can capitalize off that and, say hey you know what i look through all of my images and i have a whole bunch of images of broken glass let's make a broken glass book or a broken glass series or maybe that was your idea initially to i'm going to make a series of coffee cups i'm just going to photograph coffee cups for the next however many months or however many years and that's all i'm going to do but that's not necessarily defining the photographer is he's the coffee cup photographer um but Obviously, there's a merit to having a series or thematic when you release something, um, especially if there's, you know, in the NFT space, there's, you know, the benefit of community and togethership regarding, you know, hey, look, we're all we're all on the coffee cup crew because we all have, you know, uh, you know, Brendan North's coffee cup photos or whatever. If he ever decided to do something like that, then people could have <laughs> People could have their own special coffee cup that was photographed by him. And then you never know. I mean, that could turn into something different. Now you have, you know, whatever, turn it into a PFP or something like that. And now you have, you know, pixelated coffee cups to go with the prints, to go with the physical that maybe down the road you get that's linked to an NFT and it's always on chain. And there's a, you know, bonding curve and this and that and tokenomics as far as, the NFT space is concerned, but as far as art's concerned, man, art just wants you to make it as far as that, you know, as far as that is. But yeah, there's definitely merit to, to a theme or a series as long as it's organic and not forced. I, <laughs> well, I mean, there's a little bit to say to that. Sorry. Uh, there's a, there's one thing to say to that is that uh, it can also be a great motivator for creativity, you know, and you obviously don't work on one only on one thing and only one thing you know i have several series going on uh that just motivate me to 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 create different things and i can do them either simultaneously or at different moments but there's definitely not the one thing that i that i do um forever and ever and ever you know um to give you an example you know i i have my dance photography that's something that the world has known me for but at the same time i do different things in street photography um i did a series long time ago in harlem where i live uh just going out every sunday morning to photograph the people going to church just because they wear this you know like great hats and they they have a very 
you know, bubbly attitude. So that was just a that was a motivator motivator for me at the moment because I was afraid of doing close up portraits of people that I didn't know. So I just started to do that. Uh, so you know, it, it's a little bit simplistic to say that because you're doing one series, you're doing that your whole life. Actually, it's 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 more interesting because you're setting yourself different goals and you're creating different sets of bodies of work. If I could, if I could just chime in real quick uh, to to Dave's point earlier, um, I think there's a lot of merit to creating series, but the overarching theme does not have to be the same the entire time the common thread behind work can be as simple as being from the same artist if you're the person creating it that can be the theme um i think there's actually strength you know behind an artist being able to create their own style and define themselves uh and at the same time not copying themselves over and over and over again uh to try to you know create a series. Uh, you can have standalone pieces, you can have uh, thematically similar pieces, uh, and they can all, you know, be from the same artist. I, I'm more of a conceptual photographer. So my, you know, my series that I create uh, are very, very defined, you know, so I'll, I'll take on like my first series that I released as NFTs was my digital daydream series. It focused on sort of futurism and virtual reality, the digital space. Uh, and now my current series is taking on Renaissance paintings. So I'm, you know, trying to create these series, but the common thread between them, they are from me. That's, that's what it comes down to. I think that's a super good point. Like, I, you know, if you are familiar with someone's work to the extent that you can recognize their stylization, like you just want them to shoot different 100%. things because like they'll just make cool stuff. If you give them like, if, especially if they outline the, the topic themselves, cause like, and you get someone's mind to wander and not saying like confinements doesn't make you think differently. Cause I think they're useful tools, but like, if some artist that's developed their style is shooting something, they're going to be cohesive to an extent. Like the artist naturally has this bias of like things they don't like and things they do like, and it will filter through all the way at the end. And then you get this cohesive stylization that says, Hey, I recognize this because, you know, Brendan shot this or like down here, Chad, you know, shoots P and W stuff and Cody down here shoots fog. I know if I see someone else's photo, that's not theirs. Or if you see their photo first, just because you develop these just just biases that you're going to edit towards. So like, I definitely see, you know, a series just being whatever someone creates, because they're naturally just going to push that. And, you know, artists starting out, that's the most stressful thing. It's like, what is what is my personal style? What do I want? And I think that just comes from making a bunch of stuff and looking at stuff too. you know, to the extent of like, you have an opportunity always to create, but you can study other people's work. And that doesn't mean just scrolling through your phone very quickly. That means like staring directly at an image. I, you know, I'm kind of weird. I like to flip an image upside down. I'm trying to like defocus my eyes a little bit, look at the shapes. Like you can read a lot and study someone's image. And then you pick up those cues of like what their style is. If it's, you know, a base tone of shadows, a consistent contrast, a consistent like use of a different, you know, tool or element to capture it. Like there's definitely 
uh, a personal mark you create. So yeah, anything you create over time, you're, you're going to make it definitely a series on just your own stylization. To me as like a art enthusiast, more than an artist, um, I feel like that's kind of the sign an artist has made it in my mind, like independent of whether they've sold numbers in terms of money or have followers or whatever. If I can like discern that this is the style, this is the through line. Um, I feel like that's immediately my moment of kind of passion. Like I did a lot of pottery when I was younger, um, kind of flirted with art school and didn't, didn't end up pursuing that path. But for the friends that I did that with, I could tell uh, if we had like 40 vases on a table, um, which one my friends was. Because you can immediately tell the like human fingerprint behind it. Um, now that's a much more like tactile medium. And maybe uh, it's a little bit different with photography, but similarly, like some of the photographers I know, you can just tell. It's like, oh, that's like his just his vibe or her style. Um, so this is a really good point to bring up, Brendan. I think what I was kind of reaching for is just that idea of collectibles almost, maybe dripping in in influence to how photographers shoot to say like, just not that that might be a good or a bad thing, um, but just maybe people would be influenced by that to kind of do a linked thematic series. Um, but I definitely agree that over time, like a body of work um, has that through line that you can really just tell, hey, this is uniquely um, this person's work. Uh, absolutely. I think it's going to be interesting to see how uh, maybe photography enters the collectible space. Um, like Cody was saying earlier, or sorry, no, it was Jacob. You, okay, you guys have the same profile picture and you just switch places. <laughs> it's um, actually the same jacket as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh taken like as, 30 seconds apart <laughs> did you guys did you guys shoot each other yeah incredible uh, you know, uh, yeah <laughs> but yeah, continue on your thought <laughs> but what what jacob had said earlier uh we've been seeing at least for the landscape photographers in the space uh for the last week we've seen the drops of the editions of 100 um at a more affordable price range I loved what Jacob said where he wants to see something that is an addition of three, an addition of five. Um, that, I think, is more accurate to how the real art world works. Um, for, you know, $100, $200, dollars $300, however you know, much ETH you set these things at, um, you're not you're not really giving people that value when it's an addition of 100 We saw the same issues happen with um nifty gateway drops on the open editions i jumped in on one early on in the space i bought uh i bought a piece and it ended up being an addition of god like 250 by the time the uh the drop was up and it it pretty much became worthless immediately after i could you can't give it away now um so i think seeing those editions come into the space for photography but at a smaller scale really looking forward to seeing uh how people implement that um and i'm actually i've got a concept for <laughs> photography collectibles we'll see how that works if uh if the time is right but yeah there's a lot of ways to implement this in the space so it's, it's going to be an exciting next few months um may i chime in on to something that we're talking about um uh, i'm new to the space my and um, i just wanted to talk about something with how photographers are approaching NFTs and how um, I think their approach is a little bit different um, and it's more of ill education because they're going in expecting that they're going to make a lot of money going into it and what they don't know is that the whole space is completely different than the Instagram space. So 
talking about dropping a hundred, they're trying to come in a very hard and aggressive into a market that you don't understand. And um, sorry, I didn't introduce myself. I'm part of a big, like I'm a photographer, digital artist based in Toronto. And um, I'm also part of a space where a lot of street photographers chime in into Discord. And uh, part of what happened was when the pandemic hit, a lot of uh, uh, people lost their jobs. And uh, I even had to stop my, uh, I used to have a portrait side business that I had to shut off because the whole uh, city was uh, under lockdown. So I haven't practiced portraits for almost a year and a half. But what I've seen was when Beeple and uh, the NFT market kind of went and spiked, um, a lot of people just went on and they started minting a lot and they lost a lot of money. And what I'm seeing with a lot of big influencers on um, like the Instagram space, they pretty much didn't sell anything and um, they got a lot of negative feedback. And I think part of the whole thing is we need to educate this new generation coming in from photographers to try and approach it in a very different thing because photography is completely different than digital paintings. Photography could work in Instagram and uh, you can scroll through it. But if you're actually looking for a person to go and actually take details and take a look at that picture, I think they're approaching it different. So my idea is like, we need to like, we have to have some good influencers that teach them the right way to go and approach it because it's, uh, it's very new and it's, um, it needs to be educated. What do you think the right way to approach photography is? I think for what I'm talking about myself, I think maybe maybe it's just a way, like minting 100 and 250 pieces is not the right way to approach it. Because when you go in and you're talking about minting a bunch of collections, right? And they have to have a theme. So if you go and approach it as if you're approaching a story, if you're doing like a storytelling and part of the mint comes with... Um, I would say like a printout or maybe uh, behind the scenes that could be maybe um, enticing for the um, for the collector. Maybe that could be that could be something. What do you guys think? I think prints honestly are such a big aspect of doing like the NFT side. Like obviously, you know, like you said earlier, like definitely people came over jumping ship to like look at an opportunity to make money. Like let's not pretend that's not real because a lot of these artists are doing, you know, whatever it takes to make it in the art form and like doing that in the wrong way obviously looks bad, but you can, you can tell that off someone's actions. Like it's, it's definitely noticeable, but um, in terms of like smaller collections, I do agree. I want smaller collections personally as an owner. Now, did I buy pieces of one of 100s? Yeah. Because like at the end of the day, I'm trying to support my friend that like, I just want to, like actually add to the conversation and say like, Hey, I own this piece by you. It's pretty cool. Like, you know, I just, uh, I just like met Shamlam earlier this week and he like, you know, gave me a hug and he's like, Oh, thanks for buying one. I'm like, wow. You know, it's, it's cool to just be able to contribute to somebody, but 
to own something like a, a set of five and they're like numbered and they're signed as a print. Like that's where you see it enter like the traditional art world where you're like, whoa, you have number four. I have number two. That's that's cool. Like you can you can have that camaraderie and you can have like that value of something. But then it goes like, what is the quantity? Because like, you know, you do a one of 100 and they all come with prints. Technically, you're getting the same product. But the exclusivity of saying like, oh, you had to get this soon enough. And like, this is like a collection of three. Like that just makes it more valuable. It's just like, it's cool, at least as a, you know, from the photo and the collecting side to be like, no, I have, you know, one of three and it's number one. Like you feel extra special when you have like, you know, a rare thing as the first edition. So I do think like collections will be more, you know, more widely available in the future, but let's see, you know, how the community reacts. Cause like once a thing starts in the community, that, that just spreads like wildfire it becomes the standard when enough people do the same thing. So I hope people start to lean towards that side. Well, you know, we'll have I, to see. Like those, those big additions I think aren't really meant for like collectors they're meant for your friends and, and at least what I've seen like with the people who are listing those a lot, they're they're listing them so their friends can afford their work because like we're all artists, we all don't have or for the most part we don't have five ETH to spend on our friends like one of one. So to be able to buy a, a one of one hundred for like eighty bucks, whatever it is, point point zero four ETH or or whatever is super nice. It's like I can support my friend and I don't think they're aiming to have collectors like come and invest in that kind of work. Cause a lot of those people who do have the big additions also have like either sold or listed at least really high quality one of one pieces. So I like both like the small edition, like five sounds awesome. A one of one is also awesome. And a one of 100 is just cool because your friends are able to support you in that way. Cody, do you see importance in sort of the quality of work being minted between uh, a one of one and an, and an edition of 100? Should a should an artist try to really define the difference between those two? Because um, I, I feel like that should be um, yeah. fairly clear. Yeah, they definitely should. It's like it's hard yeah. to define it, though. That's the hard part. I, I'm like thinking right For now sure. about what how do I pick a picture that's still good? It's not really good, but it's also still desirable, like that my friends will want to buy for like a bigger edition. But it should definitely, if you're rating your work on a one to 10 scale, it's not your 10 out of 10. It's not your nine out of 10 either. It's like your seven or eight out of 10 piece. That's going to be your like really big edition, if that makes sense. I, I agree completely. Um, when I go about my work, there are shoots that are far more, you know, complex, higher production, um, you know, they're very large scale concept photos. Uh, those I 100% intend to be my one of ones. Uh, but I don't want to box myself into that um, and have to create something that scale every single time I take my camera out. Uh, and if I'm able to create a high quality piece that maybe isn't at that scale, um, but can be, you know, additioned at three or five at a more affordable um, price point. I think there's a huge benefit to that. And I hope that becomes more and more accepted in the photography NFT space. Yeah, definitely. And in, in, in like, in terms of landscape photography, it's like, 
I'm never going to list like the rarest conditions I've ever gotten as my one of 100 piece or something like that. Because like for a landscape photographer, that's our high production shoot, I'll say. <laughs> it's our peak conditions at our peak location kind of um, shots. So yeah, it's like for me, I'm just going to list like what I consider a good fog wave shot. That's what I'm known for, but it's not my best fog wave shot not even close in my opinion it's just like something really good that i'm still proud of but it's not not like the best thing i've ever shot if that makes sense dude make your mona lisa one of 1000 my mona lisa (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i i 100 agree with both these guys like that is nail on the head like it should scale like if you have a variety of pieces at different price points like you know personally i feel like I came into the space and then, you know, I got in through Cody, you know, we shoot a lot, you know, obviously you can tell by the profile picture, but, uh, when I got in, I was, I thought, you know, early NFT days, like you're giving away your full rights. So I'm like, shit, I can't even do my favorite one. Like I, at the end of the day, like, you know, money's cool, but like, I'm not going to give away my like baby, like screw that. So I thought I had to upload it something in that, that bracket range where you're like very proud. It's pretty hard to get. And it's something, you know, someone wants. But like, you know, now seeing that like people are coming in guns blazing with just their best of their best, like make those prices scale. Like if you have an insane thing, like make that your most expensive piece. Like, are you kidding me? And if you have something that's great, like you can still list it, but like you should reflect the effort in the piece. Like, you know, someone's going to interpret it how they do it. But, you know, as the artist creating it, like how, you know, much money you might have spent making the concept or how far you drove to get this or how rare the conditions are so like you know there's definitely levels to it and like having a high level from a high level artist that's like insane collectability right there yeah dude so this is this is something that i think uh is an important note that you just made the the demand of a piece in in the traditional art world an artist sells at a range you know you have your extremely high demand pieces the ones that Say say you have 10 pieces, each of them are editions of three. They're all very limited, but some of them are far higher demand. You're, you know, you're, get, you're fielding inquiries for that piece very, very frequently. And then at the bottom of that pile, you're fielding inquiries for another piece very, very infrequently. That less demand piece should have a lower price point and the higher demand piece should have a higher price point. Uh, it's not that this up only sort of, uh, this up only sort of mentality as like in the NFT space, it like where (laughs) we have to sell each piece at a higher price point than the last is not really, I don't think it's sustainable because eventually we'll outprice everybody. Um, and I, I think, yeah, just having a range of demand, having a range of quality, having a range of prices, uh, as we sort of mature in this space is, is going to be the future. Going to what Jacob says, like uh, an analogy that I put on, like I was thinking about this, uh, what they're talking right now when it comes to backs and stuff. It's like throwing darts in a, uh, at, a, at a wall. You know, you're going to hit that bullseye and that's your one of one, the most expensive. But all the other ones that are new to that bullseye. It's like, it's like those are your open editions or whatever. It's something that you could still put on that you're proud of. Of course, it's not that bullseye, but it's like it's something that you're proud of putting on, you're happy with. And, you know, it's, all, it's just like what you're saying to yourself, Brent. Um, 
blend and like and every everything cannot be uh higher scale or like you always have to up um your next piece always has to be the most expensive because that's not sustainable right so you always got to look at it in, in a, a different fashion a different manner from you know from all the um your perspectives and stuff and you know the insights both y'all are giving is is really like something that's really needs to be known in the nft world because not everything can be a one of one it has to be more expensive than the last that is not sustainable at all especially that there's more artists in this space compared to collectors there got to be that sustainability and healthy thing for the market in this space and yeah that's that's all i wanted to get off in my head <laughs> i really like what you guys are saying i just wanted to chime in and say i think that's one of the biggest challenges when you're first coming in as a photographer is like where do i price things um, I, I license images to brands and know what brands will pay for photos. And this entering this whole art space is super challenging because you know, the effort you put in and what it takes to make your own images, but what does someone else, how did that, how does someone else value what you've captured? I think that's one of the biggest challenges I've found is, uh, where do I price this at? I know what it took me to make this and where I can sell this elsewhere or on a stock photography site, but like. I think just entering the space in general and looking at other people's pieces and understanding the effort and work you put in and, and understanding where to price things has been one of the biggest challenges. It It's really hard to sort of let go of the idea like, this is the photo that I put everything into. Uh, so I think it should be the most expensive. I think photographers and artists in general sort of need to let go of that a little bit because the onlooker the viewer at the end of the day probably doesn't really care how far you drove to took a photo they care about what the photo says to them it's entirely up to their interpretation does the photo resonate with them or does it not i don't think um you know your effort is the precedent uh in the pricing so yeah it's take that with a grain of salt i guess yeah super interesting i think i think part of it is not a lot of people don't really understand how much struggle and how much time goes into taking one picture you could be waiting a whole week for the sky to uh, to get to get clear just to take that one one sunset that you want or take that aurora in iceland where i actually had to fly out to iceland for a week and uh, it was raining the whole week so i couldn't i couldn't do anything so i went back home with with nothing really so all of that all of that has to be uh, somehow portrayed with with the minting process. Let's say if you end up taking a picture, I want to take my collector, my buyer into that experience with me, not just through one picture. If I can t- try and tell him a story with how I got to that picture, maybe that will be a lot more valuable because when you see the art or you see like the painting, you can see, all, oh, I can see a stroke. I can try and interpret it in a different way. And if you see a painting on the wall, like two different people have different interpretations, but the picture, it tells you a story. And sometimes the story is very similar from one person to the other. But the one thing that we can tell is how we got there and how do you want the viewer to live that moment with you? So if it's raining, I I think, I think that's one of the things, one of the earlier, uh, speakers today, like she was, uh, her name, but she, she had uh, a whole reel of uh, um, like almost an intro or, 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 or like a trailer. 
Correct. Yeah. Like she had a complete trailer. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, holy crap, this is fucking cool. Like I would definitely support that hundred percent. So I think that's one thing that we need to do as photographers to portray that story to the new collector and new, um, the new, this new, new uh, space that, that, that we're being introduced at and try and be different. I agree completely. I mean, for so the larger conceptual shoots that I'm doing, pretty much every single one that I've done, I have created a pretty in-depth sort of behind-the-scenes video to show exactly what went into creating this piece. Um, so photography is one of those art forms that has become so uh, mainstream in the fact that everybody has an amazing camera on their phone now, and we all think... I've taken a photo before. Like, I know what it takes to take a photo, but do they really know what it takes to create what we've done? It, you know, and showing them is probably the only way that we're going to make them understand the value behind that. Um, so, yeah, nailed it on the head, Mustafa. I agree completely. Just to jump in on the price point thing, too, I, uh, this is like the most common thing I hear with the struggle with creators and pricing, not even as much of like the pricing aspect, but like, how do you value yourself? Like, holy, that, that is like a terrifying thing. It's like, is this my value? If I sell a piece at that, is that like my value? And like, I think, you know, it should scale with that experience and skill set a lot. Like Ben down here, I see him in the chat. Like, I don't want, if I purchase something from Ben and it's a good one of one, I don't want him to charge low. Like he's developed skills for years and he shoots a lot and it's good conditions and he worked on a craft. Like, I think that needs to be valued appropriately. But then, you know, you have newer artists coming in and then like, say they listed something super high, never got a sale, you know, listed super low, got a sale. Now they think they're like, oh, now, well, I'm not worth as much as this person next to me. And like, dude, that's that's painful for a lot of people. And it's it's so withdrawn from the money aspect. It's like, how am I getting judged by the community in that sense? And like, that's just the I feel like the hardest part about that, because like you do have to like interpret like what it's going to be valued and like everything leading up to that point is part of it it's not just the image like you're a person who's created stuff back to back people are recognizing you know your work or they enjoy you as an artist and like for you to you know put that in a price point is important but like to worry about that is the only thing oh i'm not i'm not a 10 eth sale artist it's like okay yeah and a 10 eth is it going to be a legendary photo by a legendary photographer and if it sells like that, feel proud because that opportunity is now available for everyone else. Like they literally just paved the way on a, such a, a cool thing. Like be excited for people. So like it's definitely something stressful. And I know if anybody else is stressed about it, like, yeah, it's going to come with stress. You should take it seriously because it matters. But like at the end of the day, like everything that you do works towards that direction. So like do more stuff, you know, make a video, like put in the effort and people will see the effort. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Hey, guys. Just uh, want to say good day from Australia. And, um, yeah, if it's all right. Yeah, just say I, I agree with what you're saying there, um, Jacob. I think it was Jacob. Um, yeah. Sorry, just with the, the photography side of things, it's like you can easily look at the numbers and base it all on kind of looking and worrying about, like, what everyone else is doing or – you know, going, oh, you see the sales and the trending kind of um, bids going on on foundation and 
you know, that's, that's great. Like at first you're like, Oh wow, I need that. I want a bit of that. I, I, I can do that. I've got a piece like that. And you go, what the hell? I'll just put it on and someone will see it, you know, but then realistically it's not well, what I've found out and kind of look, you know, in the last sort of three or four weeks was I've had my work on foundation is, is I don't now, honestly, I, I don't even care if I sell a piece, um, for I, like, it's not about the money it's more just about the sort of appreciation you know because it's such a new platform and a new way of doing things and such a um collaboration and a, and a like a mixture of different um genres and types of art and collectors and so on that re- like i don't think anything like this has happened before where people can literally all just jump in together and you know talk like this so productively and um, positively uh, it's been really cool journey just for myself anyway and I think I'll probably speak for a lot of others that I've sort of met in these spaces it's really um, it's it's kind of addictive I was in a space last night and the first thing a guy said was hello blah, 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 my name is so-and-so and I've been an NFT addict for three weeks now <laughs> it was quite funny and um, <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> but at the same time I feel like so is so what? Yeah, be addicted to this. Like, how? It's, it's good. I mean, other than perhaps a few late nights or uh, a few late, like I had a late dinner date the other night because I was in a space talking about something, and you know, I was like, like supercharged. I think, I, yeah, it was like a full moon just started rising up here on um, the east coast of Australia, just as I was finishing a uh, a photo shoot for a client, and I. Uh, I was like, I'd already put my cameras away and I was like, oh, got to get back to see the family and have dinner. And, and I was like, oh, sh- shit, the moon's coming up over the horizon. I was like, oh, man, that that's like, it wasn't anything to do with even the NFT sort of side of things, but just for the client. They were standing there and we were watching. I was like, got to get my camera back out. And But then I wanted to tell everyone about it as well. It sort of came up in the chat in the space and um, it was really cool. Anyway, so I'm, I'm rambling, but you know what I mean? It's uh, don't worry so much about the numbers and the price points and there's no really real set figure you know on any of that but other than just sort of be humble and just be super stoked for anyone else around you that's you know making those sales or just creating amazing work because like already since i've joined the the space i'm like oh my god like i want to get out and shoot more landscape um stuff and um bit it's a bit tricky now for us We've just gone into another lockdown, but uh, that's not the end of the world. But I shoot a lot of surf and ocean and wave photography stuff around here and with my drone, so I can still do all of that, um, and that's cool. So um, what was I going to say? Yeah, just basically it's just giving me more fire to my, you know, more fuel for my fire of what I'm doing. And, and you know, if I get one of those freak shots along the way, that's I think personally I think all my shots are pretty rare. That, that that would be, um, well, very much worth putting into this space because um, otherwise they kind of sit there on a hard drive and you might look at them, your friends and see them, occasionally get some printed and I've got a friend with a gallery, which is great. Um, but it's kind of a, that such a very local kind of um, network of people physically, you know, with a gallery, it's kind of you're limited by the physical bounds of how far people are willing to travel to view your work other than online but then you don't get this chance to really explain explain yourself and what you do and why you do it 
So, yeah, anyway, I'll shut up now, guys. Sorry. Thanks for letting me have five minutes. Uh, it's just cool hearing you all speak. And, yeah, you guys have got some incredible work. Um, Jacob, I've just started following you. Um, or I've been following a lot of you now. And, um, yeah, all your Instagrams as well. So, thanks, guys. If I may add to that, oh, um, like the number one thing I learned from this space, right, besides patience is passion. You, you, know, you just got to keep on having that drive and stuff. Not only celebrate the small victories of yourself and the big ones, but also your peers. Like I've seen people from March when the big, you know, all NFT things start exploding. They didn't get really enough traction or whatever. But then now here when you know, there's a lot of people quitting, you know, the people that's like, really keep on going regardless if they're, be, they're being seen or not they're now like you know getting the recognition they deserve it's just it's that passion just that drive of course there's burnout form or whatever but you gotta just keep going <laughs> like i haven't gotten any sales yet i'm planning stuff you know i can't say too much but it's like i've seen the small people you know that never made any sales so now are booming they're like oh i'm like wow okay you got the recognition you deserve and they're also not only doing that but they're also trying to raise and uplift, you know, not only their victories, but their peers and all that stuff. And that's what I love, you know, that's what I like, like seeing. Yeah, I, th I think. Sorry, go ahead, Mustafa. Go. Okay, I, I just want to say, like, you nailed it on the head there. I think it's so hard to compete with someone who's having fun. Bottom line, doesn't matter how much money you make. If you're having fun with it, how can you compete with that? That's just, that's what drives you, man. Like, crazy. But uh, yeah, like I completely agree with what everyone was saying. Like now the main thing is because everyone is being driven by the numbers and the money and the ETH. And one of the biggest thing is that we have to unlearn all of that and unlearn everything that drives us and try and be driven back with passion and try and go back with it and give it everything that we own and we can. And and that's 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 the true power. And, and that's what doesn't make us quitters it, because most people that quit really don't want don't want it bad enough i think and and that's that's the main that's the main difference between the people that like you're saying like some people start small and then they grow and some people just want it now and and i think we've been indoctrinated by you know the amazon prime where we just order something and it's there in a few hours and uh and it's something that we've been growing with and it's when you go on and try and uh and try and earn something the hard way, it becomes very daunting and different. Um, and that's the one thing I think that we need to understand and we need to uh, educate people. And, and a lot of youngsters that are growing up now, I feel for them that it's going to be a very uphill battle, uh, in my opinion, but uh, maybe I'm wrong and I hope I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Uh, unlearning that immediate gratification is going to be a big step, especially in a time in this space where many artists have been here for months and they either have, you know, no sales or very few sales uh, or things have really slowed down. Um, sort of going back to why you started, you know, the, the question of, you know, why, why did I get into photography in the first place? Why did I start creating in the first place? Was it because I thought I was going to make a ton of ETH? No. Uh, that, that was not why you started. Um, and you can't let that be the reason you, uh, continue, you know, uh, we're here for the art, you know, you started because you wanted to create and to go back to what Jacob and actually all of you have just said over the last few minutes, uh, said there's, there's very little relativism in this space. So 
what Jacob said, you know, sort of struck a chord for me. There are legendary photographers that have entered this space who have struggled to find uh, sales. And that, you know, for them, it, I can't imagine what that must, you know, look like. They're like, what is going on in this space? You know, uh, you know, people that have never sold a print in their lives uh, are making these massive sales. And here I am with, you know, auction houses and galleries across the planet selling my stuff, but I can't sell an NFT. So for smaller artists um, to sort of compare themselves, it's, it's a really difficult task in this space because that, that relativism doesn't really exist. Uh, so you really have to focus in on yourself. Don't pay attention to all the noise around you. Don't get discouraged by the numbers you see floating around and the success of others. Focus in on your own war work, your own participation in the space, your engagement. Um, what value are you adding to this community? And, you know, how can you improve your work? How can you make it more valuable? Uh, those are the questions you should be asking yourselves, not why am I not selling? Um, why does nobody, you know, recognize how much effort I put in? That is, you know, that's the downfall right there. You, you say, I put everything into this photo and it didn't sell. Maybe the space isn't for me. I, I say maybe you need to try something, you know, a little bit more innovative, maybe, you know, shift, try something new. Um, there's a million possibilities here. So yeah, it's not the end all be all. It's like, instead of being like discouraged by other people's numbers, cause you're never going to avoid seeing them in social media. It's like way, impossible to way too avoid in this space. I agree. <laughs> yeah. But instead of being discouraged, you should be encouraged. Like for me, even before NFTs, like when you'd be on Instagram and you'd be like, Oh, I'm not getting as many likes as so-and-so, whatever it is you should be encouraged to like you know in nfts like do better maybe or it's not like do better because you're bad but like focus on anything that you could improve on or um like look at what those people are doing and if they're doing something you aren't maybe implement it into your strategy or at least consider it like consider having more of a story behind your photos that was something that i didn't really realize like especially as a landscape photographer, I already struggle with putting a story behind my images. And when I saw like people making bigger sales and they had great concepts behind their shots, I was like, yeah, I need this. I need to like think a little bit more about having a concept and a story that I can tell. If somebody asks me why my picture is this price, I need to be able to explain what meaning it has and, you know, the story behind it. So yeah, if you're starting out and you're discouraged at all by other people selling for a lot of money you should you should take that as not being discouraged you should be motivated i think is the right word to to you know see what they're doing and just and do a little bit of what they're doing i think that's a really important 100 percent. just to jump on that like honestly you know when you see someone make a big sale and you have a page that has no sales like yeah you're gonna go like oh well i guess it's just me and like to be like people that are honestly just passionately excited when they know someone's photo, especially if it's a good photo and it sales like that's, that's such a big opportunity as an artist. And if you have friends that do that, you know, I've talked to plenty of people who are salty, like, Oh, I can't get a sale and they got a sale. Like, look at my photos. Why don't I have that? It's like, yeah, you know, you can see where they're coming from, but like, really, is that the mindset you want? And are they in it to create something like, cool like be very excited for your friends because they're like your close network and that's what 
you know, social media is like <laughs> Cody and I were backpacking at the top of a mountain. I got a call from, you know, a friend, if you know, Haley Horizon, she's got a sale. She was like crying on the phone and I'm like jumping up and down and surrounded by mosquitoes with a little bit of service. And like, I'm just so happy that that person like spent that time and like created something that someone saw that value and it got a sale. Like it, it's, it's insane to be like mad at like someone in a art space, like being valued well as an artist, like we all want to get valued well. And like, we all try really hard. Like, you know, no one's like above each other as a human being. So like be excited for your friends, like be excited for everyone. Like why, why have that attitude where it's like, well, now I'm not going to get it. That's just, it's not true. And if you feel frustrated, you know, you could switch something up. Cause like sometimes like, you know, for a couple of like pieces I put out, like I burned them because I'm like, you know what? I want to be, if this sells, I will know in the back of my head, damn, I kind of wanted a different photo up. And like, that's not okay with me at the end of the day. Like I want to present my best work as the, you know, baseline. So like when someone gets something good and you know their photo, like it's a photo you've seen for years and you're like, yeah, you, you should list that. That's going to be cool. And it sells, like be excited. Like don't, you know, don't harbor any kind of negative energy because like, oh my gosh, like that's so, it could fundamentally change someone's attitude and what they create if they get that motivation, like saying, hey, my art is valuable. Like it will change what they do. And like, you can really, you know, even if you bought a friend's piece, like it's it's really going to motivate that artist. So like, you know, just, just watch what you do in the community and be supportive because like the best thing ever is to have your friends excited for you. Like you just want to create more. It feels really good. So I think there's there's more to it than the ETH. Like that appreciation, that notoriety saying like, hey, I did something and it was completed. Like that means a lot to the artist. So it's not just a sale for people sometimes, I guess, at the end of the day. Like feel happy for your friends because like, you know, Cody and I right now are about to, we just left our apartment about to travel across like US and like, you know, the, the ETH is going to help that. And it, it literally is going to change, you know, parts of our lives. And like, you can only benefit from being nice to other people. Sorry, it was a bit of a ramble, but like, don't be salty. Like, come on, be be supportive. Like going to like celebrating your friends. Like yesterday, one of one one of my oldest friends, Omente Joven, he got a shout out from Kenshiro, and that gave me the biggest smile on my face. I'm like, let's go for like, like the little things from either getting accepted to a curated um a marketplace or like a shout out or a sale that thing hypes me up and going to the part about like being discouraged about like other people getting sales for me when i see people being successful in that i'm like yo let me see if i could try to one up that the thrill of trying to be better is like yo let me let me try to do this like the excitement is just it's just there in this space and yeah for real i i think we we sort of attach so much to trying to derive why an artist does well and why a piece sells and why ours doesn't. Um, the art world has zero obligation to make sense. Uh, it, <laughs> that's not, that's not how it has ever worked. Um, I mean, a banana sold for God knows how much tapes to a wall at art Basel. And I think the same artist sold an invisible sculpture for $18,000 at one point. Like nothing. I was about to say that (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't have to make like. There's no way to derive a direct valuation to art. 
um, and trying to interpret like, oh man, like I just saw this photograph by this other artist sell for $10,000. Why? You can't, you know, you can't derive that. It, it, it doesn't, it's not, it's a nonsensical thing uh, to try to figure out. Um, it, and it comes from so many factors. Um, and what it really comes down to is why, like, what did the viewer value it at? Like, and if you're not them, you'll never understand why they valued it at that price. So just something to keep in mind. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, this is Fungible. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks so much to all of the incredible artists out here, all of the photographers, videographers, uh, Ds for hosting, hosting the space. Uh, this is like the most excited I've been about NFTs in, in, a, in a little while. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to offer my two cents. I don't want to take up too much space because this is a great platform for you all to use. And I think we're all learning a lot. Um, but I just wanted to touch on uh, something someone said a little earlier about, you know, the opportunity to do better in terms of your work. And I think maybe one opportunity that might present itself in the NFT space is to, you know, do better and educate yourself and your community of photographers about the possibilities that lie within uh, effective implementation and deployment of custom smart contracts, uh, as well as the potential of a DAO uh, that's focused around photography and videography. You know, um, it, it sounds like two things that would be really great for the space as it is so unique um, would be a platform that can be used to, you know, as a marketplace, as well as a place to view photography and uh, videography. Um, and, uh, and yeah, a, you know, a DAO could be used for, I mean, someone was speaking about drone footage and how big of a legal mess that is these days. Um, so it could be used to help fund uh, legal fees, things like that. Um, I'm not super knowledgeable about that space. I'm just really excited for all of you. Um, and I see uh, education and uh, building your own community and utilizing the technology um, as being huge driving factors in elevating this uh, niche of, of NFTs to, uh, you know, uh, a higher a higher place that it obviously deserves, uh, given how excited all of us are right now. Uh, so, yeah, just want to say thanks. Um, there's probably way better people to field the questions you might have of what I just said. Um, but those are my ideas and I appreciate you all and have just followed a bunch of you. So uh, thank you so much. Have a great night. Thanks for coming up, Fungible. Doxing your voice for the first time. Glad you're excited. I love hosting these spaces. It's just, um, I like that I don't really have to talk much. I can just let people come up on stage who know what the hell they're talking about and let them talk about what they're passionate about while I just sit back and relax. And I'm just thankful for everyone who's came up and, you know, we've had 25, 30 people, it feels like on this stage in the last five hours and just thankful for everyone. It doesn't, it doesn't even feel like five hours has passed. Like all this info insight, it's just, I was supposed to eat lunch like a few hours ago, but I just stayed here because I wanted to listen to everybody. It's, uh, it's what's up, yo, that's awesome.
Yeah, we definitely need more of these. Like hearing other people get motivated about creating stuff is like freaking jet fuel for like wanting to go do something. Like, you know, if I wasn't clicking little reaction emojis, I'd definitely be editing right now because like just hearing this conversation, like this is the side of a visual art that you don't get. Like you don't hear the voice of a photographer when you go look at an image. Like you to hear someone passionately like explain a trip, like that image is infinitely worth more. And like to tail back to the valuing aspect, like imagine if someone said like, hey, I here's a really good photo of a family member right before they passed away. Like I'm gonna pay out the ass to get that because that's very valuable to me. Now, do I expect someone else to go pay for my family member of just, you know, in decent light? No, like obviously not. But you know, when you're passionate and like people have that same like topic of like wilderness landscape or anything really with concept design, like you like get excited about it like share that passion because like sharing those stories are just going to make more people you know interested in the field so like definitely definitely appreciate these spaces and like hearing you guys speak is super cool to be honest just as a creator side like you just attach a voice to like the image so you know everything around i think twitter's doing well except when it crashes randomly it's <laughs> it's wild how well twitter has has done i mean obviously the crashes but it i haven't been on clubhouse in I don't know. It feels like months. Um, but now this feels really natural to be in these Twitter spaces. And I, I love that we can all be here and actually have access to each other's content immediately. And yeah, more of these. I love it. And thank you, these for hosting. This is, this has been awesome. I'm, I'm glad I was able to hop in. I just feel like compared to clubhouse, like, for Twitter spaces, we have already a community that we, t we already built with our Twitter followers. Like, it's more natural in a way with Twitter spaces than Clubhouse. I haven't been in Clubhouse for, I think, seven months now. But Twitter spaces is like, it's where it's at. Yeah, I feel the same thing about uh, Twitter space. It feels more organic. Like, I, I, I immediately can go into your, your profiles and get everything. But with Clubhouse, it feels like there is a little bit of friction to try and connect with people. Even though it's ironically it's supposed to be connecting people, but I I don't feel connected. It's uh, it's counterintuitive, really. Yeah, I uninstalled Clubhouse last week, and I'll never go back to the app. Um, I will listen to streams, I guess, of Clubhouse for big events where they're still exclusive. But I just have no joy to get notifications every day of the same five people joining Clubhouses on the phone. <laughs> I would never join them anyway. So it was like, why do I even have this? I think it's cool too, that people can jump in and out like that ability to just randomly leave and join is so big. Cause you might just get people who are browsing around. Like I've been browsing around, you know, just messing on your phone and then you listen to a like talk and then you're there for like three hours and you're like, Oh yeah, I had, I had other shit to do too. But like that accessibility too to see someone's work right away, like, more than three clicks come on you're gonna lose like half the people out there so like to be able to be attached to your body of work it's like i'm listening to you and looking at your work at the same time so i'm like you know trying to put it together like all at the same moment to be like oh this is the kind of person you are that's pretty cool i feel like i now know you as a a human being than more of just an artist that makes stuff online so you know twitter's knocking it out of the park right here they just need to add more emojis and then the ability to transfer host when the other host gets tired and then so the space is just... That's my there. biggest issue, the host transfer. Because there's so many good conversations in these spaces and everyone I do goes over three hours now. And like, 
you know, right now it's 1130. I probably wouldn't be in bed by midnight, but um, it'd be nice to be able to just hand it off. Like, you know, I know we have someone from Australia in here. I could just hand it off to them and they have all day. Um, but, you know, there's no way to change it. So it's kind of sad. We definitely need more emojis too. Whoever said that, you're spot on. I'm tired of pressing 100. I want to do like a thumbs up. Or, yo, I want to do you a know, clap emoji like though, yo. Like to everyone that's exactly. clap emoji, what? <laughs> See, but if you add any emoji, you know, people will start going to use different ones. So like, I guess they have to select so no one just picks eggplant every single time. I mean, not having fire is like a... They, they messed up. Like fire should have been an emoji. Oh, yeah. And a heart emoji, right? Like... Oh, yeah. oh my God! Yeah, like, what the hell? There's so much stuff missing. At least they, at least they put 100. Like I think that's a universal thing besides <laughs> fire. At least you get to click the heart emoji to react, but not use the heart emoji. See, they did that for us. Unless you know what, it beats it beats the clubhouse where you have to tap the mic on and off. Like I get aneurysm trying to do that. <laughs> yeah, one <laughs> thing I've noticed is a host if um someone requests it pops out a little request bubble above the mute everyone or to the left of the mute everyone and then if they d de- like decline the request as you go to click it it'll mute everyone because the button moves right over where the request button was so i've had that happen where someone's giving a really nice explanation of something I try to let someone else up. They decide they don't want to be let up, and I just fat finger mute everyone and feel like a dunce. Yo, I just seen the tweet from Cass. You just bought um for Super World Peace. That's what's up, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be hanging up in my living room soon. That piece is beautiful. I mean, her whole collection was beautiful. Her story really spoke to me earlier. Um, I don't think I could put a bid in on the experience piece to, to do it justice. And um, I, I felt like that piece just like the whole story behind that piece, if you read it in super rare and um, her story about the bear and just like, I don't know, she's very gritty. She has a lot of perseverance and her story was incredible. So I just felt like I had to get that. Dude, major props. Kath has been in the space or not this space, but photo game for so long. She was like, god tier like processing ability and like my goal personally is just to save up enough one day to you know get one of her pieces hung up because like if you're like following an artist like i don't follow sports personally i could give a shit like i want to follow art and stuff that i'm interested in and like getting to own one of those like that's like especially if it's your favorite artist oh my god yes please like hanging it up is going to be that solidified moment but yeah dude props i'm I'm hunting down a piece eventually, even if it takes forever. <laughs> yeah, like I'm waiting for the one that, uh, you know, where she takes you to, to Iceland. And I would love to go and see her process and, and understand how she does all that magic, man. Holy smokes. And this, see, this is what's up. Like, we're all like smiling for her victory. Like, she's celebrating the small and like large victory. That's what's up in this space. That's what it's all about, to be honest. I want to see her edit too. I think ed- watching someone edit is like, it's like the back door to their brain. Like, oh my God, just to see if they use like key commands and everything and what their slider direction is. And if they're like tweaking heavily and then do micro adjustments, like 
I, I hope one day like people have opportunities like that. And like, I guess you can screen record, but that's not really what I'm interested in. I want to see how like someone reacts. He looks at it, maybe even like takes a break, walks around. Cause like everyone's editing is super different. I feel like you, obviously you can see it's different, but like the process you go through that, you know, some people like, you know, it's cool to see that background. That's like definitely that, you know, the blueprint of someone's work right there. I just wanted to jump in and uh, ask a question. I know Jacob said something about angles and when it comes to street photography, like sometimes you could miss those angles if the person moves just a little bit. Um, so for me, if I go out and just take a walk, like I'll probably be seeing a lot of potential shots in my head. Like, and I'm like, I feel like I'm, I have to have my camera with me everywhere I go. I was wondering how is it for you guys that do uh, landscape photography or other kind of photography? What's your process like? What's your like inspiration? Like, I'm sure you have a big package that you have to take somewhere to uh, take photos. But if you're just like you know walking around, is it does it come to your just doing nothing or like how do you get inspired? How do you see those shots? If I If I'm like walking around, like you were saying, even though I'm a landscape photographer, while I'm walking around in a city and I, I see like an isolated person like crossing a crosswalk, I'm still like, oh my God, this would be such a cool street shot. <laughs> like, I, I totally know that feeling, even with every kind of photography, even though like I only shoot one thing pretty much, I'm still like, like if I'm like watching somebody skateboard, I'm like, oh, this would be such a cool like, action shot right here. But, um, For, for me and Jacob, it's like, if we don't have our cameras at sunset and there's clouds, we're panicking. <laughs> like, we're just like, what is happening? Why are we not shooting? Like, we messed up today big time. That's definitely happened a few times. Or like, if I'm driving and it's sunset, I feel the same thing. I'm like, oh God, missing good light right now. What if there's good conditions somewhere? <laughs> it's, um, it's maybe not like every day or everywhere I am that I'm thinking that but it definitely happens a lot i would say a lot more than it should <laughs> i think for me i have very similar experiences too uh but the one thing that i kind of try and tr trick myself about it is like i go out with an intention of shooting if i'm not out with that intention you know someone else that oh gosh like i see something really cool happen and i'm like okay that's probably not my day and And I have, I'm in peace with it, but I'm still like boiling inside, you know, but it's just, you just yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we see a good sunset without our cameras, we're like, oh, it was really nice to just experience it and have it for the memories. But I don't mean that. Yeah. I'm like, no, oh my God. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will literally turn away so I don't have to see it. I'm like, ah, oh, don't look at it. Ah, oh, it's so good. Look at the textures. I, I always try to keep a camera and, you know, I probably shouldn't say this. I keep a film camera in my car always because like you might have a life moment that you just want to capture. And like a phone for me is a reference photo. Like I'll still take photos on my phone all day, but these are like references to a concept or maybe like pin that location on Google Maps. Like it's definitely like you need to have a camera on you. And when I was shooting a lot of film and more street stuff, like 
you don't even leave the house without a camera. Like you are messing up, especially because like, you know, just how life will have it. You'll see the coolest thing when you don't have a camera, like everybody's been driving in the car and they're turning, you know, looking through the rear view mirror and it's like an insane sunset and you're like swerving on the lane. Cause you're like looking back so hard. So like definitely the need to always have it is there, but uh, for landscape, like, you know, you might take a bunch of images, but it's a lot of prep and conditions to line something up. So there might be a gut call, but like, most days, you know, you wake up and check the weather. Like Cody and I, we look at fire cams and weather more than anything else. Like, it's just like, you know, are you going to commit to driving two hours to go get this? But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, always have the camera on you. Like, wh- why not? Come on now. You're going to regret it if not. I think like even... going... Go ahead. Go ahead, Mustafa. Is that Mustafa? Oh, okay, thank, thank you. Like, going back to, like, always having the camera, for me, it's always having that iPad, like... I don't, I don't have all, a lot of abstract pieces up on Twitter. I have them saved for some reason. But, like, if I don't feel like I, I need to draw abstract, I don't do it. But, like, if I feel like I need to do, like, I have that sporadic feeling, I drop everything I do, pick up my iPad, always with me, and I start, you know, doing my abstract stuff. Like, it's that feeling. Like, if you don't have the feelings, like, what is it worth? Right? There's, like, no soul to your piece or to your art. It doesn't mean, it doesn't feel anything, at least to me. Yeah. And I think it also depends on where you're from. Like I'm from like Iowa and there's not many stuff going on here. We don't have many people here. So if you see a good shot here, you kind of have to take it because you are, you're not going to get another chance. Like I went to New York the other day, just probably a month ago, and it was pretty tough just to hang out and do nothing. Like there was so many potential shots because there's like there's so many people out there. So yeah, it, it gets tough back in Iowa. I, I was curious for Brandon. I know he just uh, I dropped down, but someone that's doing a lot of plan shoots, especially, you know, when it becomes your job and everything, like it's it's so taxing that like the camera becomes that tool, so to speak. And if you're bringing lights and planning with models and stuff, like you can't just obviously, you know, run in the mill, just stir that up real quick. So it's definitely, I feel like different for certain people too, because, you know, you might, shoot a bunch of images but like when you get that gut feeling like oh that was the shot it sometimes comes off the cuff but it comes you know it comes through planning a lot of times so like yes have the camera but it's more like watching things to shoot like i feel every photographer knows the feeling of being a passenger in a car watching a scene and then picking out the frame you would have shot it like you're watching it intensely and then you like blink your eyes right when you wanted the photo because like that was the moment and like when you mentally register oh that was the moment like you still get that satisfaction. Obviously, you can't keep the photo, but like mentally, just being in that space, I think, is just as important. Maybe it is important as having the camera with you. Maybe not just. I can you know get the shot at all means. Jump out of the car if you need to. <laughs> yeah, this is a question for the. Um, this is just a question for the photographers. But like, when you have, do you feel like everything just stops around you like slow when you just get that? perfect shot like everything just feels right do you guys get that like feeling sometimes sometimes not it depends, it, it, shooting, depends, I think. Yeah. it depends on what you're shooting maybe and you know in the conditions you're shooting in if you're especially if you're an adventure or outdoorsy photographer landscape let's say you know you might not get the the, the time to kind of allow everything to stop it's sometimes such a finite like moment you kind of the adrenaline's there and you're like oh, you know maybe raining or howling wind or, or something and you're just like i gotta get that shot or the sun might be 
just about to set and you've got like literally five minutes to get your gear out your bag and get your vantage point and it's I find the best shots are the ones that surprise me and kind of you don't plan for or catch you by surprise when you're going to do something completely different or mundane you know or you're driving to work and you know you kind of just I've done it several times now and it's you know landed me in a good spot but it's kind of, uh, you, you take the deliberate detour, you know, like you might go, oh, I, want, I wonder, you know, for me, I live near the beach. I'm like, I wonder what the surf's like today. Um, and one morning I just went down and there was, there was no surf, but there was a family of pot of whales just sort of cruising down the coast as they do every year here. Um, and sure enough, I had my drone in my car and I uh, quickly flew out and got photos of this cow and calf like a mother and a, a baby whale off the headlands and that was like one of my bucket list shots I, I, I was like if I'd planned to go and take that photo of that then I wouldn't have had it but some like there's times where you've just got to prepare yourself for those opportunities like like I say kind of having that drone with me 24 7 um is you know it sort of like goes without saying but as much as everything stands still, I think it, no, I don't, I, I, that's rare for me because a lot of what I move, uh, what I shoot is quite like, there's a lot moving, there's a lot going on and um, to capture like one little moment, it's like, you know, you've got to be ready for it, um, but yeah. I don't know, sorry, that's just me anyway, it might be different for other people or people doing long exposures, you know. But yeah, definitely for me, it's the surprises that come from nature or the unplanned excursions or chance conversations or my friend sends me a message, there's a whale or there's dolphins up at one of the beaches, come down. I'm like, okay, I've got to, you know, because they're, they're here for one second and gone the next. A lot of it is just by chance, I feel. I think the ones that I find are those when I'm editing like oh my that's when my the time stops for me is when i'm editing not not when i'm taking the photos like when i'm yeah. taking the photos it's just it's just happening really fast like right. i'm seeing a person they're there but when i'm editing i'm sitting you know i'm in the zone that's when i'm in the zone actually yeah that's right man that's where you get to hone it in and 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 sometimes i don't know i probably the same for every artist but like when is a photo done or when is a piece of art done you can really We've got too much, too much like creative post-production like abilities now with all the technology and inspiration and you know other influences that you see on the on the on the social networks. You're like, oh, maybe if I just blur that bit, it might make it look more like a you know surreal sunrise or a landscape. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, but then I want it to be super sharp and like punchy. You know how how do you know when to stop is 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 the thing sometimes but also it is that it's cathartic in its own right you can it's sort of like pruning a garden or making like any kind of artistic creation for it's it's the post-production side of it is a, a really enjoyable side if you ask me um but yeah that, i agree with you there mate i I have a lot of respect for you guys uh, with the patience to to wait for weather conditions and wait for these, you know, moments to capture. Um, mm. I mean, uh, the way I go about creating my pieces, they're 
uh, a bit more deliberate. I'm, yeah. you know, going through an entire shoot after one image. That's that's what I'm going for. I have one photograph in mind, um, and I'll you know I'll build out this whole uh, production to get that one shot. So yep. I love having sort of my hands on every aspect of the of the photograph. Uh, did I cut out? Yeah, like a recipe, almost like baking a cake, eh? And Twitter, kind of... Yeah, Twitter booted me earlier um, into the audience, I, and now it just keeps on popping down that it's reconnecting. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, for me, having like control over every aspect mm. of the image is where I thrive. That's cool. Yeah, and that's... Talk about yeah, um, it's kind of like the way you go about creating, yeah getting the ingredients to bake a cake or something like that yeah and then it's you kind of have it it comes out you've got the, the cake is what you capture you know the raw image and then the icing on the cake would then be your your photoshop or post-production work and let's face it let a cake without icing is usually pretty pretty average yeah. <laughs> if it comes straight out of the oven and it's got nothing else added uh, maybe a chocolate brownie might be good but you know <laughs> it's just a metaphor of kind of thinking away around what we do um and if those ingredients aren't right um or if or the conditions aren't right to bake that cake you know for yourself and for a lot of you know people you've got to it takes time and practice to preempt those conditions for sure um and like landscape photography and anything to do with the outdoors you're you know constantly reading the weather and the um it's humbling too because at times you think, yeah, we'll do these shots and it's all going to be lined up. Um, I drove two hours once from Sydney. I'm on the coast up. This is a couple of years ago. Uh, it was going to be a lunar eclipse or something. And I drove like two hours up into the mountains trying to get this shot that I thought would be epic. And um, it was, of course, got there and it was raining. Like it was almost snowing up. It was like, ah, you know, and so I was a bit gutted, like, but at the same time, it was a nice drive. I kind of, you know, sort of teaches you something that you can make all these plans to get the best, like, conditions and best work. But realistically, na like, nature is the one that's in control. And it, it, when it's ready to give you those treats, it, it will it will give them to you. you just got to be ready and have the know-how. Especially shooting surf. It's, like, the most important. I think yeah, man. I, when I shot surf a yeah. lot. I don't think anything comes as close to surfing as like being conditioned dependent, right? It's 100%. like needs to be probably offshore wind, which is probably rare. You need the right swell. And that's you need, it. I don't know if you shoot surfers, but you need like good surfers, uh, all that uh -huh. stuff. It's so hard. And look, and you say that, and that's like you say, oh, offshore winds and stuff. But like, how many, I don't know if, how many people in the chat would even know what offshore winds mean. Like, and it's a very, niche like industry really really i mean you could anybody could look at a photo and kind of go wow that's a beautiful surf photo that's a beautiful wave it's like or understand it but they the fact that to to organize everything to get to that point and the conditions for that location and that break to have those conditions is is so it's it's quite um amazing for for me anyway when it all comes together and for anyone wondering what an offshore wind is, it's basically where you get the wind from the land blowing across the surface of the ocean out to the ocean. So what that does, it cleans up the faces of the wave and grooms them nicely together. It's perfectly like lined up sort of waves and feathering kind of off the top of the wave. You get like the spray and the mist 
Um, and and with that comes better condition waves for the surfers to to perform maneuvers and and in particularly like if it's a good good location and there's um, like a reef or just a good sandbank where the waves are breaking on, you'll get like really nice barrels. And obviously, in the surfing sense, having getting in the barrel is um, yeah, that's another world of its own. But like to describe that and then to capture that. And also that person surfing that wave, you know, they didn't fall off or there's not a drop of water out of place. Um, yeah, like I, my friend is a surf, surf editor of the magazine and um, he was telling me about how this was kind of just as digital was coming in um, back in like, you know, yeah, 2000s and, and just past then. And I was dabbling with like surf photography and landscape photography, but still on like um, film cameras and slide slide film um, and we'd go out I was in Bali shooting my friends in Indonesia and I was going out in the surf there with a roll of slide film 36 shots in uh, in a waterproof housing <laughs> and you expect you, you kind of if you get one shot that was like even you know one or two shots that was like wow you know you nailed it but there was you're like then oh, I've got a great shot it's a great way but to send it then to the editors um it was even another realm of like critique of like oh no that 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 they call it raining barrels or like chandeliering where you got these little droplets of water that uh, just like appear from nowhere and that ruins the whole shot in a sense of they're not going to print that photo on a double page spread because of those couple of drops of water um and it's very very um very what's the word uh, finite very um harsh in a sense um and that was quite in, it was humbling for me to like learn straight off the bat like wow okay this is how it is and um but now luckily with digital obviously it's kind of changed a lot of it you can get like <laughs> how many shots in a on a 64 or bigger gigabyte card in a housing in the water you can shoot for it all day and the strike rate's better but still you've still then got to make sure the elements are aligned and we can't control we can't control the elements yet so you know when you get those special lucky shots of the surf it's like wow for me it's like and everyone's buzzing from it. the surf is buzzing from it and people around them they're like sick look at that wave you got that and that you know just sharing that with friends around like where i live is 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 kind of why why i've always done it just to get their like stoke factor um and you know it's a really tight-knit community here so yeah anyway that's my my uh take on that i just want to say it's so cool that like i i personally would know nothing about surf without cody you know obviously being my friend and telling me and like teaching me about surf and it's so cool subcategories like this exist because like you're gonna photograph whatever your passion is yeah and like i had no idea about waves like i I grew up in Northern California. Like there's sharks here and there's cliffs. I'm not going to go swim in the ocean. Like I was almost borderline scared of the ocean because like you just go in and you get hit by a wave and you hit a rock. And that's that's your experience. Yeah, man. It's always moving Yeah, the micro communities. Like Mm. that's so awesome that art has this ability to showcase micro communities because like Mm. let's just say you shoot in this community, be it landscape or film or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and you have people that are like – understand and they're just excited like when you get like a certain aspect they can really relate to it because they're an expert but like to take it a step further like imagine now 
being an artist so developed that you like create your own category. I think that's everyone's hope as an artist eventually that they create mm-hmm. enough body of work to become like a category or to carve out a space in that regard. Yeah. But like the micro communities is what gets you into photos, like whatever you're interested go shoot that and learn about it and be interested in it. And like photography will definitely make you pay attention to the details because like, you know, there's going to be a group of people who are, you know, chasing that kind of aspect or concept or idea. Mm -hmm. And like, they're going to get very excited if you know, everything lines up like surfing conditions or like cloud alignment or storms. Like, you know, this is like people who are already interested in it and you're just coming from the art side. So you're trying to do this specific thing. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just cool to hear. Like I had no idea onshore, offshore. Cody taught me about so much yeah. that how to swim out of a rip current so I don't just like get in the ocean and die. But like it's awesome. Dude. Just like definitely for everyone out there that Cody. wants to know, like I don't know what to shoot. Like go do your interests. Like whatever you're interested yeah. in, everyone else in that you know interest still gonna be excited for those photos. So like yeah. just chase whatever you like. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, and like also just that collaboration here in these spaces and the nft community it's um you know like i'm i'm learning so much not you know obviously from photographers but i'm, I'm keen to really learn from the, the the digital artists and these guys that are you know it's like that i might have been surfing the ocean for the last 10 years of my life and i could tell you everything i need to know about that but these guys those guys and girls you know ran the interverse, uh, the internet, and let's say the the metaverse, like the three D digital artists, graphic designers, and that side of it. They're like they're surfing that. That's their wave. They've been surfing the internet literally, and like I'm stoked to be able to kind of just listen in and hear the um the the, the like the new wave of like art, art spaces that's opening up, and kind of uh, just sit back and yeah, listen to to how I can now adapt um, and add, not just adapt and change, but add like my sort of style and take on what I do and put it potentially into these new venues and platforms, you know? So yeah, I'm like still working that out and I've got some, yeah, obviously clear ideas on what I want to do. It's just like, ah, okay. So what is the metaverse? What is this sandbox thing? What is the crypto punks? Like what, like it's, it's incredible. Some yeah, I probably like everyone else. Like mind is kind of just like a marshmallow over the last few months. To kind of just soaking it all in, and you know, it's uh, it's cool, man. So do do you know what I mean? Do you agree with that? I think you do. Dude. Yeah, yeah. There's a hundred, yeah. lots of hundred. Uh, this is a question. <laughs> More for the group, but, you know, when people that probably shoot multiple categories, like, for people who are shooting, do you think of the, the like, image of that being, like, the idea? Like, say you're shooting waves. Obviously, there's hundreds of waves. If I said imagine a wave, you know, you're, you, everyone's going to picture something else. So you can, like, collect those, like, the categories. It's kind of hard. I guess to explain it, like, if you know Plato's duality, there's the item and there's the idea of the item. So like you can shoot like a cloud or you can shoot like a super big storm structure. So like, I wonder, you know, when we're collecting these like groupings and stuff, like, are you guys like, you know, as a wave photographer, you're like, okay, I want to get this type of wave this way. And I'm going to shoot this a bunch of times until I get that checked off the list. Because for landscape, like I will shoot Mount Whitney for the rest of my life. You know, I'll shoot Yosemite Mm. for the rest of my life. And because there's variability, 
I can shoot different things over time. And, you know, I want this idea of like, you know, lightning striking half dome that that would be insane. That's such a high level thing. And it can definitely yeah. happen. But like, it's also the concept of, you know, just like lightning and storms in the environment. That is cool to me, too. It's just like that extra, you know, whatever it, it is. Another element yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. And when, we're, you know, for me, sort of, I, I'm, I'm quite invested in, say, um, uh, novelty waves or freak waves that break in strange places or on a micro scale, you know, like waves of a, a, a ripple in, in the water um, from a raindrop. I've photographed that a ton of times. And it's just like, for me, that's the fascination of it is like, man, this is like across the board, like that, that, um, so, yeah, see you, mate. Sorry, just waving goodbye to a colleague of mine. Sorry, guys. Um, and, you know, it's across the board, like, in what I do, like waves, like, and the journey of each wave is pretty amazing. So I wouldn't necessarily go out to photograph one specific thing um, unless I've been asked to. But I think in this art that I'm showcasing is more about the, the, the little weird, like, oddities and freak moments that happen whilst I'm there or... Um, doing other stuff that one of the, the first foundation drop I did um, was actually like the most freak, one of the freakiest things I've seen, but it was just by chance. Like um, it's a wave and it's like a, with the drone, I was just literally, I said it, I didn't even write a big kind of story behind the piece, which I could have written more, a better description, but it kind of, um, you know, it's like I was flying the drone, taking some photos for a real estate client and, back along the way from one end of the beach to the other was looked down with the drone and there was some waves breaking and snapped a frame and it wasn't really in the moment but until I got back to the computer I was like holy holy crap that wave actually was a like a heart shape and I like the white water looking down you know as it breaks onto the shore and that's I've never seen that in my life before so I had that just by chance absolutely by chance and I was doing real estate photos of a house on the headland you know so that's it for me. It's kind of, you've got to make your own opportunities and also um, kind of be ready for the surprises. Yeah. So, hey, I think my phone's going to die, guys. So I might um, just duck out for a sec and let someone else talk and uh, put my phone on charge. Sorry. Thanks again. <laughs> I'll be back in a sec. <laughs> I'm, I'm going yeah, to have to this... wrap it up here because yeah. it's about midnight and. Uh... I got to wake up in like seven hours for work, but um, I appreciate everybody taking their time to just talk for the last six hours now about anything and everything photography. It was really not what I expected when I opened up the space, but I'm so glad it turned out the way it did. And um, I look forward to our conversations in the future. So everyone have a good night. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much for hosting. And thanks, Jesus. Thank you, dude.